It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Tuesday, September 6, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani back inside our New York City studio. If you were celebrating or observing Labor Day yesterday here in North America, I hope you had a great one. Hopefully it was relaxing, surrounded by loved ones. I had a great one. I took my family, my two kids and my wife to Yankee Stadium for the first time. My beloved Toronto Blue Jays were in town and it was very exciting to do that. Unfortunately, they lost. It was not much of a game, but it was cool to take them there and try to teach them about the game. The sights and sounds was a beautiful day. Love doing that stuff. So it was a fantastic day for the small Helwani family. And I hope you had a similar one. Of course, uh, we had a busy couple of days over at MMAfighting.com HQ last Wednesday. Traveled to Woodbridge, New Jersey. Pino's Pizzeria and Restaurant owned by the great Mark Henry. Did a little video with Mark Henry and Frankie Edgar. If you have not seen that, do check it out. It was a lot of fun. Truth be told, I always wanted to work at a pizzeria. And uh, they kind of rolled out the red carpet. Mark Henry was the ultimate guest. Excuse me, the ultimate host, I should say. I was, uh, I think, a pretty good guest. He was just so damn nice. So damn accommodating. Um, We did this little game, pizza game. It was a lot of fun. And also got to talk to Frankie about the Aldo loss. Uh, that was his first interview since the other loss at 200. So that was that was a great experience. And then on Friday, we went to Kensington, which is a neighborhood in North Philadelphia, which is where the UFC lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez is from. Walked around his hood for around an hour and change. Visited his very first boxing gym, Front Street Boxing, where Creed was filmed. And I got to be honest, I have never been in a neighborhood like this. Uh, no hyperbole. I, I was. He told me beforehand that he was bringing two cops with us because he wouldn't do the interview if there wasn't any kind of protection with us. Uh, and I kind of thought he was joking. This is where he's from. And lo and behold, we get there. There are two cops with us the entire time. He said that uh, someone would have taken our gear had we not had protection. Saw where he grew up. It was, uh, to say the least, a very rough neighborhood. And and to say that I now have a newfound appreciation for who Eddie Alvarez is and where he has come from and what he has accomplished just to get to this point as UFC lightweight champion is an understatement. Needles on the ground, drug dealers everywhere, people passed out. I mean, it was... I'm fortunate to have had a very, 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 very good upbringing. I've never... I've never seen anything like that. Um, And I appreciate everyone checking it out. We posted it yesterday on the site. If you have not seen it, uh, do take some time. It's around an hour. It's one of our walk and talks. If I could do one of those a week, I would be the happiest guy in the world. I love doing those. And to be able to see the reaction and to tell a story like Eddie Alvarez's story, a guy who's been around the sport for so long, over a decade, and people don't really know all that much about him and to go to where he is from. That was years in the making. As you heard on this show, he kind of called me out and thought I wouldn't show up. So it was really nice to do that and really appreciate everyone checking it out and all the nice feedback. And of course, there was a fight on Saturday. The UFC was in Hamburg. Uh, Three notable things happened, in my opinion. Josh Barnett beat Andre Arlovsky. It's amazing. Andre Arlovsky has now lost three in a row, and this time last year, he had just won four in a row in the UFC. Barnett wins, submits him, 
a very fun fight, a very entertaining fight. If you haven't watched it, I do suggest you check it out. That was on Fight Pass. Uh, in the co-main event, Alexander Gustafsson uh, fights for the first time in 11 months. He defeats Jan Blachowicz. And, you know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but he got back on the horse, got his confidence back. It was a solid enough win. And Ryan Bader knocked out Alir Latifi with a devastating knee, um, I believe in the second round, and Latifi's head just bounced back. I mean, that was vicious stuff. So for Ryan Bader, a very important win as he tries to regroup after that loss to Anthony Johnson back in January. And now here we are, UFC 203 week, finally here, what, 19 months later, after they announced CM Punk signing with the UFC, we are four days away from CM Punk's MMA debut, UFC debut. We'll talk about that all show long. I am all in. I, I think anyone who's debating whether or not he deserves to be here, I mean, you missed the boat by 17 months. It's here. It's happening. And in my opinion, it's a throwback to the old days of the UFC. Of course, Alistair Overeem fighting Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title, Verdum against Brown too. A lot to discuss. So let me run down today's show and then we shall get to our first guest of the day at around 3.50. We'll take your questions and comments. So hit us up regarding anything. A little MSG talk we can uh, get into and a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the world of MMA. Rico Verhoeven, interesting. We have a lot of heavyweights on today's show. Heavyweights very much in the news in MMA. Rico Verhoeven is the Glory kickboxing heavyweight champion on Friday. He defends his title against Anderson Silva, not the same Anderson Silva from our world, but the kickboxing version. Anderson Braddock Silva in Trenton, New Jersey. That's on ESPN2. So Rico Verhoeven's going to be in studio. How about that? Large man in studio at around 3.05. 2.45, Ben Rothwell will be on the show. He was supposed to fight a 2.03 against Verdum, but pulled out due to an injury. So we'll talk to Ben Rothwell. Hasn't talked to anyone since then. Kane Velasquez, is he next after his big win at UFC 200. He stops by at 225. Always a pleasure to talk to Kane. Junior Dos Santos stops by. So look at that. Four heavyweights in a row. JDS will be on at 205. Duke Rufus on at 145. Talk about, of course, CM Punk's debut. Punk in Cleveland already. Anthony Pettis will talk about his drop down to 145. Successful as it was. And also training with CM Punk. So that's at 125. But first, let's go to the phone line. Um, specifically wanted to start with Dave Meltzer of MMAfighting.com and of course the Wrestling Observer Newsletter because he has great insight on two of the biggest stories going on in MMA today. So a uh, pleasure to have him back on the show this time via the phone. Dave, are you there? I am here. How are you doing, Ariel? Hey, Dave. Thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. So before we get into the 203 talk, um, I want to ask you about Joe Silva because the big news of the week last week was uh, Joe Silva uh, retiring from the UFC. Now, it hasn't happened just yet, probably towards the end of the year, but he has informed the bosses over there, WME, Dana White. Everyone knows that Joe Silva is going to retire, so his run is going to come to an end. You wrote a fantastic story on his unlikely rise to the top, if you will. It was posted on Sunday on MMAfighting.com. And the big question to me is, how much are they going to miss Joe Silva at this point, given how much the sport has changed, the organization has changed? How big of a deal is this for the new owners, in your opinion? I think it's really big, especially at the start, because you know, you've got a guy who has about 16 years experience doing this specific job and 21 years experience being around MMA. And Sean, I mean, Sean Shelby will become the head matchmaker almost for sure. And Sean Shelby's been doing this for years and he's really good at his job. He's, you know, goes back to the WEC days and everything like that. 
Um, and he learned under Joe Silva. So as far as that aspect goes, it should be okay. But the, 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 the difference is the incredible workload that Joe Silva did and, you know, his knowledge of, you know, dealing with people and, and you, know, so, you know, negotiating contracts and all of this type of stuff. And then to have to, br- have to bring in new people, because one person's not going to be able to do the job. They're going to have to bring in new people who are inexperienced at this as far as dealing with fighters and managers. I mean, they may be negotiation people from another, you know, another place or perhaps people who've done matchmaking at smaller shows and things like that. But... Um, it's. I think from an er, the early point, I think it's going to be a big, big difference just because of uh, just the you know you got to learn on the job and and uh, negotiate with these guys and it's it's uh, it's an interesting process. So um, you know, I mean, UFC will go on. Yeah. You know? So it, it's it's but and it, and people may not even notice the difference, but I think that within the UFC, um, you know, just the amount of uh, training of the new people and the workload of the new people is going to be something that they're going to have to deal with. If you're the UFC, do you bump Sean Shelby up? Because it's interesting, he has done a fantastic job, in my opinion, of building those smaller weight classes, 145, 135, 125, the two female weight classes. And he has the relationships with all those managers there, all those fighters there. Do you bump him up and make him almost, you know, start over in a sense with the relationships? Or do you try to find someone to replace Joe Silva, whether it's one or two people? I mean, I think that Sean Shelby's going to bump up because, you know, as far as management goes, you know, fighter, most managers uh, represent multiple fighters, so yeah. it's probably still the same thing in, in that regard. And Sean, you know, in the new weight classes, but Sean's on the ball on every weight class, so it's not like, you know, he has to all of a sudden learn these weight classes. He was always assisting Joe in that stuff. So I think that, I think that maybe Sean will end up over, having to oversee every division, but in time, you know, somebody's going to have to step forward and... and uh, you know, start being the main guy at some divisions. You know, I you know I don't see Sean being able to do every division for a long period of time. But at the beginning, he's probably going to have to until they train new people. Do you feel like this is a sign of things to come? Um, a new era is upon us. It's the very, very, very early stages of said era. But you know, no one buys anything for that much money and just keeps it status quo. Do you feel like you know this time next year, two years, that uh, the departure of Joe Silva will have signaled a big change in the UFC? Well, I mean, the departure of Lorenzo Fertitta yeah. is a real big one. Right, you're right. And Joe Silva right away. And only, again, that's like two of the three biggest yeah. people in the organization. And I mean, as far as like the executive branch and things like that, yeah, I mean, in time, I think in a year, there's going to be a lot of people who have been around for a long time who will probably be gone and a lot of new people brought in. I think it's just inevitable when you have new owners. That's, that's what happens in every business. I mean, we've, we've all been through that stage in, with our, in our own lives and, and in other businesses that we've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as who stays and goes, I don't really have a clue, but it's, I just feel it's inevitable that, that all that will happen. Are you surprised to hear that Joe's leaving? I'm not when I, I found out, you know, the reason in the sense of, you know, he was able to get a percentage of that sale. Um, because of that, I mean, I, I've known Joe Silva for a long, long time. We're actually pretty close friends. And he, we, we used to talk about Lorenzo. And, and his, his thing was, if, if I had the money Lorenzo had, you know, instead of working 18-hour days, I would be, you know, enjoying life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I knew that if Joe was ever fi- in, the, in a financial position to walk away, that he would do so. And now he is in that financial position. So, n- no, it doesn't surprise me. The day I heard that he was leaving, I was shocked because I didn't realize that he was getting a percentage of that sale. Yeah. Did he have a percentage of the company or did he get a percentage of the sale? Because, you know, when we always got the breakdown of the company, he was never a part of it. 
Yeah, he was. I, I, I don't. He did not have a um, a percentage of the company, but I guess that there was something with him, and he wasn't the only one. But I, I don't know others. But there were a couple of executives uh-huh. that you know. I was told that you know, probably you know. I guess right after Joe made the announcement, um, or, or not made the announcement, but after the story on Joe came, he was like, yeah, there were a couple of executives. I mean, you know, top guys, that, uh, and. And they got like small percentages, but small percentages of four billion dollars is several million dollars. So you know that's uh, so there were there were a couple of people. I don't know who exactly, but he wasn't the only one. Uh, Dana White always told us that if the Fertitta brothers left, he'd leave as well. And now here we are looking at a situation where he has reportedly signed this five-year deal to stick around. But his two guys, Joe Silva and Lorenzo, those were his guys on a day-to-day basis, are going to be gone in a matter of months. Do you really believe that he will stick? around for the next five years that's a really hard question um you know i think a lot depends on how the relationship ends up with whoever you know ariel i mean ari emmanuel puts in um in the spot yeah um you know to, to, to be to work with him in the old lorenzo spot so to speak and 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 if if he can get along with them and develop a great relationship with them i think dana loves the sport and i don't think that he's looking to walk away but if the, uh, if the new company tries to make changes, and if the company starts going down with those changes, I could see, you know, just mentally with Dana, I could see that happening. Because, again, he's also in the financial position that he doesn't need this at all. Right. If he wants to leave, he can go leave. If he's frustrated, he can leave. I think as long as the company's doing well, that he's pretty much in control, and he's having fun, I don't see him leaving. But, yeah, it, it you know, he's a volatile person, too. And, um you know, so I think it really depends on his relationship and how the company's doing. Okay, if you want to learn more about the Joe Silva story and how sort of unlikely and amazing his rise was, I do suggest checking out that story that Dave wrote on Sunday over at MMAFunny.com. Now, I also want to talk to you about 203 because, of course, it marks the long-awaited, much-anticipated debut of one CM Punk, uh, 19 months in the making. And I'm curious, we were talking about this before the show started, New York Rick and I, um, do you feel like it has been too long since he was a part of WWE to where the, the, the wrestling community, I'm curious, how much of them do they even know that this is happening? Because WWE, of course, is not going to promote this because of the lawsuit that he's involved in. So is it is it unfortunate that there's been just too much time between when he was a huge star in WWE and this weekend's event to where they're not going to be able to tap into those, those wrestling fans that... That they thought they were going to be tapped in, tapping into when they made this announcement back at 181. Do you get what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying because I've been thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know for sure. I think most wrestling fans have an awareness that this is going on. Did they have the emotional connection with CM Punk today that they had 17 months ago, so to speak? Probably not. Um, but will there be? I mean, the, the question is. On you know the day of the show, the couple days before the show, when it, when you know, will they have that curiosity? You know what? Let's go see how CM Punk does. Um, and I, I don't know the answer. I watched the preview shows, but you know, on on FS1. But the thing, you know, those shows did not do big numbers. Mm. I thought, you know, when the shows were over, I was I had an intrigue. It's like, okay, you know, I mean, I would have watched the show either way, obviously, and, and you know, um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, from a wrestling perspective, I mean, people people were talking about it, but you know, if it had been like say six months or eight months, I think it would have been within the wrestling community, it would have been bigger. Um, and also because he hasn't been around a lot, if he'd been all over everywhere promoting it in a CM Punk interview style um, for the last several weeks, I think that it might have been bigger as well. 
Yeah, that, that's a really good point because one of the things that made CM Punk, in my opinion, so popular was, you know, the pipe bombs, the interviews, he told it like it is, but he was playing a character. And I think now he wants to be respectful and humble and things like that. And I think some fans are confused. Do you think that's going to hurt him when it comes to, you know, whether or not, you know, this will connect with people and the, 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 the ultimate, you know, pay-per-view buys for this show? Well, if he was doing the interviews like he did in wrestling, I think it would have been bigger. But I, but I think one of the things, because I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, it's like, you know, one of the, you know, when, when they signed him, I mean, the big thing is like CM Punk's going to do these great interviews like none of these MMA fighters except for Conor can do. Yeah. And we didn't see that at all. And I think that what happened, I, I think that as a professional wrestler, CM Punk, the thing he had going for him was incredible confidence. He really believed he was the best um, and it came off, and he got convinced people of it. I think in this, he knows full well he's not the best, and because of that, he doesn't want to be fake. You know, and, and I think that the best pro wrestling interview guys, for the most part, are not fake doing their interviews. They, they have a belief and conviction in what they're saying within their character, and I think that the interviews that we're getting from CM Punk are also that real, are real in the sense that this is what he believes that he can do, and he's not going to overstep his bounds and go, hey, you know, I'm the best in the world, because he knows he's essentially a, an old beginner. And his thing is that, you know, he's put the work in, he's trained really, really hard, and, um, you know, he's serious, and he, he wants to prove that he's real, and he just wants to prove that, he wants to prove to himself, I think, that he can do it, and to all the people who said that he'll never fight, he wants to step in the thing to prove those people wrong. So you're more tapped into that world than anyone. What kind of buzz are you hearing? Like, are, are you starting to get the sense that this is going to result in a big buy rate? Are you starting to get the sense that people in WWE are curious, are going to tune in? W what kind of feedback are you getting about this? Um, I, I mean, there's definitely curiosity, uh, but I don't, I don't see it as overwhelming. I mean, if you're going to compare it to, say, when Brock Lesnar fought Frank Muir the very first time, yeah. I don't think it's anything close to that. And, okay. and Brock had been off TV for years, but, you know, Brock had that aura when he was in wrestling of, oh, what, what would he do in a real fight? Whereas Punk, you know, just never had that aura. But Punk was, but, you know, like, realistically, Punk was a much bigger star uh, when he left than Brock was when he left, and there was a lot more of a year's difference. You know, um, you know Brock came in, was, a, what, it was about four years almost after he left WWE and Punk is less than two years. Um, but I felt more, yeah, I definitely felt way more with Brock coming in than, than with Punk coming in. What's your prediction for pay-per-view buy rate for this? I mean, this is the one show that I <laughs> do not have a clue. This is what I'll say. Okay. Okay. Anything over 270 is because of Punk. Because I was looking at this thing and going like, this is probably, you know, yeah. 250 to 300-ish, right? And right. probably below 300 when you take Punk out. So if it does 400, then Punk was a hell of a draw. So I guess to be conservative, I'm going to go low threes. But if, you know, if somehow it does 500, then, then you know, we, then we compl I completely underestimated the pro wrestling audience. Mm. But you, you don't have a prediction? Well, I guess I'm saying low threes. You're, going, you're, <laughs> but, you're saying low threes, really? This is, this is, this is low, yeah, low threes. Low wow. Maybe mid threes. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm just, um, I don't know. I mean, it, this, is the, this, is a, this is the hardest one to predict all year. Yeah, it, it really is. It's fascinating, though. I, I can't wait to get there. Are you going to this one? No, I'm not going to this one, no. I can't wait to just see how the people react to him at the open workouts and the weigh-ins. I mean, look, I, I know a lot has been said of, you know, whether or not he's 
worthy of this, if you deserve, I think we're past that point. There's no point of even arguing about that, discussing that. It's happening. Here it is four days away. I'm just, it's so unique and different. And, you know, we go event to event to event. This is just different. And to me, I feel like it's it's kind of a throwback. This is what happened in 93, 94, when you were the only one covering this damn thing. Hey, here's a guy from a different discipline. Yes, it's pro wrestling. Let's see how he does. And I know in 2016, this sort of thing doesn't fly in MMA, but to act like the UFC is the ultimate, 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 when they're not their own, you know, the UFC in many respects, and I want to get your take on this, is their own farm system. Like they have guys who aren't quote unquote UFC caliber fighting on those cards every single week. I'm not offended by this and I don't quite understand why anyone is offended by this. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not offended by it because, you know, here's the other thing too. You know, when we, when a lot of people romanticize about pride. This is what pride did all the time. Right. You know, whether it was pro wrestlers or whether it was, you know, I mean, some of the people were from, but you know, they had they had actors and comedians who were tough guys, um, you know, and trained jujitsu or something. But, you know, essentially Punk did that, too. I mean, Punk trained jujitsu and, and did stuff, you know, while he was a pro wrestler, not intensely, and he was still a beginner. Right. Um, but, yeah, this is this to me is the epitome of what um, Pride did to expand its audience um, and reach people that were not your hardcore fight audience. And... I think that there will be, you know, there's going to be a lot of curiosity. I mean, does that translate into a lot of buys? Sure. I don't know. It may, but I do think that, I do think that the curiosity of this show is is real high because yes, everyone within pro wrestling is going to be curious. He was that big of a star in pro wrestling. Whether they will spend sixty or seventy bucks, some some will. Um, and um, you know, and just again, it's such an unknown. I mean, how good is he? Um, you know, and he's fighting an unknown. Yeah, so it's a, it's it's like one of those fights where, you know, people ask like, you know, what's your prediction in this and that? It's like, you know, we we got nothing to predict it on. It's not like you know Travis Brown and and Verdum where we can look at the first fight and we can look at their last five fights and, you know, we have a pretty good idea or we think we have a pretty good idea of how this thing's going to go. I feel like they made a big mistake by putting that show on FS1. The UFC fan already exists on FS1. That's where the hardcore fan lives. They had to put it on either Big Fox or FX somewhere where they get the casual fan tuned in, right? I mean, don't you I feel completely like that was a mistake? I agree. Yeah. I completely agree with this because, yeah, this was, this was a show that's more for the pro wrestling fan or just the human interest story fan. Yeah. You know, of this unlikely journey, because it really is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a guy, when you, you know, and they framed it real well in the show, that there's, there's this guy, you know, who was made millions and millions of dollars every year as a professional wrestler who walked away at the peak of his fame, pretty much, um, and started at a you know at the age of 36, training in this new endeavor because he had a he had a real love for this endeavor as you know very well for years, and I think in the back of his head for years he always wanted to do it, and I think that that aspect of it it's a really great story, but because it was on FS1 and also it was put on Monday at 9:30, which is like the worst time to reach a professional wrestling fan because it's the highest rated professional wrestling show of the week is on at the same time. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I, don't, I think that they probably just didn't think about it. And, Jesus. you know, as soon as they announced that time slot, that's the first thing I thought of. It's like between 8 and 11 on Monday night is the time, is the only time slot I would say avoid like the plague. Unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was truly a head scratcher. Um, two more things before I let you go. The MSG show is rapidly approaching. And while I've heard, I'm sure you have heard about some other fights, There, there is no main event as of right now. If you're... If you're booking this thing, if you have the pencil, so to speak, what are you booking for the main event of the MSG show on November 12th? Well, if Connor's going to go to 145 and defend his title, I think Connor and Aldo's the the natural matchup. Is that um, big enough? What is that big enough? 
I think so. Okay. I think so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Connor. Connor's such a huge draw that that I think any you know and all, and and there's a story there. I mean, if not, then Connor and Eddie Alvarez. Either way, Connor is has got to headline because there's nobody else with that kind of drawing power that's available right now. With with Ronda Rousey, you know, obviously not going to fight on that show. Sure. Um, you know, I figured that we're going to have. Um, you know, Eddie Alvarez, Frankie Edgar, um, you know, Chris Weidman, sure. you know, all of those guys should be on the card. Um, and against quality guys, you know, I don't know if Weidman against Jacare would be a really interesting fight. I mean, that's not a big marquee fight, but I think Weidman being there and Weidman being promoting it and, and everything like that. Um, you know, Frankie, uh, God, I haven't thought about who Frankie could fight that's on the card, um, you know, as far as his division. But I think that, you know, and, and, and Alvarez against, you know, whoever. I know that there's been rumors of Lawler and um, Cerrone, Sorry. which is a great fight. Sure. It's like a fantastic fans fight. So, you know, that maybe that would be kind of like where the top of the card would fit in. Frankie Edgar, Jeremy Stevens is my that's, guess. That's, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Get him, uh, you know. Um, sort of a favorable fight for him, if you will. Who's your pick, by the way, Stipe or Overeem? Stipe, but um, Stipe. it's 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 they're 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 both you know powerful guys, and and Overeem's a knockout artist, and I could see Overeem getting him with knees and everything, and really softening him up quick. I could see Stipe uh, boxing him or or going to the later rounds, and Stipe having an edge because I think Stipe I think Stipe's got better better boxing and better cardio. Overeem's got a more diverse attack, and he's. You know, if he gets somebody hurt, he can finish him. So, um, um, you know, it's it's one of those fights that you know it's it's a heavyweight fight that can go either way and probably um, probably win with a knockout. Overeem has been fighting MMA since '99. This is a very big deal. Like he, he's one of those fan, you know, those fighters that there, there's some hardcore fans just love from the Pride days and K1 and stuff. I, I, I kind of feel like this should feel bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like what a journey it has been for the guy. He's mm-hmm. finally getting to fight for the belt. Almost five years to the date of his, you know, his signing with the UFC, it doesn't feel like they they pushed it enough. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you oh agree? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's well, frustrating because so much of the focus has been on the punk fight. Yeah, but but you can you can promote. You know, they're two entirely different fights. I think that you know, unfortunately, um, and I don't blame Stipe for this, but I think that people just aren't ready for Stipe as world champion yet. Yeah, um, you know, he won it, but. Um, and, and I know it was really big in Cleveland and everything, but it just doesn't feel like the whole country has really uh, gotten behind the idea of this, you know, um, American heavyweight champion. And I think that maybe also, I don't, I don't know that this is, I don't know that this plays a factor in it, but in my mind, in a weird way, it does. In the sense of Cain Velasquez looked so good against um, uh, Travis Brown in his last fight that I almost was like, when that fight was over, it's almost like, well, Kane's the best heavyweight as long as he's not injured. <laughs> right, right. And so it's almost this feeling of these guys are fighting, but you know it's re- you know not not that not that Kane deserves the championship because he doesn't right now, but the idea he looks so fantastic that I'm not watching the number one and number two heavyweight hmm. because because of how Kane looked. That is interesting. We will talk to him later in the show, Dave. Appreciate the time. Great stuff as always. Thank you. Okay, thanks very well. All right, there he is, Dave Meltzer of MMAfighting.com and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. This episode of the MMA Hour is brought to you by our friends at Thursday Boot Company. Winter is coming, as you know, and you are going to need a great pair of boots. Thursday boots are handcrafted to be comfortable, versatile, and durable. All Thursday boots are built with world-class manufacturers in Mexico and the USA with premium features such as the best tier one, grade A USA leather, gold standard Goodyear welt construction, 
glove leather lining, a cork bed midsole that molds to your feet over time, and low profile studded rubber outsoles good for handling difficult terrain and slippery bar rooms. Thursday Boot Company is really committed to honest pricing with prices starting at $149, including free shipping and returns. Thursday Boots are the best buy this season. There's no doubt about that. And with their clean, timeless design and durability, Thursday Boots will keep you standing confident for years to come. To see a selection of my favorites, head on over to thursdayboots.com slash MMA. Okay, uh, let's move along. I've been wanting to talk to this gentleman for quite some time. He had a very big weekend two weekends ago in Vancouver, won his featherweight debut, a fantastic fight. In my opinion, it was the fight of the night against Charles Oliveira. Anthony Pettis joins us right now on the phone. Anthony, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the time. Uh, it has been a while, my friend. We, ha- we haven't talked in a while. You kind of wanted to lay low before your fight against Charles, right? Yeah, I just wanted to just push back and focus on the fight. You know, not, not get into the media, not get into the, you know, all the uh, interviews and just, just zone in on my job. Did you feel like it, it worked out? Like, was that a good thing to sort of stick to yourself and not put yourself out there too much? I think I, I trained really hard for this one. So it, my the results kind of showed for itself. But, um, you know, it, it just felt good to get back to, to, the, to the roots of what got me here, man, just fighting and training. Did you feel more pressure going into that fight because of the losing streak and all that? It was definitely a different uh, feeling I never felt before. You know, coming off a losing streak, I was saying it earlier. You're you're fighting to uh, kind of redeem yourself, and I think you gotta you, you get more. It's like more of a mental fight than anything. So uh, you know, coming off from three losses was just a hard. Uh, I mean, it was a hard time for me. So, considering how good you looked in that fight, does that mean you're going to be a little more selective with the media you do before and how much you put yourself out there? Like, have you learned anything from that experience? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that was a big part of it. You know, I just say I just, I just really wanted to just focus in. I don't think uh, I'll stop doing media or, or not do it as much. I just this time I just wanted to concentrate. Now, looking back, did you, I mean, how would you categorize the weight cut? Was it worse than you thought? Was it easier? Was it harder? How would you, how would you say it went? Um, I think it went good. Um, I had a nutrition out there, you know, in my corner, and he um he gave me my diet. He gave me the plan. Um, but definitely, we knew it was going to be hard going into it. You know, 155 is, is, is a weight cut for me, but it does, it's not really hard. Um, 140, 146 is what I weighed in at. That was, a, you know, that was a process. Like, once you got to 148, 147, how difficult was it to shed the final pounds? That was the issue. The, uh, the last two pounds, um, we, because we, of the new weigh-in system, you know, we, we, cut, at, we cut Thursday night. Yeah. I got down to, 100, I got down to 147.5, and I woke up at 148. Oh, um, on my scale. So uh, I, I didn't. I didn't know what happened. You know, so I was like kind of discouraged a little bit. Didn't sleep much, and then you know we get we we got to go cut two pounds. I go down to cut two pounds, and it, it took a little longer than I expected. But I think you know with some adjustments in the diet, and then now knowing what the weight what the weight in process, I think it would, you know next fight would be a lot better. Do you think it would have been easier if it was the old weigh in deal where you weighed in later in the day? I love it. I love this way way better. I mean, you're not you're oh. not sitting around miserable for all day. You know, it, it, the night before wasn't wasn't enjoyable, but you know, I like I like weighing in and get right right to the point. Ultimately, was it your decision to go down to 145, or did your coaches tell you? Like, why did you do it now in your career? It was a little bit of my decision, and uh, actually, Melky Melky was uh, the guy who uh, you know was like just just laying out the process for me. You know, me at one, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a fighter, so. I'm like, let's get right back in there. And Melky's like, let's, let's, let's slow it down. Let's try something new. 
um, maybe let's try 145, 146. You know, we can make the weight, and you know, it's a it's a clear path to the to that title. There's some big fights down there. You got BJ Penn, you got Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo, uh, Frankie Edgar. Um, I mean, there's so many good guys at 145. Yeah. So you're saying? It was more of a. Oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, it was more of a uh, just a strategic moment on on my management side. I think of where we want to be at. You know, my goal is to be the champ, and I think uh, you know Melky just laid out a good a good vision for me. So after all these years, Malki Kawa actually came up with a good idea. That's amazing. <laughs> we we sh- had that conversation after the fight. <laughs> man, whatever happened in that fight was kind of on me. <laughs> I am shocked. That's amazing. Um, so does that mean you're sticking around at 145? Um, I think, uh, you know, if I want to stay at 45, this is the time to do it. You know, now that I know how the weight goes, my weight's nice and light now, and um, there's a lot of good contenders there. So, um, you know, you're going to have both divisions, and I want to be a champion. Um, I don't want to fight for belts. I want to fight the best in the world. At 145, I have some good fights in front of me. Um, also, 155, too, so I, I don't know yet. I think we're, we're, at this point, i got to sit down and talk to Duke, and, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. So they haven't come back to you with any ideas yet, asked you about your future. You haven't had to make that make that decision yet? Uh, not not like a, uh, a solid decision. Um, I've made my decision up. I mean, I, I think me and Max Holloway would be a great fight. Um, you know, he, he's sitting there on the sidelines waiting for a title shot as well. I'm um, number three in the world at, at featherweight, and uh, that's, that's the guy I would, I would love to see myself fighting uh, at 145 pounds. But then at 155 pounds, I mean, there's still some good fights for me as well, too. So it's just I got to sit down and figure it out. All right, Max Holloway. I like that. Um, have you guys pitched that to the UFC yet? Do you know what they think of it? No idea, honestly. I, I, I uh, tweeted Max, and you know, Max said he, he's not in line for title shots. I mean, he's getting a shot, I'm not sure. So, And you want to fight in, in New York, right? New York City, yep. November 12th. Um, I mean, there's a lot of special things about that day for me. I mean, that November 12th is the day my, my dad passed away. So oh, it's always wow. like a rough day in my family. So I think, uh, you know, with, with the Madison Square Garden fight and, uh, you know, that day, I think it would be awesome for me to get on that card and just make that day uh, a more of a special day for my family and not have to remember. Wow. You know, I was going to remember it, but yeah, it up a little bit. Have you ever fought on that day before? I never done anything on that day. We used to take that day completely off and just, uh, you know, I just hang out with my mom. My mom, took, you know, took, takes it pretty hard. So that was always a day for my mom. Wow. And and do you feel like mentally it will be the right move to fight on that day? Such a big card, such a big event, all that stuff? Yeah, most definitely. I think, uh, you know, after this fight mentally, I've, I've been through so much mentally stuff this last year and a half of my life with the losses, uh, moving down a weight cut, pushing through this last fight. I mean, that was that was a mental win right there. Charles Oliveira came to fight, and uh, I thought I had him done in the first round, and you know, I, I, had to, I had to push mentally to get back in that fight. So I think uh, you know I'm kind of I'm kind of finding myself in, in the mental aspects. So I think my career blew up so quick, man. I, I just I was just going from fight to fight to fight, belt to belt to belt, um, and I just now I just had to face some some hard times in my career, which uh, only made me stronger. Yeah, I, I I recall looking at your face after you submitted him and and he tapped. Like I could almost see like the 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 you know three thousand pound gorilla just come off your 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 shoulders like it felt like the weight of the world had just been lifted do you remember what that feeling was like that you can finally exhale and celebrate a win because it had almost been two years since your last win man it felt amazing i mean yeah seriously i wasn't used to losing before that you know before that losing streak i had the uh bar palaszewski loss i mean that was a controversial decision and then guida you know he just held me down for three rounds before that you know i i just i won every fight and then going into three fights in a row for like you said almost two years 
not knowing what it feels like to get your hand raised, uh, it was I mean, a lot a lot of questioning on my side in my life, um, what I was doing wrong, and, and it was just I was fighting the best in the world, and I'm fighting the best guys. There's no easy fights for me right now. Everybody that fights Anthony Pettis shows up. Yeah. He said it you know, in our locker room. Whoever fights you, this, this is their ticket to the next level. Don't don't be that gatekeeper guy. Don't be the guy that these guys make their name off of. And um, you know, at 155 pounds, these guys these guys are our warriors, man. I'll be the first to say it. I fought the who's who, the 155 pound division. And uh, now that I'm going out of 45, I'm not going to be fighting you know any any slouches either. These guys are all good. Uh, did you ever consider, or did you go see like a sports psychologist? You know, sometimes when people are in, on a losing streak, they do that. Did you do any kind of stuff like that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. You know what? I, I just got back into into church more and uh, just got more grounded with my family. I think oh. I have a, a strong team around me. Um, I just had to put together the right martial arts team. You know, I got, I got Duke. Duke's always going to be in my corner. Um, Izzy style. Um, I, I flew back in my my old jujitsu coach from Brazil, and then uh, you know Lou with the nutritionist. I thought I had a great team just around me for this camp. So. Yeah, I just, I just focus on that. A few months ago, you were in Albuquerque for a little bit with the uh, the Jackson Wink team, but for this camp, I, they weren't in your corner, right? No, they weren't in my corner, but I did, I went out there. They oh, had, you did. Uh, they had Carlos Condit out there. That's so right. I, I didn't want to interrupt anything. W- will you keep doing that? I, I'll definitely go out there and spar for sure. Okay. Depending on the opponent as well. I mean, I know I know what body types they have out there, but yeah, I mean, there's so many good guys at Jackson Wings that it would be dumb for me not to go out there and get that that training. I mean, it's literally like a, a you know, it's a UFC fights in the gym. Like, there's so many good guys there. Did you feel like it was tough? You know, like because because Duke had been with you for so long to explain to him that you just wanted to get different looks. Like, did that make anything weird between you two? Uh, I wouldn't say I made it weird. I we definitely had to had a better open line of communication. I, you know, if 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 somebody's didn't feel uh, happy about it, we we, we sat down and talked about it. We made sure everybody was on the same page. Um, I think me me and Duke have a relationship. Where, you know, he wants to see me do well. He he knows that. You know, I, I want this worse than anybody. And if if that's what I need to do, I think you know he's, he's fine with that. Okay. Um, what's interesting is that prior to this fight, the last time you won, especially in the same fashion, amazingly, was 181 against Gilbert Melendez. That night is notable because that was the night that they announced that CM Punk had signed with the UFC. Now, here we are four days away from his debut. Are you going to be, and of course, he was part of your team for, for all this time, Rufus Sport. Are you going to Cleveland to watch the fight? Yes, I'll be there for sure. Oh, will you be cornering yeah. him? I'm not going to be cornering him. No, uh, you know he's he's been working with our coaches one on one the whole time. You know, so these guys deserve you know to get out there and, and, and let their work show. Okay, I think um, I think he he's going to surprise some people, man. He, he put the work in, he put the time in, and people are definitely counting him out. I, I do a lot of interviews, and you know, their first question is, is should he even be at this level? I mean, the guy wants to fight, and and he has a fight coming up, so it's excited to see. When he first came to the gym, were you? Did you ever think like, "Come on, what is this wrestling guy? We have to be around." It. Like, did did you have a certain view of him and what this whole thing was about? And has it changed nineteen months later? You know, what, I, the first time I ever met him was at like, my Cowboy Cerrone fight in Chicago when I when I fought Cowboy. He was there. Yeah. Uh, no, he was a really cool dude. You know, I, I I didn't I didn't really know his uh, background then. I, I, I watched wrestling, but I wasn't that big fan. And then, uh, you know, to have this guy come over for the gym and start watching the videos and see, you know, what it, what it took for him to do that over there. He sacrificed his body for that as well, man. So this guy's not used, he, he's used to, of, of the training part. He's used to, the, you know, the body being sacrificed. Um, and his ego, he, he doesn't have one. You know, he's in the gym, he'll, he'll train just as hard as we do, and he'll be the first guy to clean the mat. So it's great to see that. And then at the same time, um, you know, going back to your question, 
when he first showed up to the gym, I was like, we uh, we got some work on our hands. He wasn't even close to being ready for a fight, and, and not, let him, maybe not even like in the local circuit. You know, he was that he was that new at it. Mm. Um, but to see where he's at two years later, it's, it's amazing, man. It's crazy how much you know martial arts brought us that closer together, and to see you know his confidence get better, him doing better against you know certain guys in the gym, and. And him four days away from his you know USC debut. When you were thinking, okay, this is how much time he probably needs, and this is where he's at. Like, do you feel comfortable as you know Punk's about to fight with the Rufus Sport banner, you know, over his name? Do you feel like okay, he's the best that he can possibly be? Like he he is finally ready to do this, or do you wish he had a couple more months? Um, I don't think anybody's the best there ever should be. Um, huh. you know, you, even myself, even myself. You know, I go out there. There's so much more I got to learn. There's so much more I can get better at. Um, but I think this is the uh, this is the right time for him to test himself. It's been he's been a lo- there for a long time, and he puts the work in. I think anybody who puts the work in is is able to wear our, our Rufus Sport banner. That's what it's all about: putting the work in, busting your butt, and being the best person you can be out there in the octagon. It's not like we don't we don't you know take the Rufus Sport flag in there and say, oh, you need a head kick knockout because you're fighting for Rufus Sport. I mean, if you put the time in, you put the work in, you deserve to wear the flag with us. I mean, he ble- he was bleeding, sweating, and, and crying with us in the gym, and, and he went through the injuries as well. So this guy's he's ready. What was the send-off like? Like, his last day, did you guys do something to send him off? Did you talk to him? You've been there, you know, so many times now, the biggest stage as possible. Did you have a heart-to-heart? What was that like? I I actually sent him a text message because I I took the week off because after my fight, you know, I I, I let my body heal. Yeah. Um, I went to the gym Monday. I watched sparring uh, with my daughter. We watched everybody do their rounds. He had one more session, another Wednesday sparring session that I didn't see, but definitely sent him a text. Let him know I'm here for him. I'll be there in his corner. And... You know, it's more like you, like you, everybody knows it's the mental side now. The preparation's done. It's the time for him to cut his weight. He probably has like a five to 10 pound weight cut at the most. So, I mean, the only thing for him to do now is to fight. Do you think in a weird way this is going to be some sort of indictment on Rufus Sport? Like he, ha- if something bad happens and the fight is short, that it will reflect unfairly poorly on the coaches. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like there's that kind of pressure on the coaches as well? It's always like that. And the MMA fans are so, so yeah. wish-washy and quick to judge. It's always like that. If he goes out there and he has good wrestling, I mean, they're going to they're gonna say something bad about his striking. Or if he goes out there and has a great striking, they're going to say he can't wrestle or he can't do jiu-jitsu. Um, so, I mean, our, our goal is to make sure he's safe. And then he's, he goes out there and you know fights to the best of his ability. It's going to be a tough fight. Like I said, this guy's not... The guy he's fighting is not no slouch either. He, he's a UFC athlete, and, and CM Punk, this is his first professional fight. Like It's going to be a tough a tough task, but he put the work in, he put the time in, and I'm excited to see it show. Do you think that uh, the opponent that they picked was was tougher than the one that you expected? Uh, man, anybody, who, how do you pick like, a non-tough UFC guy? Yeah. That's pretty, it's pretty impossible. I think it's good that they, they gave him somebody with not a lot of experience. Cause yeah. That's where it comes down to, I think. This guy's younger. He's he. This is his chance to make his name off of CM Punk. He's coming to fight. Um, so I think uh, no matter who it was, that it's a huge opportunity right here. But you don't get the impression that he's doing this for a one and done, right? Um, no, I don't. You mean CM Punk? Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, this guy's been busting his butt for the last two and a half years. I, I two years. I mean, I don't think this is. You know, I think it's something he loves to do. Amazing. That's just it. Like, it was a goal and a, and a dream of his, and he loves the train. Uh, when do you get there? I'm getting there Friday. Okay. Um, back to the lightweight division before I let you go. Are you surprised to see Eddie Alvarez as champion? 
Man, that's crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> everybody at that at that at that weight class is so so damn good. You know, anybody can win any given day. It was his day. It was his night. And, and you know, he the way he won against RDA was surprised me. You know, knockout. I, I felt him punch and not talking any crap. I mean, I just that, that you know RDA's power compared to his power was definitely a big difference. Yeah. So so you are surprised, kind of right? The way he won, yeah, yeah in that fashion, yes, definitely. But I mean, he's a great athlete. He's good, you know. He, I fought him. Uh, he's 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 a great athlete. Um, if he, let's say, he fights Connor, who would you favor in that fight? Um, I just don't know if Connor can hit as hard and and, and hurt these lightweights. I mean, Diaz wasn't even you know, Diaz is, is I think number six lightweight, and, and they're making that fight to be the best of the best of the world. I mean, RDA's may be Diaz. Um, Henderson beat. There's a lot of good guys that in the lightweight division that beat Diaz, and and they made it seem like Diaz was like the number one lightweight <laughs> in the world. So I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting when he's fighting you know guys like Alvarez, guys like RDA, um, whoever. I mean, all the good guys in the lightweight division. So is it fair to say, in in summation, that like you 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 the 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 darkest has happened? It's now the dawn. This is the speed because you know you see you see Alistair Overeem. This is a guy who was on his own losing streak. Now here he is about to fight for the belt on on Saturday. Like we we saw the speed bump for Anthony Pettis, and you feel like you're officially over it. Everything's kind of going back into place, and now you're you're back on that right track. Do you feel that way? Uh, I feel like I'm back on the right track as far as training and, and putting that attention into it. But in this sport, anything can happen. So you know, I'm not I'm not going to go out there and I think you know I'm back on the right track. So I deserve every win. I gotta I gotta work just as hard as I did for the Oliveira fight for the next fight, the next fight until I get that belt. So maybe the the lesson is you know don't get too high when it, you know the the times are good and don't get too low. Kind of stay in the middle because maybe that was affecting you a little bit. No, the less it is, man. Enjoy the, the high times because they, they, when they come, they come, and, and, and the low times come with it. The high times wouldn't be as good as if you didn't have these low times. And um, you know, with getting my hand raised in Vancouver, you know, usually I'm, I'm, you know, out with my friends and hanging out. I went straight to the hotel room and passed out. It was just so much, uh, so much. I guess just emotion attached to that fight that you know, I just I had adrenaline dump and it was just done wow. tonight. What, what did you do? How did you react? I went to I went to dinner and I, I went to sleep. I went to dinner with the team. Everybody had a great time at dinner, and we you know, had some good conversations. And we just kind of laid it out. You know, if this is the plan, and I got to make sure my body's prepped for it. And I got to make sure my cardio gets better. And 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 we were just critiquing my performance. Even though I won, we still have to critique the performance. Sure. Uh, well, what a performance it was, man. Are you surprised you didn't win fight of the night? By the way, I just watched the fight, the whole fight, and uh, yeah, man, we were. We I remember in the moments of the fight, it was we were we were fighting, man. The guy was throwing. We were. You know, submission attempts, all crazy, great scrambles. Um, I didn't see the lows on another fight, so I had to say. Hmm. All right. Well, I thought it did. Um, congrats, man. Really happy for you. Thanks, Tremendous bro. stuff. And good luck to you and the team uh, this this weekend with CM Punk. Appreciate the time. Yeah, we'll see you out there. Thanks. All right. There he is, Anthony Pettis, coming off that big win over Charles Oliveira. Now, the man who is in Pettis's corner back in Vancouver around uh, 10 days ago, the man who has been by his side from the beginning and will also be by CM Punk's side on Saturday. What a great guest to transition into now. We're talking to the the headman over at Rufus Sport, the namesake. Duke Rufus himself joins us on the phone. Duke, how are you? Hey, man, I'm awesome. Just had a great weekend with uh, my family. Uh, just an incredible weekend here in Milwaukee. The weather's awesome. Great summer, great life, uh, great team. Couldn't be any happier right now. Wow. I could feel the positivity coming right out of you. I love that. 
Oh, thanks, man. And same with you. It seems like uh, you got a lot of pep in your step on a Tuesday today. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, Duke, I am very excited. I am all in on this. Uh, you know, the CM Punk story to me is is nothing to be upset about, to get my feathers ruffled about. I mean, I am so excited to get to Cleveland and see how this whole thing unfolds. And you have been there literally from day one as far as his MMA journey is concerned. And I'm curious, on this Tuesday, how do you feel? Like, do you feel a little different than your typical Pettis fight or Ben Askren fight? Like, this is a guy who has no experience and he's about to do it. He's about to go in there after 19 months. Can you share the emotions and thoughts going through your mind right now as you're about to embark on this journey? Well, six degrees of separation. You know, the first time I met Punk was with you. We watched the Ben Askren Amasu fight in Chicago oh, together. Right. You, that's myself, Jail. Right. That's right. And, uh, it's it's crazy that we're that's why i was excited to come on and share that with everyone just the, i forgot the connectivity of everything but along with that i'm you know what i'm grateful one for the friendship of punk two for this whole experience because i think he is um he's bigger than 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 the, the sport he's he's is making a statement about life if you have the ability, you got a shot, you want to do something, this is a real-life Rocky movie. But getting back to the serious question at hand, yeah, this is, this is new territory for me. Yeah. But you know what? I love it. I love new opportunities to grow. I love new opportunities to get better. And uh, this is one of those situations. Um, normally, you know, you go to a fight with, with these experienced vets, and uh, it's a different situation, you know. You, they're so... Uh, how should I say, uh, seasoned, you know, going with a guy like, you know, Anthony Pettis, he's so seasoned, it's a pretty easy trip. This one, it's going to be tough because I'm going to be basically walking punk through the whole situation, but I enjoy that. It's like, um, it's like my parents have uh, seven kids. We, we have one deceased, so eight children, but there was a 12-year gap between myself and my youngest brother, and that's how I feel almost as a fight coach. I've got these grown children, and now I've got this new one that I've got to bring into uh, <laughs> the realm of, uh, you know, so I'm starting to relate like my father almost. And, uh, you know, it's, i got this new guy that's completely raw. There's no experiences to go on, but I love it. I mean, every day he gets stronger, and he's getting better. That's the fun part about this, when someone is so raw the improvement comes so quick. And when someone gets really good, it, it gets harder to get gain ground. And um, that's the most fun of this situation, honestly. You, you get to um, get a different experience. You know? And that, that to me, um, at the end of the day, is the experience, the journey. That's what motivates me to keep doing this all the time. Um, he's a tough dude. He's a little crazy in a good way because I think you've got to be a little crazy to be um, a WWE wrestler, wrestle 300 days a year, travel, the schedule they do. Um, you know, he's a very resilient person, and I'm very excited to see what he can do in the octagon. He's shown great promise in the practice. Guys like Anthony, Tyron, they've really, you know, taken him under and I think he's really good for the sport. The message he's putting out there, you know, a lot of the guys, they, they're always negative about money and they're attacking punk, but they don't realize that um, high tide raises all ships. You know, Ronda Rousey was great for the sport. That huge event they had in Melbourne, Australia, bringing, 
you know, our whole goal is to bring new fans, new fans, new fans. We've got wonderful oil fans, but if we want to help the fighters make even more money, we need more marquee names. And you know what? The WWE fans are going to tune in and hopefully fall in with the, in love with the rest of the other UFC fighters in the UFC. And that's my whole goal of doing this for the greater good of the sport. Do you recall what you were thinking back in January of 2015, your very first training session with Punk, where you kind of got to figure out where he was at? Do you recall what you were thinking? And did you ever have a moment when you were like, wow, this is tougher than I thought. He's not as advanced as I thought. We're going to need a lot, a lot of work. Like, What were you thinking that first day? Do you remember? Um, we can do this. Huh. The whole time, I've, I've just always stayed very positive. Um, you know, I forgot who said the quote, but it's uh, no one said it would be be easy, but I did say it would be worth it, and that's the the mindset I had coming into this whole process. And um, you know, it, it, you just got to look at it as if you want to be part of a big dream, you got to be part of the bigger struggle. And that was my attitude coming through the whole thing. Um, you know, sometimes I get blessed. I get a guy like Tyron Woodley who later in his career. He comes to my camp the last three fights, but he's so easy to tweak because he's done all that work. He's, you know, um, it's easy to give him a couple little pointers and it changes his game and he does awesome things. And, you know, but if you really want to be there, you know, for the success, I'm, 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 my motto is we grind together, we shine together. And that's just the attitude I have. I tried to adopt Punk's mentality. I'm doing this. This is what I want to do. So I tried to, have the same uh, atmosphere going into um, this fight. And I actually did the same thing coming into Anthony's last fight. As a coach, I try and get similar mindset to the athlete. I didn't, I've only told a couple people this. Anthony, one of my really good friends in Canada and one of my business partners, if Anthony Pettis would have lost his last fight, I was going to stop coaching what? Um, he had his back against the wall. I had my back against the wall. And, um, you know, I, I'm serious. I, I, that's how much this kid's life and career means to me. Um, but that's how invested I am as a coach. And that's the type of mentality I have coming to this punk fight um, is not, well, it's not a negative attitude or, um, you know, well, skeptic about it. I was all on board. We're going to make this guy's dream a reality. Um, you know, I'm an overachiever myself as an athlete, um, so I uh, can't help it. I'm sentimental for Rocky movies, and I like uh, rewriting the script and making our own Rocky-type uh, finishes. So I'm excited uh, to be going to the Octagon with him this week because, to me, he transcends more than sport. It's it's again, I'm just emotionally connected to his journey because I have a lot of respect for him. He doesn't need to do this. He's, he's, you know, had an incredibly successful career as in the WWE has the financials. He's got a great wife, great wife who also is a former champion. I mean, um, but his dedication has inspired me and inspired a lot of people around us. You know, to see people who don't have to do something work harder than people who do have to do this, is uh, pretty special in my eyes. So wait a second, you were prepared to, to, to walk away from MMA coaching had Pettis lost to Oliveira in Vancouver? Yeah. Wow. yeah I, 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 Did... I take responsibility for winning and losing when you're coaching. You know, um, I'm the type of guy that I, I, I want to be in the trenches with my people. 
I feel like we had one of the best camps we've had in a long time. And um, the connectivity, um, you know, I, I was inspired by Anthony's hunger as well, too. I mean, uh, it, it was a very crucial part of his career. Um, yeah, it was. I, I just, um, you know, I, I, you know, no one took the losses worse than me than, of course, Anthony. You know, just I know what his potential is, and I know what he's capable of, capable of when he gets his stars aligned. He, he's a he's, he's a special force, and um, you know I just want to see him shine, and he did. And uh, I feel like the next stage of his career is going to be a special one. He's got a special special uh, motivation right now. Did did Pettis know about that? That you were considering that? No, no, I didn't want to cloud his vision. I, I just, you know, I didn't want to uh, cloud his, um, his, you know, thoughts and mind. I didn't want my hang up to be his hang up. If that, if that makes yeah. sense, you know, I oh. was it's just wow where I was at as a coach and professionally. You know, I just, I don't know. Maybe it was a psychological trick that just made me extra hungry this camp. I don't know if it was reality or not, but that was the mindset I had coming in. And sometimes that's what it takes to win a fight is getting your mind right. You know, you uh, you, know, you don't have to be a god, uh, you know, all all year. You only got to be a god on fight huh. night. So, um, you know, just, uh, the mind's an incredible thing, and it, it can either play tricks on you or you can play tricks on your mind and make it do things special for you. And, uh, you know, that's just working on that power of uh, the mind and spirit. You know, this, uh, that's getting back to punk. That's what he brings to this contest. I think Mickey's a tough fighter. I've watched a lot of film on him. Young, tough kid, you know, very talented team. You know, like any other UFC fight, there's no easy fights in the UFC. It's going to be a tough fight, but um, punk's here to win. He trained to win. You know, similar to the way Anthony Pettis won that ordeal a few weeks ago. Uh, Punk's ready to go wherever it goes and out fight his opponent. And that's what we've been training to do. And uh, he's doing a hell of a job at it right now. So I, I recall when this whole thing started, you said you want him for 365 days at least to to really, you know, feel confident that he's ready to, to do this, to step inside the octagon. Now, he's had ups and downs. He's had injuries. He's had to, you know, take a break or two. So it's been longer than that. But do you feel confident? Like, okay, when you started, you were thinking you had something in your mind that you said, okay, he has to be at a certain point to, to, to be ready and for you to feel confident that he was going to go in there and succeed. Do you honestly feel that way on this Tuesday before the fight? you feel like he's done enough, that you've done enough as his coach, that he is finally ready to do this? Yes, that's why That's why I just had a great weekend. You know, you, you come in with um, a, a peace of mind knowing that you're ready. You know, you know that you put the work in. You know you put the dedication and the enthusiasm. Um, you know, it, and I think the turning point was when he finally booked the fight. Mm. Is this where we saw him grow? The re- it's I think a lot, and I the one thing that's when I knew he was a real fighter too, because that's when all my fighters turn into someone else. A lot of them train year round very well. They're great guys. They're dedicated, but I see the journey start when the bout agreement signs. You know, it's that commitment level. There's no turning back, and um, I I saw that in him, and that sparked his performance and getting better, getting better. Were there setbacks? Yes. Um, we had one bad day last week, 
that he just didn't have a good day. You know, that happens in training. But you know what? He used it as a springboard. And the bad day um, had a 360-degree, you know, uh, next to me, not 360, 180. Yeah. To the extreme, the, the opposite way. All of a sudden, he turned into someone else. And he used uh, just a little off day, you know. And, and again, I just see him having some character traits that make people great fighters you know and uh no i'm excited he's gonna go in there and scrap and uh that's the thing uh i didn't prepare him to be anthony pettis you know um just like i don't prepare tyron woodley to try and be anthony pettis you know i i look at someone's skill set mindset and that's how we're going to train him um he's not going to be you know this guy running off the cage kicking people (laughs) but he's going to be hitting people hard He's going to be wrestling, grappling, ground and pounding. You know, he's he's going to be a blood and gut, blue collar fighter out there. But you know what? The fans are going to be entertained, and he's going to be fighting to win and fighting to finish. You mentioned earlier that you've been watching a lot of tape on Mickey Gall, but there isn't all that much out there. Like, you feel like you've been able to see enough on this guy. His one UFC fight was what, like ninety seconds or so. Then he has this, you know, this. Um, sort of uh, independent show, you know, very, very low level. Like, like, do you feel like you've been able to see enough on the guy? No, no. But, hey, it's a horse of peace both ways, you know. I right. mean, um, it, to me, it's it, when you do, like, when we, when I train an amateur athlete and we really push our coaching staff at our team, not to overemphasize on game plans when you fight in the amateurs because uh, it's kind of like the, the scene in the Coliseum, you know, we don't know what's going to come through the gates here. Right. (laughs) Um, that, that's how a newer fight is. You just don't know. I mean, I always joke Anderson Silva had his first amateur fight. Matt Hughes did. And I remember Anthony Pettis did. He, he just destroyed this guy, you know, and, and, you know, you never know who you're getting. You know, every great star has had their first fight, you know? And I mean, one of my amateur girls in kickboxing had the, the, the displeasure of fighting Holly Holm in one of her first national amateur tournaments. 41 seconds later, the towel goes in the ring, and Holly Holm is, uh, you know, the victor, you know. So the unique thing about fighting new fights, you don't, there are a lot of question marks. But that's what's going to make this fun. Um, you know, you guys, you, you, all the MMA reporters you, you have a good idea who to pick in a fight but i still think it's hard to pick a winner in this fight too i mean even with mickey's experience it's not a landslide amount of experience as well uh so when do you get out there uh about seven tonight i'm going about five fifteen. we're going to do a later session tonight um i go way back with uh marcus marinelli and stipe's team his manager is a former business partner and friend of mine so cleveland's a real almost a, a home a home fight for me so we're going to be training at strong style all week so we're going to do a late session around fight time tonight and uh just you know punk goes way back in cleveland too obviously wrestled there a lot the indie days and the wwe days so it's uh, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it's it's I'm amazing. Excited. It's amazing. I, I saw him tell you on the uh, Evolution of Punk show that that's the building that he walked out on the WWE. Isn't that nuts that he comes back and this is where his debut is? That kind of blows my mind. Um, you know what? I think someone in the, the UFC knows uh, <laughs> a lot about the WWE. Crazy. Um, and they're just not saying no. It's awesome. I mean, um, I, I I've always said that 
mixed martial arts is unlike any other sport. I think that mixed martial arts is real wrestling. And my biggest advice to most of these fighters is create your, 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 your character, your aura. It doesn't have to be fake either. Like Joe Wauzon, I, I, I'm a big fan of Joe because uh, just who he is. He, he reps who he is, and that's the thing. Some of the fighters, they haven't learned yet how to do things to separate themselves from other fighters. Um, that's something I always worked on with Anthony Pettis, the Showtime moniker, and he's lived up to it. And, and I try and help other people. Even um, Tyron, um, we used our filming crew from the Duke Group at Striking University to do his champ camp this uh-huh. time. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there to create your persona these days, you know, using social media, do more videos, et cetera. Um, you know, because we can always talk about the rankings, but um, the rankings are not really what pushes the sport, unfortunately. Um, that's in real wrestling, the NCAAs, but in, in prize fighting, it always comes down to what fight the fans want to see the most and pay the most for. And that's my biggest advice to these youngsters. Just keep working that. I'm I'm just grateful to be in this stage of uh, the sport because I go to these events, I meet more younger fighters, new people, and man, these guys are getting good so fast and the sport's moving so fast. Uh, it, it, I got to be on my toes as a coach, constantly getting better myself. It's just fun and, and it keeps everything fresh and, uh, you know, there, there, there's always a new challenge ahead of us and it's just Again, an incredible time. You know, uh, the sport's growing exponentially, and I, I see the UFC and Bellator and all the other shows only getting bigger. Do you envision a finish? Do you envision the way the fight? Is there some kind of vision that keeps coming up that you see how you see this fight going down on Saturday? Uh, knockout or submission. Um, early or know, late? It's just, uh, wherever it's got to happen. It could happen early, but, uh, you know, we're ready to go toe to toe. I shouldn't say we, because uh, him. <laughs> you know, our, we've been game planning, but he's the one who's going to get in there and do the blood and guts, sweat and tears. And um, you know, he's he's been going the long haul or the short term. He's he's ready. I mean, he's done a good job of putting himself in bad positions and bad places and training. He's really focused um, himself um, to do that by the way what happened to your twitter where'd it go i'm just not into twitter I, I, i'm i'm really love um i'm an instagram guy that's i i share a lot of technique videos on there and you know what as a older dude i'm um, like i love social media but i i do facebook and i do uh instagram and I, that's enough for me right. you, know, you get enough emails enough text in life uh, you know, it's like hard to keep up. I, I feel bad. I can't keep up with my friends and family and even my responsibilities. It's it's like something's got to go. And that was one of them. All right. Yeah. I tried to eliminate, uh, but I, I do share a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd on the Instagram. I do pictures and I like sharing a lot of, if, if they're not like techniques I'm teaching, I share, I just like sharing, um, you know, cool strikes, submissions, et cetera. So me it's a lot of fun I like kind of networking back and forth with fans and practitioners of all the martial arts final thing for you duke and again thank you so much for the time before you head out to cleveland do you at all feel like what happens on saturday with punk will be sort of as i said to anthony like this this indictment on you as a coach because you have been given this opportunity that you know 
brought you some notoriety and more fame, even though you didn't really need it. And he kind of picked you as opposed to vice versa. I mean, so many people were campaigning to have Punk come to the gym. You didn't do that. And, you know, he just shows up and there's a lot of eyeballs and there's a lot of naysayers and there's a lot of doubters and everyone, it seems like that you're either kind of rooting for him to fail or succeed. Everyone has a take on whether or not he should be there. But at the end of the day, everyone wants to just see how he's going to fight. And you're the head coach. And do you feel that pressure going into this one? Do you feel like, okay, whether he looks good or succeeds or doesn't, it's going to reflect on me positively or negatively? Oh, obviously. I mean, like I said with Anthony Pettis, I, I can't have um, one for one person not be the other. I yeah. feel I feel responsible physically, emotionally, uh, spiritually, m- mentally. You know, you know this. This is I help them choose this path. You know, uh, I am very emotionally connected. So if he, he does not have the performance he wants, I'm I'm going to be part of that process. You know, definitely definitely going to be that and you know i'm going to have to take responsibility too you know and, and i do i mean those are always um i'm i'm firm together we win and we lose together you know it's uh um there there's not going to be excuses just uh adjustments if that's the case wow. you know but you know that you got to i mean me as a former fighter there's nothing worse when when people turn their coattails on you and run you know it's and it's happened to me personally myself and it's um it, it's like losing your parents you know and when your coaches turn on you or people turn on you um it's, it's one of the hardest sports in the world i have no regrets being in it I, the only thing i'm regretful of is bad behavior by people um, you know, it's, it takes a special person to go in there and do what these guys do on the stage that they do it. And, uh, I, you know, not to have respect for people who do that. It, it, it really, uh, it, it saddens me because, uh, th- this is a special sport and they're special people. And, um, I'm always there with my guys, you know, when women, the win, lose or drop, you know, it's, uh, it's still better than not doing it. You know what I mean? That's at the end of the day, he's still doing something that most of the world population have not dreamed of or can't dream of or do. So, um, you know, I respect all these people who get in there and do it. And, you know, when things don't go right, um, I'm not going to run and hide. I'm going to stand with them. Well said, Duke. Uh, good luck this weekend. Can't wait. This is going to be fun. Enjoy this ride. Oh, no, it's, no, no, it's, it's, uh, again, I, I, I'm, I use the word grateful a lot. Excuse me, but I am every new experience. This is, uh, and you know what? Um, I'd like to send a big shout out to all those CM Punk fans listening. You guys are amazing. Um, not, they're starting to support a lot of our other athletes and the, the, the punk has touched, uh, just a group of people, um, in this world and especially a lot of people from different genres of life, people who are into comics and et cetera. It's just not wrestling fans. He, and people who are in punk rock and, you know, it, it's cool. It's, it's, uh, it's it's been a neat journey for me and uh, actually one of the cool things i got to do i got to meet lars from the band rancid at our gym mm. that was super cool <laughs> you know it's a lifelong music fan i'm always uh me i geek out when i meet musicians that's my um that, that's my thing that i love music so um again just grateful and excited for saturday well i can't wait for it i wish you guys the best uh congrats on getting to this point and and of course good luck on saturday thank you so much duke it was great to catch up again 
Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. All right, there he is, Duke Rufus, head coach for one CM Punk, who makes his MMA and UFC debut on Saturday night. All right, let's move along now. Uh, like I said, uh, a lot of talk about the heavyweight division this week coming off of Hamburg and, of course, this weekend with the heavyweight title on the line. A man who is very much in that mix is the former champion, Junior Dos Santos. Cigano is on the phone right now. JDS, how are you? I'm good, Ariel, and you? I'm doing great. Thank you for the time. It's great to talk to you, as always. It's it to me. It's always good to talk to you. So how how is the shoulder? Are we a hundred percent now? Yeah, I think nine nine five percent right now, <laughs> but uh, almost there. You know, the the doctor already allowed me to to come to go back training, so uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. You know, thank God for that. So has your doctor told you when? Like, ha- have you been able to start MMA training? Do you feel like you're you're ready to do that? Yeah, I already started, you know, I, I can't go that hard right now, you know, but uh, I can start doing like jiu-jitsu and wrestling positions, oh. all this, all this kind of things, you know. I can go hard, you know, for for, for real, but <laughs> like a, a normal fight, but uh, but uh, I, I can do like everything. Okay, so what's the word? What do you think is next for you now? Man, I'm I, I I'm not sure, but I'm looking forward to 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 be back, you know, in action because yeah, it's everything what I want, you know, everything what I do, everything what I love to do. So anyone, anyone that UFC want me want me to fight with, I'll, I'll be glad to to be facing this guy. Okay, doesn't so, matter who who he is. Okay, so this weekend, you know, the title's on the line. It's Stipe Miocic yeah. versus uh, Alistair Overeem, and you know these guys very well. Who better than you to ask about these two? Because you've been in there with, with both of them. Who's your pick and why? Uh, between Miocic and Overeem? Yeah. Uh, I, man, uh, I think Miocic is living a great moment right now, and now he's a, a great athlete. Uh, Overeem, too, is, is a good guy as a great athlete but uh right now i think the moment is for miocic so i think he's gonna win this fight you know and by knockout by early or late uh second round second round now are you picking with your heart or your mind because we know you and alistair aren't the best of friends are you kind of hope- oh yeah <laughs> Actually, I have a. Uh, uh, I don't have. I can't say that I have a good relationship with him. Oh. But it's it's normal, you know. Yeah. He, he's a he's a he's a he's okay, <laughs> and I'm okay with him too. So it's part of the thing, you know. And uh, uh, but I'm talking with my mind, you know. I'm, I'm just giving my opinion about the fight, you know. I know Alistair over is a like I said a good a good uh, athlete, you know, and. Uh, We'll put in, in a good show for everybody, but I think Miocic is living a better moment right now. Okay, and what about uh, Fabricio Verdum and Travis Brown? Do you think it's going to go the same way as their first fight? Oh, that first fight was good, you know. It was, it was, it was good to, to watch, and I hope they can give us a, a good show like they did that time. But, uh, yeah, I think Verdum will win again. Yeah. Uh, you know, after UFC 200, you were all over the place because right after Brock Lesnar's win, you tweeted, can I see you now? And everyone was thinking, <laughs> wow, what a great tweet. Yeah. 
JDS versus Brock Lesnar. This is great. This is a great fight. You know, what what an amazing style matchup, all that stuff. And of course, now we know that Brock is going to be out, maybe never return. What was your reaction when you found out that he failed two drug tests? Well, I, I wasn't surprised, you know, because sometimes we can see that the guys, they, they their performances are too much for them, you know. Something is wrong over there. Yeah. But I, I'm not saying that I knew he was uh, on drugs, on, on this kind of things. But, um, but uh, you know, I, we should fight back in, like, four years ago, something like this, when we did the, the tough 13. Yeah. Me and him, we should fight at the end of the, the season. But we didn't because he, he got sick. And that's why I called him, you know, I said, maybe it's the time, <laughs> but again, we will not, maybe we, you guys will never see that fight <laughs> Yeah. because now maybe he's never, he's never going to come back. Are you disappointed that it looks like it's, it's probably not going to happen at least now? No, I, actually, I don't care. You know, <laughs> I don't pick opponents. <laughs> I don't pick opponents. And I, what I have to say is, Thank you. Thank you for USADA. Ah. They are doing a great job because we want a clean sport. You know, we want to know who's the champion for real, not those fake champions, you know, not, not, not those fake performances that we, we were seeing at some point, you know. So thank you, USADA, for, 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 for doing a good job with these things. Uh, your old friend Mark Hunt very upset about what happened. Do you do you feel bad for him? Do you, do you see his point? Why he's so upset about the whole situation? Yes, of course. You know this is uh, this is our life, Ariel. Yeah. This, we we do everything for this. You know we we spend our money. We we put all all our time on that thing. You know and uh, well every uh, our lives is all about that. Then we go there and we have fake results, fake people fighting against your performance, fake performances, you know, uh, fighting uh, uh, against you. So it's not, it's not good, you know. It's a, it's a really bad thing. And I hope USADA can, can, can you know, t- uh, my gosh, how can I say that? <laughs> they can, uh, like, done with that. Yeah. Clean up the sport. He he will clean up the sport. That's it. He he wants uh, some of Brock's money. Do you think he deserves that? Because they actually fought and he failed the test before the fight. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Man, Brock did two point five million. Something yeah. like that. Come on, <laughs> you know, crazy. Come on, that's, he, that's a lot of money, man. And I think Brock could. Uh, and this guy, I don't know how much um, Mark Hunt made. But uh, he's a he's a legend of the sport, you know, and that was a, a terrible thing for him and for his family. So I think that's the minimum that Brock Lesnar could do or the UFC. Yeah, Brock probably even made more than that because he probably got pay-per-view and all that. So My gosh, you see this? It's horrible. You see this? This guy, is, man, <laughs> this, is, this is incredible. This guy that talk a lot, you know, they, they come and they make a lot of money. And like McGregor now, $3 million Yeah. Just on, just on the purse. That's a lot, you know. 
Does that piss you uh, off? I, need to, uh, what I, think, uh, I think I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're going to start talking more and, and, and talking smack about your opponent? Is that no, what we're going to do? No, no, no. no. I, I'm not that way, you know. <laughs> you're too nice. I, I tried to do that once when uh, and I, I wasn't saying too much. I was just, you know, bring. Uh, I was just, I was just uh, talking about what Verdun said in the past. You know, and mm-hmm. then everybody started to to, <laughs> to say bad things about me. I said, "Man, it's not for me. I don't know how to do this thing." You're too sensitive, right? You're too nice of a guy. Yeah, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'll keep being Junior Dos Santos. I'm yeah. good with that. I'm happy with that as well. Don't change. <laughs> um, did you watch uh, Josh Barnett against Andre Arlovsky on Saturday? Yes, I did. What a good fight, man! That was that was good to watch. You yeah, know? two two great guys. And that was good to watch. I kind of feel like JDS versus Barnett makes some sense. What do you think of that? I think so, too. Yeah, oh. any one of them, like I said, man, maybe, you know, we can have this fight happening. Me and Barnett or me and uh, any one of them, me and Verdun, me and King Velasquez, because King Velasquez just fought. That's right. I, I think he's going to be the next for the, the title. Yeah. But if he don't, then we can fight again for the fourth time. Fourth time? You want I, I, like that? Like I said, uh, Ariel, I don't care about who I'm going to be fighting against, you know? I just I'm, I just want to fight, you know, because I want to I wanna show people how good I am mm. and why I believe so much that I can be the champion again, Yeah, you know? Especially coming off that last uh, win, which we talked about last time, probably your best performance since you became champion, right? I think so, yeah. I, I, I felt like I found myself again. Yeah. Because I was too much worried. Uh, I, I was uh, worried about uh, takedowns, about the judo. I have to improve my jiu-jitsu. I have to improve my takedowns. I have to, pr- to improve my wrestling, my Muay Thai. Come on. I'm a boxing guy, man. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to use my hands, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to knock these guys out. All of them. How many times have you watched it, that Ben Rothwell fight? Uh, I think uh, 10 times, <laughs> something like that. It's fun, I was, right? Uh, I, I, w- one of the things that I learned was to stud myself, you know? I used to watch a lot of my fights now, especially the ones that I failed, like with Overeem, you know? The fights like with Cain Velasquez, he was better, you know? He was, uh, he did a, he had a great performance on that night and, you know... Uh, I'm not saying that Overing wasn't better than me. He was, but uh, that was a. Uh, I I I I feel I feel like I give too much space for him. I allowed him to do that with me. So uh, I want to change those those kind of things. You know, I want to impose myself during the fight and throw some hard punches on their faces. Speaking of boxing, uh, recently you you were training with uh, boxing champion Anthony Joshua, right, in Brazil. Yeah, we did actually. <laughs> we did a small, a small uh, training there. You know, what a nice guy! And that, how did that, that happen? Was, was a good experience. How did you link up with him? Yeah, it actually, it was uh, one of the sports brands, the the sports brand that uh, uh, brought him and me for the Rio. Then uh, we we met and we did a. Uh, a training there with uh, Under Armour, you know, Under uh. Armour brought us there and did a little, little, 
little training between us, you know. Everybody knows that I'm a boxing guy, you know, and for me it was a big pleasure to be training one, uh, training with one of the, the, the best guys in boxing. Are, are you, he's, he's really good. Are he's you a very nice guy. Yeah, are you an Under Armour guy now? Uh, not yet, but I'll, almost. All right. I love <laughs> I, that. I'll talk to him, you know, uh, to them. Uh, but uh, let's see. Let's see, maybe. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Good luck. Thank you. Um, so you were in Rio for the Olympics, right? Yeah, I was there. I was uh, commentating the, the boxing match uh, for, for, you know, for Brazil. Wow. And that was a great experience, too. That's amazing. So what do you think? The, the, there was a lot of controversy with the judging and everything. Do you think it's corrupt? Do you think they need to change the amateur system and the boxing, um, the Olympic scoring? Do you think it's a mess? Uh, I, I, it was a mess before, you know. It is, it is a mess right now. It's kind of hard, you know, to, to, to judge that thing, you know, because uh, it's all about what they see, what the judge sees. Everywhere it's like that, you know, even in MMA, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to, to accept. So we, we have to deal with that and, uh, and you know, keep going. Did you get a chance to see any of the other events while you were in Rio? Uh, I didn't. I saw uh, a volleyball game oh. where <laughs> Brazil lost the gold medal. Oh. <laughs> And some uh, some of these things, you know. But I, I was, yeah, I was following following on TV, you know, the soccer uh, soccer match, and some some of some of the, the 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 games. So so if JDS, based on your experience with uh, Anthony Joshua, JDS goes into boxing right now, how do you do? Do you think you can? You know, here we are talking about CM Punk coming to the UFC and all that stuff. Do you think that you can go right into boxing? And become a champion right away, or would you have to change your habits and the way you train all that? Oh, come on, Ariel. That would be paradise for me, man. <laughs> come on. Not worrying about takedowns, not worrying about, about jiu-jitsu, about kids. Come on. <laughs> that would be paradise for me, man. I would, man, I would be like very... I would be home. I would be home for sure, you know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a uh, great... Actually, I love boxing, you know, everybody knows that. Yeah. And I think I could do very well, but I, I cannot start a career right now, you know. That long time, like when, when, I, when I was champion, I challenged uh, the, champ, the, the current champion of the world that was uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Yep. At that time, you know. <laughs> and maybe, you never know, so, but, uh, but I can tell you, man, that would be paradise for me. So wait a second. You say it would be paradise that you would be home. Why don't you do it? I mean, you you could get paid. You can. You're a big name. It would be a big deal. Why Why don't you just do boxing? Uh, I think you know. I, actually, I, I love MMA. You know, I love what I do uh, and who I am here. You know, I, I love uh, the Cigano here at the MMA, and uh, and I cannot start a career right now. You know, in boxing, it's uh, it's kind of hard. You know, in boxing, there's too many organizations, too many people, you know, uh, negotiating. That's I, I don't know, but that's that's kind of hard. All right, uh, I, I would do that if I had a great opportunity. But uh, but uh, I can tell you, I'm really happy being Junior dos Santos, the MMA fighter. You should be now. Do you do you live full time in Florida now? Uh, yeah, 
Uh, almost that. Almost that. <laughs> I'm, I'm here the most part of the year. You, you feel good? You feel good with the move and, and with the team there? You feel like you're comfortable? You're, you're in a good place? Yes, I feel good. You know, I feel it's, it's good to be here in, uh, in America. You know, it's an amazing country and uh, the opportunities that I'm having here. I can take care of myself better here, too. Oh. So we can bring, we can bring people uh, to help me. And, uh, well, everything is going good, and I think with the time, it's going to get better. What do you mean when you say that you can take care of yourself better in America? Like, we can have good supplements, we can have good food. Uh, it's easier to get that thing. There in Brazil, it's to have, a, like, a, a good equipment to train, mm. uh, to train um, good, uh, good uh, supplements to, to take. It's so expensive and so hard to, to, to have that. And here, you can go to the market and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, right? America, the land of yeah, opportunity. Yeah, America is America, man. <laughs> are, are, are you going to go to Cleveland to watch the fights? Say it again? Are you going to go to Cleveland this weekend to watch uh, the heavyweight title fight? That's your division. Yes, I will. I'll be there. Oh. Actually, I'm very... Excited for you for for this, you know. I can I can't wait to to see everything going on again. I, in the the, the I'm, I'm feeling like you know I'm really happy and I'm feeling relaxed because I'm going uh, I, I, I'm going I'm starting a new moment in my career. That's what I I'm seeing like wow because yeah because. Uh, all this, this time, if you, if you remember, in my last fight, I was saying, man, this last two years were hard for me because I have too many injuries. So, man, now three years, almost three years, because I had another injury. <laughs> so that, that's, that's hard for us, you know. I was uh, going through a, a tough moment, but uh, it, was, it was good, you know, because it, uh, I think it made me strong. And I'm coming to win again. When, when was the last time you felt this good, this happy, this relaxed, this comfortable? Do you recall the last time you felt this way? Yeah, I think, man, I think it was when I uh, might be doing on UFC. What? Because, uh, yeah, I felt so happy about that. And I'm feeling like that again, you know. I, I, I have too much confidence on me. I really, really believe that I'm going to be the champion again. I, can, I, I take a look on the division. Right now, you know, on these guys and everything what's happening, you know, I respect, uh, they, uh, respect, uh, respect all of them, especially the champion. Mio Cic is a great champion. But, uh, man, I, I'm coming for all of them. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm feeling like that. You know, I can do it. Uh, last thing, in, in a perfect world for you, when would you like to return? Like, do you have a month in mind, an event in mind? Yeah, like I said before, uh, I think uh, I'm going to be able to, to come back Oh, uh, in December. Okay, At the okay. end of November, but the, I think December is better. Okay. At the beginning of December, uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be a good time, a good time for us. Wow. We're going to have, a, I think UFC is going to have a event uh, yeah. at Canada. Toronto. December 10th. Yes. Something like this. This one would be good. Oh. Or I don't know, anyone, anyone. Oh, they'll love you in Toronto. Toronto is a great place. Yeah. Yeah, I fought in Vancouver. That's that right. That was good, a good experience. That's right. The Canadians are very nice. They like nice people like you, JDS. So I think you'll, you'll fit in very <laughs> well, nicely I like there. Too. <laughs> uh, what a pleasure. Great to catch up with you. I'm very happy to hear that you're doing well mentally, physically. 
great news and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there in Cleveland uh, have a have a safe trip enjoy the fights and again thank you so much for the time always love having right. you on the show Junior cool thank you very much I'll see you there in Cleveland alright there he is the former UFC heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos very excited about his future now who knows JDS better than our next guest how about this we've got the the unicorn on our show. That's what I call Cain Velasquez because he's such a hard guy to pin down, but we have found him. I believe he is on the phone right now. Cain Velasquez, are you there? Just kidding, I'm here. Yes, I am. <laughs> For a second, my heart stopped. Uh, such a hard guy. <laughs> uh, what a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, Cain. Not a problem. Thank you. I, I could feel just the enthusiasm coming out of you. are so happy to do this on a Tuesday morning. You, you could think of nothing better to do than come on my show this Tuesday, right? Exactly, so, especially this Tuesday, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, all right, well, there's a lot going on, Kane. There's a lot going on in your life in the heavyweight division. So here we are. We're just days away from the heavyweight title being defended, Stipe Miocic versus Alistair Overeem. And, you know, we had a guest on earlier in the show, Dave Meltzer, who said that maybe one of the reasons why this heavyweight title fight doesn't feel like such a big deal, because you returned in July, not that long ago, around two or so months ago now, and we kind of got a glimpse of, you know, maybe who the real best heavyweight in the world is. Do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like people still kind of view you as the heavyweight king, even though you're not technically the champion? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, people know that if I'm 100% going into a fight, that there's nobody out there that can touch me, you know, and um, I still feel that way going into practice every day, you know, um, it's just some things that I've had to change to uh, to be that guy again, you know. And it, it was just more, more, more rest during the uh, our workouts during the during the camps, more maintenance on the body. And with that, I mean, I'm able to uh, perform the way I want to. So right now, how, how do you feel? Like, do you feel you know two months after your fight, do you feel like you figured out that formula of trying to be in the best shape possible? <clears throat> I feel like I have. I feel like I've done. Um, you know, enough to be ready for a fight, but not not too much where, you know, I have little nagging injuries um, in my body. So, you know, I'm excited, you know, for this for this fight, for Stipe and, and over him to fight. And, um, you know, I want the winner. I want the winner of, uh, of whoever wins. Um, I know I can beat, you know, whoever wins. So that's what I'm looking for. Is it weird for you to see two other guys not named you fight for the heavyweight title? Do you feel like they're kind of fighting for your belt? You know what? Uh, you know, no. Right now, you know, those guys uh, are in the position that they're in, you know, because all the hard work that, 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 that they have put in. And I just know if I get my chance you know, or just when I get my chance, you know, I'm going to get that back and I'm going to hold it for, for, for a long time. Have you or your management been told that you are getting the winner? We haven't. We haven't. I think it's more of a thing that... You know, we just have to wait and see what happens with uh, with that whole night, um, with that car to fight, you know. And then, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, I feel like I'm deserving uh, the the next title shot. So so hopefully. Okay, who's your pick? Stipe or Overeem? Who's my pick? Um, you know what? I'm not much of a guy who picks fights. Oh, come on, Kane. Um, I don't really care who wins. I'm not a fight. I'm not a fight fan, really. Okay. I don't really care who wins. I want the best guy to win, and I want to fight the best guy, and that's it. That's how. That's how I see it. So you don't have a preference, like, oh, this will be a better fight. This will be a more interesting fight for me. You don't feel that way at all. 
No, no, both guys are different. I feel like, you know, Overeem obviously is a guy, great stand-up guy, you know, who would want to keep the fight on the feet, definitely. And I feel like, like Stipe is uh, more similar to my style, where he does everything really well. Um, you know, he's good. He's conditioned. He, he's a smaller heavyweight. Um, I feel like both guys uh, pose threats, you know, in, in their own rights. And I feel like, you know, um, with my style of fighting, I can beat both those guys, yeah. So you say you don't watch a lot of fights. Will you even watch this one on Saturday? Maybe. I might, I might watch it. Will you be there? Will you go? <laughs> will I be there? Um, you know, the UFC hasn't had me. Um, they haven't asked me to go, so I'm guessing not. And, you know, I think now in this day and age, I mean, the guys don't really have to be at the fights. You know, you kind of know who's, um, who's, who's the number one contender is and everything else. So, you kind of know who will get the next title shot, definitely. Okay, so you feel confident. You don't have to show up. You don't have to sit in the front row. You think you're getting it just based off of who you are, your last performance, all that stuff. I think so. I think so, yes. Are you Are you surprised that Travis Brown is coming back so quickly after you know what you did to him two months ago? I think so, a little bit, you know, but it just shows, you know, what, what type of guy he is, you know. Um, um, he feels that like he can come back and and fight a better fight against Verdum, and I, you know, I feel like he can too, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, with with him and Verdum in the last fight, they were, you know, first round. I would say, you know, uh, um, Brown Brown won won, the, won that round, and then just uh, with the uh, you know the, the shape issue, I guess, you know, Verdum was always in, in good shape, so he ended up winning that fight. You know, so he, so I mean, with with this next one, I think it, it could be different. It could be different. Um, in that fight, the 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 UFC 200 fight, you you opened the pay per view card and you just look like a man possessed. So light on your feet, so agile. I mean, what what a great performance you finished him in the first round. The spinning the spinning wheel kick. I mean, wow, it was like watching a, a featherweight version of of Cain Velasquez. When was the last time you felt that good in a fight? I felt that good. Um, or did you not um, feel good? You know, I would say, I would say, I would say against, um, um, you know, uh, against Dos Santos, probably. I would say, you know, that's that's the last time I I felt I felt that good. Yeah, yeah, against fighting him. You know, which time <laughs> again? You know, um, just uh, I would say with the whole trilogy, I, I felt good. You okay. know, the the first, obviously, the first fight. You know, there were some. I mean. He was he was better that night, you know, and that was it. No excuses, obviously. Um, but I felt good on the rematch and then the uh, the third fight. Um, but again, I feel like now with with how much experience that I have, and you know, with the hard workers that we have, I know what to do as far as keeping my body, um, you know, at, at its optimum level, and that's not overtraining it. Always doing, um, you know massages and I, I, that, that's all that's all work for your body you know to, to keep you maintained and um I feel, I feel like i'm doing that now so it's it's helped me out a lot and you see it in, in, in my last fight when, when you were forced to pull out of that fight um super bowl weekend was there ever a moment you know you had to get the the, the minor back surgery did you did you question whether or not you'll ever be able to return to the form that we saw in july were you starting to doubt yourself at all with all the injuries and everything going on you know, you uh, 
you do. You you always start to doubt yourself, but then when you go back to the gym, you know, and obviously you take it slow the first, you know, first couple months, and then when you're able to go ahead and and train full go, I mean, I feel like I'm the same guy that I was before. You know, I'm I'm moving the same. Um, I'm getting better. You know, um, so you know, I, I still feel powerful and everything else. So. As far as, you know, the, the little nagging issues, yeah, stuff that's happened, you know, in the past, definitely, and, you know, it could happen in the future. It could, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to work my butt off, and I'm here to uh, get that belt back. Uh, do you feel like in the early stages of your career, you made mistakes that you paid the price for? Or maybe does it go back to your wrestling days where you just kind of, because that's what everyone was saying. Oh, he beat up his body too much. He, he put it, you know, too much strain on his back. Do you feel like you, you paid the price for that, you know, this year earlier on, you know, the, the, the back surgery and all that stuff? I feel like I paid the price now because back then I didn't, I never maintained my body. You know, um, it was more so, always the mentality that I go into the gym and I'm ready to go. You know, it's never a thing of now, now I take like 30 minutes before practice and, and foam roll my, my whole body, get all the knots out. And, you know, I would say that's, that's one of the, the best things that I've done that I've never done in the past. You know, the, your, your body, I mean, our bodies are, are race cars, you know, we always need maintenance. You know, tires, wheels, we need a little tweaks here and there every day, every day before practice. And I wasn't doing that, that those maintenances be, before practice or afterwards. Now I am, and, you know, I know my body, and um, I know how, how to make it work at its optimum level now. So, so yeah. Have you watched that fight against Verdum yet? I've watched, uh, you know, a lot of the, just the, the the replays and stuff so I, I pretty much watched it yeah yeah you know I, I saw I know I, I was there I felt myself after the first round just you know not being able to give anything but I was trying you know that, that's all you could do and um you know with that fight obviously it's a thing of not being prepared and not going out to Mexico City uh beforehand you know like I should have but you, you've never actually sat down and said okay I'm going to watch this from beginning to end in one sitting no, no, I haven't watched. Uh, I haven't watched the whole thing. No, is that, just little you know bits and pieces of it. Is that important for you to do? Like, do you need to do that? Are you avoiding doing that? No, no. You know, if if we get in a rematch with Verdum, definitely. You know, we'll we'll watch it. You okay. know, but right now, there's there's really for me, there's no point to. Um, I know what I did wrong there, and you know that has to do with the preparation beforehand. Yeah. Uh, I know you were recently in Mexico City for some, you know, kind of media tour, victory tour. What was it like? How did they receive you over there? Oh, great! You know, it's always great when I when when I head down there, and uh, you know, um, just uh, you know, just always love and support. You know what I mean? And um, you know, the people there know what I'm capable of. Know that I can come back and. Uh, and, and get that belt back, definitely. So you don't feel like the loss in Mexico City in particular affected your popularity there at all? It might have, definitely. You know, I mean, it's always good to go there and, and, and get a win. You know, I think, uh, you know, but going around, you know, it being in Mexico City, walking around, you know, just seeing the people there, I mean, um, they're, they're big fans of this sport and, and uh, you know, they're, you know, 
I would say I'm their, I'm their favorite, you yeah. know, and I, I, I love to be that person. You know, I love that I am that person. Um, I think a win definitely would have been, would have been much better, obviously, you know, but do I feel a difference between, you know, if I would have won or if I would have lost between the people? No, you know, I, I would say no, because the people there are just, you know, just so humble. They love you, whether, you know, you, you've lost or, or, or you've won. They're always behind you. And I felt like since my, my career started, I've, I've felt that, you know, on the social media and just talking to people. And that's great that I have fans like that that are always behind me. So do you feel like you kind of owe them another, like, even though training there is a little more difficult, the higher altitude, all that stuff, do you feel like you need to go back there at least one more time and fight in front of them and give them a, a victory? If the opportunity comes up, yeah, I would. I would, I would go back there and fight, obviously, and go back there and, and be prepared and do my whole uh, training camp out there and, yeah, get a win in front of the, in front of the, the fans over there, definitely. I would So you do the training camp start to finish, like not even a little bit in San Jose? You would do the whole thing there? Yeah, I would have, I would have to do the whole thing, you know. I would uh, feel much better. Uh, just you know me and and my team to, to be out there and uh and training out there and just doing the whole training camp out there wow you know i just think it's it's that that big of a difference you know to to be going there early two weeks it just wasn't enough you know it needs to be the whole training camp out there it needs to be eight weeks or nine weeks out there and uh and training yes um so you you're a part of this movie uh kickboxer vengeance the uh the sequel if you will uh, a lot of famous people, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I read, I was reading about, you know, your involvement in the film. Is it true that when you were in college, you took acting classes? Is that right? You know, they're a little, yeah, of course. You, know, you, you get so many classes in college and electives and everything else like that. And, uh, yeah, and some of the classes we had to do acting, yeah. What? So, so okay, um, so this wasn't something that like you, you thought you were going to be an actor or wanted to be an actor. I just can't see you in an acting class. I don't know. <laughs> it just you don't. Struggle. Not not that I wanted to be, but okay. I mean, it was something different, you know. And yeah, doing it. I mean, it was it's fun, you know. I like it. It's fun, and obviously, if I get more uh, roles or you know offers to do movies, you know, I I will do them definitely. Um, I know it takes a lot of you know hard work and skill, just like. It's like fighting does, but it's you know it's a different it's a different uh, different sport. I would guess you you know you would say different craft. Sure. And, um, I think it's yeah. I think it's something that 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 I like definitely. Um, was it weird doing the film like three or four weeks after the Verdum fight with him on set? A little weird, yes. I'm not gonna lie about that. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> did, did you guys talk to each other? Like, what was that like? No, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's just a more of a, you know, high buy type of thing, you know, just uh, respectful, you know, because he, he, he beat me that night, definitely. And it doesn't mean that, that I wasn't uh, mad about it, you know. I want a rematch there in Thailand, but, you know, you can't you can't do that kind of stuff. So, Whoa, you challenged um, him to a fight in Thailand yeah. on the set of the movie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I said I wish. Oh, you I wish. wish. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, it's, you know, you just again, it's all, it's all respect. You know, he 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 beat me that night, so you know, that was it. Was he doing that face to you, like from the other side of the, you know, the face I'm talking about, right? The one that kind of, was he doing that <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of thing? I was, uh, as a, 
as I was doing the scene, yeah, he was doing it like, you know, he was doing it off and on. Oh man, you must have wanted to punch no, him no, right in. No, no, oh, okay. <laughs> no. If he wasn't, if he was, if he was, I probably would have walked over there. And, yeah, give me a good one. No. Face, definitely. Did you think about not doing it after the fight because he was involved and just? I'm sure you weren't really in the mood, right? No, you know, uh, he's again, he's 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 very uh, respectful, and I I feel like I am too, you know, okay. and. Again, you know that was just that was just work, you know. Uh, we went out there and worked that night, you know, the the, the night that we fought, you know. That's just, just what we had to do, and he came out on top. And you know, I respect that for him for uh, you know being out there so early, being prepared. Um, you know, he had he had everything ready, you know. So so there's nothing I could take away from from Verdum that night. By the way, I was I was talking to JDS about this, and and since um, you know you you have this history with him as well, what was your reaction when you found out about Brock Lesnar and his failed drug tests? Um, you know, I'd, I would say from the look of his body, I mean, it didn't surprise me. You know, hmm. um, he's he's just a big, massive guy that that you don't you know you don't see other fighters like that, and that he came out positive, um, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks. I just want I want my competitors, you know, um, the guys that I fight against to be on the same, on the same level that I am, you know, and just to know people are out there cheating. I mean, it's good that, that we're catching them, you know, that Osada's doing a great job of catching people cheating and everything else. And hopefully, you know, that discourages people from, from doing, you know, that, 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 that sort of thing. So we can all be, you know, just, so the sport can be a clean sport. Yeah. Um, two last quick things. Uh, you'll always, I think, kind mm-hmm. of be tied to Yair Rodriguez because he's sort of that new generation of Mexican fighters, especially Mexican-born fighters. How far away do you think he is? Like, have you been, do you keep tabs on him? Do you watch him when he fights? And if so, how far away do you think he is from being, you know, a true contender in his weight class? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, just being on a tough show with him, I know that this guy had, you know, um, it's something that that we haven't seen before, you know. Obviously, his his style of fighting, um, you know, all the spinning kicks and everything else. I mean, that, that's that's pretty cool stuff that we haven't really seen before. And that he's just really effective um, when he goes out there and fights. Um, you know, I think I think he he's definitely a guy that can that can be a champion in the sport. You know, I think he's doing everything right. He's he's training hard. He's young right now. He's going out there. He's winning fights. So I think I think in the future he, he could definitely be a uh, champion in the sport. And perfect world for you. When would you like to return? When would I? Um, you know, why not this 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 winter? I okay. mean, that that'll be good. Like you know, as soon as these guys fight, um, yeah. they they figure out who you know who's who's going to fight who. Um, you know, like three or four months. Let, let's do that. I mean, I think I think that'll be just enough time for everyone to uh, to get back at it. You know. Okay. Um, by the way, do you do your own Twitter? Yeah. Do you do your own social media? Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, you know, with the help of my wife. Yeah, we, oh, we man. do it all together. I don't know why I get such a kick out so of we, the idea we, of you tweeting. We, yeah, we've been trying to be more active. You know, I like this, it. This day and age of uh, social media. We try to show people what we do normally. Yeah, yeah. You're such a you're you're such a stoic fellow, a serious fellow. It's it's nice to see that side of you. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> just with you know with the media, I'm I'm, I'm a little just a lot more reserved, and you know with family and friends, I'm a lot more um, outspoken. I'm a guy who likes to joke around, and, sure. and you know I I do actually talk, and I'm not always just serious, and you know I do smile a little bit here and there. 
Yeah, you and Daniel Cormier up there on the stage, uh, 200, laughing at each other, giving each other the eyes. It was a beautiful sight to see you smile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. DC, I mean, you know, he's, he's a big old goofball. So <clears throat> being up there with him, I mean, it's hard to keep a straight face, you know, with him just trying to joke around and stuff. Well, it was nice to see you back on track with a with a fantastic performance. Maybe the performance of the night, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm being honest. That was an amazing finish. Um, so congratulations on that. And uh, I, I hope you get the title shot. I don't think anyone disagrees that you deserve it next. So hopefully we get to see you back in there sooner rather than later. Thanks for coming on, Kane. What a pleasure. Uh-oh. Don't be a stranger, okay? Hey, thank you. Okay, okay, I won't. Thank you. All right, much love to you, Kane. There he is, Kane Velasquez, or Cain right. Velasquez, as the... Mexican fans like to call him. How about that? Tough guy to nail down, but we got him. Thank you very much to his manager, Mike Fonseca, for that. I appreciate it greatly. How about that? Kane Velasquez knocking on that title shot door. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Okay, let's move along. Let's keep this heavyweight theme rolling along. Fabricio Verdum fighting this weekend. He was originally scheduled to fight Ben Rothwell, unfortunately, Ben, unable to compete this weekend, so I wanted to talk to him about that and more. He joins us on the phone. Ben, are you there? Hi, Adam. How are you doing? Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm good. Sounds okay. like you're having quite the day here, especially with the heavyweights. You had Junior, then Kane, and now me. And then Rico the, Verhoeven, the, the glory heavyweight champion, on next. How about that? Yeah, it's... Quite the heavyweight day, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's fitting because the heavyweight title is on the line this weekend. Of course, as I said, you were supposed to fight this weekend, so you haven't talked much about it. Can you tell us what happened? Why you had to pull out of the fight? Unfortunately, sustaining you know, an injury, and you know, uh, I kind of said I hurt my knee, so I was trying not to talk too much about it. But yeah, it was in it was in training, and it was just there's was, there's was a little bit of time where. I tried to do what therapies I could, and like I said, I had everybody around me, just uh, my support system, management, and, and everybody just advised that uh, surgery is what was needed. So I'm in a healing state right now, and that's the way I feel about it, you know, emotionally as well, because obviously it was a huge opportunity, and, uh, you know, it is sad because I, I felt like I matched up very good against Verdum, and it was a chance for me to kind of show show that show everyone like really what I really truly believe that I've been holding back and I, I have a lot more to show the MMA world so um that's where we're at just uh in the process of recovery and um I, I stated I'm, I'm hopeful for a, a return in uh early 2017 so we'll just have to see what happens so you had the surgery right yes and it went well yeah okay everything was going they're they're feeling like I'm healing uh even like I had a had a curve so just that's it you know I was really just devoting the time to the therapy and, and doing the right things and for me in martial arts you know it all goes together anyway so so you know, I, it's just time I remember talking to you after the JDS fight and you were a little bit I guess for lack of a better word disappointed that you went right back in there after the Barnett fight but then here you were coming relatively quickly after that fight into this one do you feel like you pushed yourself too much this year I mean, my actions that are showing it, my body, you know, broke down and I feel that, um, it could be some mismanagement for me. It's, it's the tale of, you know, listening to some of my interviews in March and some of the things I was saying about other guys getting injured and talking about other things, how people were fighting. Yeah. I kind of like, it's tough, you know, it falls on my shoulders. It's like, Oh, I really have to 
be careful how I'm, I'm saying things or coming at guys for things that you can't control. Injuries are a real, you know, bastard part of the sport. I, you know, just to say it's just nasty. It's because it, it is accidental. There's there is obviously a lot of injuries that take place from uh, poor training and techniques and people not recovering right and getting pushed too much. And then there's just some of us that are in our age, and it's just like this. This is something that's been, you know, it's been with me, and uh, you know, my body just broke down. It was just one of those things. It was a combination of things. So uh, that's it. It's a lot of a lot of life lessons going on this year. Um, the 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 knee surgery or the knee injury, I should say, was that you know like um, an injury that happened one day, or was it a buildup of things that led to the injury? Uh, it was both. Okay. So it was like they had some chronic issues, and then there was a actual, you know, event. So as I said, it was just uh, it was tough for me. I didn't, you know, I uh, the doctors just said I'm too tough for my own good, and and just said, you know, I couldn't imagine somebody was walking with what I had, let alone trying to fight. So it's just where it's at, and you know, I carry on. Um, obviously, it's never good to suffer an injury or. or go under the knife but considering you probably wanted to erase the memory of the jds fight that that was such a frustrating night for you in a weird way does this come at the worst time for you because you now have to sit on it a little longer uh and it's just hard to say with you know from for me because the way i try to look at life about you know looking at life like it's not fair at times but at the same time it is because i've learned throughout the years that things happen when they're supposed to happen and this time off right now i'm really getting some time to work some work some things with myself and, and just kind of really looking back at my mistakes before the junior fight and things that had happened and and just listening to like you know Kane and and, and junior just earlier and just like yeah, Kane got knocked out in the first minute, the very first time him and Junior fought, and Kane just said, you know, hey, he was the better man that night, no excuses. You know, it is that for Junior. It's like he was a better man that night. We did go fight five rounds. Hmm. And it's different. It's like I figured you would ask Junior, like, oh, did you watch that fight? Did you like it? It's like, well, wouldn't you have liked watching the Kane fight better? He knocks him out in a minute and then didn't have anything. At least with me, I made a, at least gave him some resistance. Mm. You know, and Junior has that. He beat Stipe the first time they fought. He he beat Verdum the first time they fought. Like Junior gets that. He's just a very tough guy that gets that. I mean, he's just things about him that are hard to figure out the very first time you fight him. I can see that. And he taught me a lot. And being in there that rounds four and five, I can't say it enough. There's no dollar amount to pay for what I learned during that during that fight. So. I'm I'm very excited for my return in 2017. I really truly believe I have a lot to show them in my world. Like, like I can make history. Like with what I can do. I mean, if I just really let go of my talent and show everyone, I can bring the heavyweight division, you know, to the level it needs to be. We need some exciting fights. People are willing to say what they're going to go do and go out and do it and be exciting. And I mean, look at just how Barnett and Orlovsky performed. I mean, did you watch the fight? And did you think it was an exciting fight? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. Did you? Yes, I very much did. I think they did a great job, and then they show how professional. Like, here's two guys that are like been in sport a long time, and to see the professionalism of the way that they could handle themselves, put up a great fight, and then both be in the press conference talking. Hmm. You know, and, and it's just to, to entertain us and to show the MMA at its finest, the how you know what I mean, how respectful they can be, and, and yeah, it's just uh, it's very inspiring for me. 
and to just look at the way the heavyweight division is as a whole and the age of all of us and, and the way that technique is triumphing over, you know, speed and power and the younger. There's where these 25 and 20-year-old heavyweights, you know, sure they might come up and develop. Obviously, we've got kids doing MMA at age six years old now. Like, they're on their way, but right now, it's technique. Technique is what's surviving the heavyweight division. And I'm just, when I tell you, like, I'm listening to Kane, I'm listening to Junior, and they're very confident. I'll fight anybody. I'll do this. And Kane says no one can touch him. And I know that I'm going to prove him wrong because once I touch them, I'm going to end these fights. And wow. it's my technique that's going to prevail. So that's what's in store. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, well, let me ask you about this weekend. You know, you're talking about, you know, exciting fights and technique and living up to your word. Do you feel like Miocic and Overeem will produce that kind of fight that the heavyweight division needs that the fans deserve? Are you confident in that? I mean, I, I was like, if I was okay, I would go to the fight live. You know, I was excited to, to perform and to be the co-main event. I was very excited for the fight. It was a great opportunity being for, you know, just a, you know, a heavyweight main and co-main, I just think, bring something. And yeah, the CM Punk factor. I think the, I, I thought there was some interest in the show. I'm mm-hmm. most definitely going to watch the fight. It's interesting to listen to, like, Kane isn't going to watch. He's not very interested in MMA in that aspect. It's, it is interesting. Crazy, right? We're, we're different. Yeah, we're very different. And, like, I love the sport, and I, I love parts of it as a fan and as my position you know what's going on with these guys what's going to happen in these fights you know i'm interested in of course what, what brown's going to do he can totally mess everything up by catching a right hand on verdum and i would just mess everything up and i know that's what kane wants to happen because he gets verdum out of the way in a sense and stipe and Overeem, it's just like yeah stipe is really really riding a high wave the guy's doing great he's he's showing how skilled he is mentally and he has a skill set that works for him. And Overeem is, is like taking his skill set to another level. He's getting very, very tech, technical with how he counters people and how he baits them in. And has the, obviously, he's proven he has the ability to drop, knock a guy. Junior's very tough. I hit him a few times. And, and like, the guy's tough. The guy's been in wars and can take a beating. And Overeem dropped him with a clean shot. So it's very important to see that. So I'm, I'm interested in to say which one, I mean, I would only see Steve Bay in a 51% really, because I feel like it's really anyone's fight watching it, but he's got the hometown and he's got, he's, he's riding a good wave and, you know, I'm excited to see the fight. Okay. So you're favoring ever so slightly Steve Bay. What's better? Like who, who do you, who are you kind of rooting for? Do you, do you have a, a pick as far as like better for the division, more exciting? Like, is there one that you favor over the other in that sense? Like back in the Barnett fight, I was rooting for Barnett. I like both guys. Like yeah. I've, I've known the guys for a long time, but I was I was why because I just fought Barnett. So yeah. it was like good to see him and, and to show everybody why he's so dangerous, why he is what he is. And, and with Steepy and Overeem is like, is it because I not I beat Overeem already? So it's better to like have the champion be a guy I already beat, you know, and have that rematch. Or is it Steepy because as Kane was trying to talk about matchups, it's like. Or, or more like back to junior. Junior's like, oh yeah, me and Kane number four. What's the interest level? Mm. People like fresh matchups. That's what I generally like to, can see. So Steve and I are more of a fresher matchup in a sense. So is that a better fight? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just like, yeah. So I Purdue more Brown. I'm watching that fight because either guy, it's like either one wins. I, I need to fight the winner and get myself into this title fight. You know. It's and a- I don't think it's going to matter if it's Overeem or Stipe, though. I mean, I need to fight both guys again because Overeem's just proving that like, he's another guy, and I need to prove I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on another level as well. Um, 
it, it's amazing to think that your win over Overeem was two years ago yesterday, September 5th, 2014. What a great performance that was. And I'm wondering if it's hard for you to just like wrap your head around the idea that he got to the UFC title fight before you. Well, I chose to fight after my fourth fight and he chose to get a title fight. Mm. <laughs> that was my, yeah. that was a self-inflicted wound in a sense. So I have to take it and carry on and know that I'm going to do this. And, uh, that's it. That's why I went through the surgery. And you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't just take the fights. I need a payday or something of that sort. It's like, no way. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? I need to, to take the time and, and become you know, the best I can be and, and, and show and show it. Uh, Verdum Brown is fascinating because they fought once already, but also because Verdum is coming off a knockout loss. Brown's coming off, you know, TKO loss and, uh, you know, very one-sided loss. What are you expecting to see out of these two? And do you have a pick in that one? I mean, I mean, uh, I think the sensible choice would be Verdum. I mean, uh-huh. if he just comes out like himself, he's going to work the same game type of game plan. It's just that factor that Brown could catch him makes it exciting. Like, oh, and it's like if it happens, it would still be exciting. You know, it's, I'm not going to be that shocked, but it, it could happen. So it makes it that oral. But Verdum is very tech, has more techniques, I believe, especially adding his ground, how much he's been working the striking. He was taking Brown down, so he proves he has got more. So he's just an all around better, better fighter. He just is. So, I mean, he should win. And in that case, then Kane's got to. You know, oh, it's not going to be so easy to title now. So, because it's just, a, I don't agree with throwing Kane in. Oh, it's like, cool, you threw, you know, Brown around. It's like, that now you get a title fight because of that. Oh. So I don't think he should get a title fight just yet, no way. Like, oh. you know, he needs one more fight. So you just, okay, okay, that's interesting. So who would you give the title fight to? Well, I think there just needs to be more fights. The okay. champion of this fight needs to... Yeah, I don't chill out. I just do not see. I see Overeem is going to chill. He's an older guy, (laughs) and he's going to chill out. Stipe just went bam, bam, like put two fights away. He's going to say, hey, man, I want five months, six months. Okay. Probably. I I mean, I could just foresee that. You know what I mean? If he wants to fight right away in this winter, okay. You know, but um, I see either guy taking some time, which is going to leave the winner of Travis Brown and Verdum needing to. Yeah, prove a case, and they need the winner of that fight stays healthy. They're calling out someone like Kane. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, really, it's really between Kane and that person because I mess things up. Right. Um, that 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 is interesting. You, you you do make it like I can see Overeem taking some time off, especially since he he won in May, and uh, and and Miocic fought that same month. So that is super interesting, given your history in the sport. You know, you're, 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 you're a traditionalist, you know, you've been around, you're no Johnny come lately, you've seen and done it all. How do you feel about CM Punk fighting in the UFC on Saturday? It's like a mix of emotions. I see many points of views, you know, it's good for, I want a business end. It's great. You know, oh, more, more eyes on it. And then as a veteran of the sport, it's like, man, there's no dues paid, you know? So it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing. To, I, I don't. I don't try to think too negatively about CM Punk. He's a guy that's presented with an opportunity. He's taking advantage of the opportunity, and you know, he's just taking it where he can go. You know, nobody. 
it's not like he came in and strong-armed the UFC and said, you're going to give me this. And we're like, oh, my God, he committed a crime. He's forcing them to, right. you know, pay him. So, no, like, the UFC offered him a contract. Yeah. He accepted it. Like, any one of us, you know, may have done. So it's like... <laughs> If people can get over it, and like that's life. Like it's just there's crazier opportunities happening. You know, more money getting thrown around. Maybe that could be good for everybody if it starts getting directed correctly. So I just try to look at that. And if anything, for Stepe, I congratulated him when I knew that Stephen Punk was getting put on because he is getting paid on pay per view buys. <laughs> yeah, it's going to help him. Sure. So that was a good thing for him. So there's positives in this, and more eyes on the sport is always good. You know what I mean? There is no doubt that CM Punk is a fan base. You cannot deny it, and they're going to watch him. That's good for us. Go out and make, make a fan out of, you know, I went out that night and I was going to smash, I was out there to murder somebody in a sense uh, with, with, with how I was going to finish the fight. You make fans that way. People that were, you know, knew, never watched it. Also, I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? You know, that's kind of opportunities we look for. So with that being said, um, what's going to happen to him? I don't know. Though I, I see videos and footage and stuff, and it's just like you wonder. You know, it's, again, another reason I want to watch. It's going to yeah. be interesting. <laughs> Will you watch? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, are you rooting for him? Like, do you do you think? Because because on the one hand, it could be like, oh, he wins, and I know you know a, a fighter of your caliber. You've been around. You're like, oh, then anyone can think he wins, which we know is not true. But it's a great story, and you want him to stick around because of all those reasons. Like, what what, what do you think you'll be rooting for once you watch the fight on Saturday? I, I like I like making making Miguel goes out and just absolutely annihilates him. I mean, bad. Like makes this almost fun. Like you start laughing. It's so what? bad. Wait, you like, you're like, saying Mickey does that to him? Yeah, it does it seem fun, and this is why. Okay. I'm going to feel very good, like, there's truth, there's justice in the sport. Okay. And, you know what I mean? Hey, CM Punk's going to get paid. Like, you made your money, so it's, no, it's not like we can laugh and point at him. It's like, dude, he's going to be like, I've never fought before. I don't even have an amateur record. I came in here and took on one of your guys that's got two pro fights, like, in the UFC. You know what I mean? So it's just like, his wor- this worst-case scenario isn't that bad. Like, he doesn't get... He, we all get entertained because he's like he's getting pummeled. Some of his fans might be a little sad, but it's just like whatever. He carries on maybe, and then he proves he comes back and and tries to win the second fight or whatever. But I feel like there'll be a type of justice or like a truth. Now the fight's questionable and it's whatever. It's just like no, I don't like the controversy. I don't want. It. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see a second round rear naked choke from CM Punk. I don't want to see it. Oh, okay. it's gonna look stupid. <laughs> it's gonna look questionable to me. It's gonna look dumb. Yeah, I'm gonna get mad. You know about why questionable? Why questionable? Because it's just it's not it's not. You know what I mean? You asked me this many years in the sport. I've seen things. I know things about how we should perform. Okay, this is this person's experience level against this person, and this is what this person's doing, and this is the things that I'm watching and how the person fights. You know, so uh, I don't know. We'll just see. See, I'm making put more interest into this fight now. Yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm building this fight up. I know, man, it's amazing. I and I want to picture you watching the fight and see, like, if he goes into that. I I made the case earlier that there's never been less pressure on a fighter in UFC history because yeah, he's a big deal and there's a lot of eyeballs, but it seems like the expectations are so low for him that even if he goes into the second round, that's a victory in its own right. You know what I mean? Yeah, whatever. He, like, I don't care. See, like I said, he just gets demolished in 30 seconds. I don't care. I'm not going to, like, point and laugh at him because sure. I know that dude has made a ton of money and he still has a bunch of people that are going to want to see him fight again if he chooses to. It's like it's not even that bad of a thing. So, I mean, even the worst case scenario here isn't that bad. 
Okay. Like, just, as long as nobody goes on and gets severely injured or anything, like that's then it's a good day. Like as long as that doesn't happen, because that's, that's what I said. I loved seeing Barnett and Orlovsky give such a great fight, and they're both in the press conference talking. Yeah, you get them black eyes, stuff like that heals. Nobody, nobody's severely hurt, and that's that's when this is like like a sport. Yeah. And oh. and it's just for me, it's a tough mental thing because. I have to, it's it's outside of the cage. I remember the sport is the fans taking care of people. Remember, we're all in this together. Inside the cage, it's a fight, though. And that was my problem with my last fight. I mentally went in too much of like a sparring match and not a fight. And that's, you know, that, that switch I talk about. And if I don't flip it, I have a bad night, as you all witnessed. So... Uh, mental game again. It's just a. Uh, I'm just sitting here healing. It's things I have to keep training somewhere. Where else? Spiritually, and mentally, then. And uh, I will. I will make the correct adjustments and come back. And I'm going to get this title one way or another. Wait, so are you considering moving camps? Why? Well, because you said you know where else training spiritually, mentally. Like I, I wasn't sure what you meant by that. I meant that I'm sitting here and I'm not able to physically go ah, train. Okay, I still okay, need okay. to keep doing something. Gotcha. Yeah, what, right? what, Don't just sit here and rot. Right, right. What do you do? Like, what, what does your day look like now? Uh, I'm starting to, no, I'm, I'm starting to walk, so it's good. So I'm going to because I'm actually going to go to the therapy when I get off the phone with you. I have an hour drive to therapy because I wanted to work with the best therapist. So I'm putting in extra effort and work to see that I'm doing it. And I feel like that's, yeah, that's why my progress is coming so good. And uh, we're just really excited because of the way the surgery went and the doctor just like looking how I was performing before what I could be capable of now. You know, I gave my body 100%. So, so focusing on that and then, you know, just my wife, uh, we're always busy with the gym. Yeah. And um, trying, trying to help her. She helps me. So were you, were you frustrated when you saw that Eric Perez wore his uh, luchador mask and you weren't allowed to wear your, your outfit? My wife keeps noticing that because it's like a guy with a mask, a couple <laughs> different hats. Yeah, yeah. The whole hat thing. Yeah. You know, I'm not allowed to wear a boxing cloak or anything, but people with the hats, maybe maybe some of the hats like, get by the Reebok code. I don't care. Who cares? Whatever. It's going to move on, right? You can't, can't get mad about stuff like that. Okay. Um, You'll create cancer quicker in your life or something. Oh, my. You don't want that. Sweating on the, sweating on the nonsense. Uh, well, you know, I like I like the Twitter feed. It's been very entertaining over the last couple of months. You talking about the UFC sale, about Brock Lesnar, all kinds of things. I like it. Sean was, was quiet for a little while. No, it's good. It's entertaining stuff. I feel like the heavyweights are, are getting really good. You, Derek Lewis, there's some good ones out there. Derek Lewis is uh, he's coming along, huh? <laughs> he is coming along. <laughs> Maybe he could be your next victim when you come back when do you want to come back what what time frame uh hopefully like i said a time frame that works with the winner of uh Verdum and brown like okay. I, I would like to make that fight happen i mean if i get the fight room again before he slips into a title fight i mean that'd, that'd be awesome like i said it was a great fight i was really looking forward to it all right so i just need to fight you know keep, keep my place and hopefully if you can just fight the guy that's ranked in front of me you know that seems to be the best way to try to get into a title shot so Go for the best. Well, I wish you the best, Ben. Thank you for coming on and uh, 
giving us an update on your situation. And I'm happy to hear that the surgery went well and that you're on the comeback trail. We miss you out there. And I was really looking forward. I know a lot of people were looking forward to that fight, but no doubt that you will come back better. And maybe a, a bit of a reset button is, is just what the doctor ordered. Maybe that's best. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. And I just really appreciate the, the support, you know, from the MMA community and just as a whole. Like, uh, it's just great over the years to see this thing grow. And, uh, you know, that's why I love fighting. So thank you for the time and uh, have a great one. All right. Enjoy UFC 203. There he is. Ben Rothwell stopping by. Wish him the very best as he attempts to come back from knee surgery. Was supposed to fight this weekend. Unfortunately, that's not happening. But, uh, Looking forward to his return in early 2017. Okay, let us take a quick break. In a minute, we are going to be joined in studio. Let's keep this heavyweight theme rolling along because this Friday in Trenton, New Jersey, the glory heavyweight title will be on the line as champion Rico Verhoeven defends it against Anderson Silva. And he is in the house. He is going to join us in studio in a matter of moments. Rico Verhoeven himself, monster of a man, We'll be right here talking to me about the upcoming fight, the huge fight against Badr Hari coming up, Overeem MMA. Who knows what we'll talk about? So much to discuss with Rico Verhoeven. So let's take a quick break, reconfigure the studio. While we do that, let's take a look back at May of 2010, right after Overeem came back to the United States, fought in strike force, beat Brett Rogers in St. Louis. He was on this show and we had a little birthday party for him. One of the most memorable moments in the history of the show. Overeem in studio. Alistair Overeem in studio. He put on the hat, the balloon. Remember that? I thought here we are four days before his first UFC title fight. It would be fun to look back at that. So here it is. Y'all must have forgot. Overeem in studio, May of 2010. And once that's done, we'll be right here with Rico Verhoeven. Don't go anywhere. Joe, bring it out. Do your thing. Here's a surprise. He is the champion. So we brought him a we brought him a um, a balloon. Alistair, we brought you this. Hey! You are the king. I brought you one of these for your birthday. This is for you. You have to wear it. You have to wear it because I bought it for you, Alistair. You got to put it on. I'll be offended if you don't. You can let it go. Let it go. You can let it go in the sky. It's okay. There it is. Yeah. It's his birthday. How how old? 30 years old. 30 years. Goodbye 20 and hello 30. And look at this. The champ. <laughs> for you. Oh, shit. <laughs> there he is. You have to put it around your neck. Yeah, but with the headphones a little bit. Put the headphones there. down and then uh, and then put this. I mean, you, there we go. What's my hair? Damn it. There you go. <laughs> the champion, Alistair Overeem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one other thing for you, Alistair. <laughs> yeah, you can put them under like that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how the cool people wear it. Um... <laughs> Here, here, here. For you, Alistair. One second. Because it's your birthday. 30 years old. I'm sure you're a little homesick because you're, you're away from your family, right? Yeah. You know this? <laughs> hey, that's Dutch. Dutch. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what are they saying? This is great. So this is really this is really Dutch. Yeah, this is Dutch. <laughs> Incredible. So did that make you feel good? That actually does. That helped you. In your birthday, I know you're a little homesick, right? 
Uh, they'll probably start in a couple of days. You know? Yeah, I like you know I like uh, New York. It has a good vibe. Yeah, yeah. But I miss, of course, uh, obviously my uh, my your family, family right? You know? My brother was uh, was there with the fight. <laughs> Let's, you let's, can take it off. You can take it a little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard to take you seriously. <laughs> the king. Let's go the to the. Let, let's get back to the phone lines before we go here. And I, all the tears come down my face from from laughing. Uh, Carrie in Chicago <laughs> joining the birthday boy Alistair Overeem on the MMA Hour. What's up, Carrie? Hi, happy birthday, Alistair. Happy Thanks, birthday. man. Thanks. <laughs> all right, this is this is. This this is Kerry calling from Chicago. I'm a little disappointed that you beat our hometown kid and Brett Rogers, but I'm also a big fan of yours. Cameron. It was great to see, see Sorry you about come that. over to the States and fight. Many casual fans hadn't seen you fight live before. Yeah. All right, what's the question? I wanted to ask you about um, the, uh, what were your thoughts about the um, um, the late Dutch phenom, Jinty uh, Vrede? Vrede? Do you have any thoughts about him? As um, who is that? Who? Um, Genti Vrede. Genti. He was a young Dutch phenom kickboxer. Surinam kickboxer. Oh, Genti Vrede. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 What are your, what are your how, thoughts how do you on think him? He would have fared as an MMA fighter. Uh, well, he was a kickboxer, right. and I believe a really talented one. Uh, mm -hmm. I never met him actually, but uh, I'm sure I would meet him eventually because you know Holland is small. Uh, everybody basically knows each other, but I, I didn't. Uh, I had to meet him. I knew it was a big stir when he um, when he died, <laughs> unexpectedly. Did you uh, <laughs> see you? The uh, you don't have to hold on to the balloon. Hey, listen, I like this. Man. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, so um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, back to back to the back to the to the topic. Right. Yeah, so uh, it was a very uh, unexpected, unfortunate when he uh, died. He died of a heart attack. There was something, uh, he had some heart um, heart uh, anomaly or something. And uh, But I, I, he was really talented. He became world champion in Las Vegas, I believe, 2008 yeah. or something, 2007, 2008. Yes, he, he, he was 21 and 1. He had 20 knockouts. He beat uh, Shane Del Rosario in a kickboxing match. I saw him fight once, and I was uh, actually impressed. And it, you know, when I um, hear the people speak about him, everybody was positive. He really, uh, uh, apparently, really, really was a nice guy. You know, good-hearted uh, guy. All right, my friend. Thank you very much for the call. I know there are some other people waiting to talk to you, Alistair, but unfortunately, no more time on the show. So what? It's it. No more time. <laughs> That's God it. God damn it. That's it. But uh, if you want to take this, you can take it. Show your, tell your friends back home that uh, we treat you well in America. Einde vrienden, ze behandelen me goed. Wow. <laughs> Give me a prediction. Netherlands World Cup, are they going to win? Finally? They've never won the, 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 the cup. We're going to beat America, though. Uh-oh. Easy. Don't say that here. You know that, eh? Orange. I know, I saw it. I like that you're representing. You know, you know what the good thing is? When I watch, look at our, our soccer game, my fighting game is a little bit similar, you know? They put a lot of pressure. They're right. attacking left and right and straight. And, well, I hope I have a better defense. Oh, really? You don't they, think they hardly that, ever win on, on, on hole, uh, right. penalties, you know? I uh, hardly win on uh, on decision. That's true. Yeah, they always try to go for the knockout. You know Marco Van, Van Basten? Not personally. But you know of him? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Everybody knows He's him. a big deal, right? I thought Not it was just in, me. Well, he's a, he's a coach. Right, but he used to be a player, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See? I know my yeah, stuff. some stuff. But I'm Canadian. You like Canadians? Yeah. yeah They're yeah, good Canadians people. Good. Cool. All right. You're French? Uh, Canadian? Yes, you. Yes, you. Ça va? Oui, oui. Ça va bien. Ah, ah. Nice. Thank you very much, my friend.
the champion, Alistair Overeem, joining us on the MMA Hour here in New York City. Of uh, An amazing performance against Brett Rogers, and hopefully uh, we'll get to see him against Fiora. I'm trying to be serious. I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you're, you're embracing this, Alistair. It's very nice. Of course, man. You have to have fun in your life. Yes. And my life wasn't that... Well, it was fun the last 11 weeks. I shouldn't be too dramatic about it. But I worked hard. You know, so now it's a relaxed time. We're going to do that. We're going to take, take... Enjoy it. Check him out. He'll be back defending that belt for Strike Force very soon. Thanks to Spencer Pratt. Thanks to King Casey. Thanks to Alistair Overeem. Joining Thanks us for here. having me. And follow me on www.doreem.com. Peace. What a fun time that was with uh, Alistair Overeem around... Over six years ago, and of course, he fights for the belt on Saturday. But how about this? In studio right now, one of the baddest men, if not the baddest man on the planet, Rico Verhoeven, the glory heavyweight champion of the world. Yes, sir. How are you, my man? I'm good. How are what you? an honor this is. In studio. Yeah, thanks for having all me, All the man. way from Holland. Yes, sir. Where exactly in Holland are you from again? Yeah, you probably won't know. It. No, I will Close to Rotterdam. Rotterdam, okay. Yeah, close Did you go to the UFC when they were in Rotterdam? Yeah, definitely. I was there for, for Fox doing a commentary. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, definitely. It was fun. It was fun. Was it weird, though, because you and Overeem have this little beef together that he wins and everyone's sharing him with love? What was it like for you to see him? No. Because, <laughs> I, I <don't, laughs> because the beef, I don't really feel the beef. There's so. no beef. <laughs> for me, there's not. Maybe for him, but for me, there's not. Kind of so. interesting, though, that you're fighting on the same weekend that he's fighting for the heavyweight title. Yeah. yeah. Weird, right? Yeah, it is what it is, you know. Uh, yeah, and I've been the champion already for a few right. years now, so. Are I'm, you rooting for him? No, I don't really have a favorite in, the, no. in this fight. So it's uh, it's going to be a good fight. Um, I don't really have a favorite, but let's see what happens. You know, it's just the heavyweight game is it can go either way. I think it's 50 50. Okay, so we have a lot to talk to you about because the reason why you're here is because you're fighting on Friday yes, sir. in Trenton, New Jersey. Exotic yeah. Trenton, so yeah. beautiful over there. Yeah, wow, <laughs> I was shocked to hear that Glory was going to Trenton, New Jersey. Um, you're fighting a guy named Anderson Silva. Yes, MMA fans might think Anderson Silva, you despite know, it, no. despite <laughs> this is Braddock Silva. This yeah. is a long time. Uh, kickboxing veteran um but what's interesting about this you're defending your title this is a title fight yes sir but around the same time that they announced this fight they also announced one of the most anticipated fights in kickboxing history you versus Badr Hari. Mm -hmm. but you have to fight this one first yeah that fight's happening regardless but how do you feel about this one being announced so close to that one you have to get through it, it's it's kind of strange no yeah but for me it is what it is you know it's a uh... Of course, I had to defend my title because the the fight versus Bader is no title fight. Right. Because, uh, yeah, he didn't want to go five rounds. Oh, interesting. So uh, he said, "Yeah, well, I, I fought for for uh, for three rounds my whole life. So why would I fight for five rounds for the title or whatever? You know, I don't know. what? Whatever excuse he had for he didn't for want not the belt. He didn't want to fight for the belt. I I think he would have won a fight for the belt, but he didn't want to go five rounds. That's bizarre." Because, you, you know, in five rounds, he's without a doubt, he's going to lose. But sure. in five rounds, it's going to be even harder for him. Because you've gone the distance. You have great cardio. So many times. Yeah. yeah. It's five rounds. It's easy for me. Do you feel like that's almost a victory in its own right? Like that's the first victory of, of many? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm already in his head. He's like, oh, I don't want five rounds. Let's go three. Okay, let's do three. <laughs> for me, it's so good. And Glory was willing to give him a title fight. I think so. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, for me, uh, that fight is 
still far away. First, we're gonna handle some business this weekend. Yeah, versus Anderson Silva. But people ask you about that fight. That's the fight. You know, that's the one that's been talked about for years. Yeah. Is it annoying that that keeps coming up when you have another fight to get through first? Yeah, of course, of course, because people already look past Anderson. Yeah, and I definitely don't. So, you know, that's that's the difference. People say, oh, oh bother this, bother that. Hey, I got a a good task ahead of me this weekend. So. You kind of wish that they announced the Badahari fight after this one? No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No. And by the way, I got some news. I don't know if you know this. The fight is actually taking place December 10th. We knew that. Yeah. But it's taking place in Oberhausen, Germany. Okay. Did you know that? What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> you think you're, but this you is exclusive. This is exclusive. Yeah, well, at yeah. least to the world. Yeah, to the why, world. Why Germany? Um, I don't really know, but I think they put it close to, to Holland. Of course, the Holland fans, the sure. kickboxing fans, they... Yeah, they're crazy about it so and if it was going to be too far away not a lot of Hala fans could come to it and I think that's one of the reasons they put it in, in Oberhausen and it's a great venue as well okay so yeah I think those are the two main reasons they put it over there why not do it in Holland um, some, is there still some issues there yeah, politically yeah, yeah. Still. politically there's, there's what the some. hell is going on you can have MMA there but you can't have kickboxing no 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 no. we, we, we can do kickboxing but uh, they just didn't want the butter fight to oh, to happen in Holland because, because of, of the past? controversial, yeah. Ah, so uh, yeah, but it is what it is. So they put it close to Holland, and yeah, still. All How the do you feel about Butter Harry? He's a very controversial guy, polarizing guy, right? I mean, he's had a a troubled past as of late. Yeah, very fun fighter, very popular fighter, but still, you know, he's he's been involved in some stuff. How do you feel about him? <laughs> He's he's a great athlete, and that's that's all I care about. You okay, know, for me, whatever he does outside of the outside of the ring is none of my business, and I just do what I do best, and that's perform well and make sure I'm a I'm a great role model for everybody outside the ring as well, and when, that's for everybody different. So when he was like truly in his prime coming up, you it was a little earlier in your career. Yeah, did you look up to him and say, okay, this is the fight for me? Like this is what I want to strive for. This is the big one. No, not really. No, no. Because, you didn't dream of fighting him. Oh yeah, of course. The fight versus Butter has, has always been a, has been a dream or whatever. Great fighter who's the best, but I didn't want to be like him or right, something course. like that. You know, just yeah. uh, I'm like a totally different person, different fighting style, and it's just yeah, different people. Did you recently resign with Glory? So you, you you are now exclusive to Glory. Yes, sir. Because the last time we had you on, we were kind of talking about options, future, things of that. Yeah. You signed a deal. Was the Badahari fight part of that deal? Like, did they almost use that fight as a way to keep you around? No, we just discussed things. And, of course, the Badahari fight was, uh, even when I talked to you earlier in the show, it was, um, it's already, it, was, it was already being discussed. Okay. You could have broke it on our show. Then. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, so yeah but I couldn't tell you anything of course so. I understand so but for for then you know we just went back and forth you know discussing stuff and then he said okay, let's do the butter fight and yeah let's add another year so that's what we did okay so it's one more year yes sir so it's not fights it's just a year it's not like oh you know we're now signing for six fights four fights five fights no it's no it's just, it is like uh, definitely gonna be two fights okay and then like maybe a third fight added so. Now, where does MMA fit in all of that? Because you expressed interest in fighting in MMA. Can definitely. you still do MMA or are you exclusive to them? You can't do anything else. No, no, I definitely can do MMA. Oh. But, 
yeah, the, the schedule is already it's so too busy, huh? It's so packed, yeah. So you're putting crazy. it on pause, the MMA. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So I try when I have time. I try to train it, but especially now with this, there's no point. Yeah, upcoming six months, you know, it's yeah, definitely no point of doing it. But of course, 2017 is coming up, and let's see what that brings. Um, as you continue to progress in your kickboxing career, and you know, you're establishing yourself as the best heavyweight in the world. Do you feel like there's a chance you may never do MMA? Because if you're in demand and you're the man, you're the heavyweight champ, yeah. they're not going to want you to go to MMA and do other stuff, right? Yeah, maybe not. But, you know, I try to keep uh, keep myself excited and I just like doing new stuff, okay. doing new things. And in the end, it doesn't always have to be like being the man. Just Sometimes it's just having fun in your life as well. Mm. And I like MMA and it is fun and it is a new adventure and it's a new road for me. So in December when I beat Butter, yeah, maybe it's time for me to clear out the other heavyweight division. Oh, wow. Um, when you were kind of a free agent, did Bellator come after you? Because I thought that they would make a very strong play to get you because they have the MMA and kickboxing. And, you know, they're starting the kickboxing organization. Like, no. I, I felt like you were just a perfect fit for them. Did yeah. they try to come and sign you? Yeah, they did. Uh, uh, well, while we were talking about it, it was, uh, I was still with the glory contract. Okay. So uh, I wasn't allowed to discuss okay. that stuff. But they did uh, an offer for the MMA. Ah. But it was it was okay. But it was nothing, uh, nothing on paper yet. So we were just discussing, yeah, the different things, the Bellator, the, the kickboxing, the Badahari fight. So, and that was more interesting at mm. that point. So, have you watched their kickboxing shows? No, no, nothing. No, interesting. Why? <laughs> just too busy, man. Too busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I've doing, seen their kickboxing. I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. What do you? What, why are you so busy? You can't. You don't have a couple hours just to watch kickboxing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I just, I just follow, follow the heavyweight. Heavy, the and they don't have any big heavyweights, if uh, any. Right? No, I, I haven't seen. It's not, I, I haven't been impressed. No. If I'm being honest, it, it feels lower level than their MMA. You know, it doesn't, when I watch Glory, I feel like I'm watching the best of the best. And I know that they're younger yeah. and they're new. They just started, but it doesn't feel like high level kickboxing. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I felt like there was a point in Glory, and correct me if you feel otherwise, mm -hmm. Glory was trying to do too much gimmick stuff here and there. Like, just, they didn't know who they were. And now I feel like there's more of a vision. Like, they're, they're, they're back to putting on the best of the best. Like, yeah. being, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, there a, was there a point where you were worried that? they were kind of going a little too crazy yeah i think so too so but um you know we try to discuss with glory as well to because we have so much so much experience in the in the kickboxing game hmm. and of course like glory was like a new uh organization coming into the game and yeah they also needed some experience and of course sometimes you fall before you walk you know yeah. over before you run so and that's i think that's what they did they f they fell a couple of times. They stood up, and I think now they're running. Yeah, you know, they're doing they're doing good things and doing big stuff. So they they put down the biggest fight in kickboxing history. So it's uh it's going the right way. Um, you know, sometimes when I watch them in Europe, it feels like a big deal. Of course, kickboxing I think is a little more popular, maybe a lot more popular than here in the United States. Yeah. And then they come to places like Trenton, New Jersey. No disrespect, but I, I wonder, like, you fighting, you should be fighting, you know, in Germany or, you know, somewhere in Europe, Croatia, I don't know, where you're, I know you can't fight in Holland. Yeah, um, yeah I can't fight in Holland. You can't, oh, because yeah. of Badr Hari, that's yeah, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. so why aren't you fighting in Holland? Like, why the heck are you fighting in Trenton, New Jersey? I can't wrap my head around this. 
I don't know. I just, <laughs> you just go where they tell you. Yeah, I just if when they offer me the fight, I say, okay, where is it? Yeah, it's going to be there. Okay, let's do it. Who's the opponent? And, you know, I don't really think too much about all, this, all the side stuff. I just think about business, and that's fighting. So for me, you know, the the thing is now just making sure I focus on business, and that's uh, Anderson Braddock Silva up next. And that's more, most important. So even if, if, if it's uh, going to be in my gym or it's going to be in Trent, New Jersey, it's going to be in Amsterdam, I don't care. You don't care? No. It's just the most important thing is just making sure I perform and keep winning fights. You were first introduced to martial arts when you were seven? Six. Six. Yeah. Six. Yes. Uh, your father had a karate background, correct? Sure. Um, so did you first go into karate? No, 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 no. So he he, um, he just came back from an injury. So he had a, a crazy leg injury from oh. low kicks. So he was doing karate. He was in a fight, getting low kick, low kick, low kick. But the referees back back in the days, you know, it was totally different. Okay. And his leg was like really swollen. The whole muscle was swollen up. And he got a so he, he got to the finals. He just already came in hopping like this oh wow he got the kick and just the the, the muscle yeah exploded the, the oh, skin opened up no lost blood everything what yeah if you look at his leg now it looks like he got attacked by a shark it's crazy like a wow. scar like this thick it's how old was he uh, i don't know i think mid-30s wow so that was crazy so we had had to recover like for over a year okay so we started doing some fitness because he couldn't train his legs but you know upper body sure started some boxing and after a year started kickboxing and then shortly after that people started asking hey why don't you teach and he was like yeah why not so that's when he started teaching and right from that moment he took me to the gym hmm so was he just teaching at a school or did he open his own school? No, yeah, it was just uh, he rented out uh, oh, a wow. small, uh, small, small place. So prior to that, you never did anything? Even though he was involved in karate and all that, you no, never? No, no, no. So the way he teaches, he, teach, he was teaching kickboxing was with the influences of Kyokushin karate. Ah. So with the kicks, you know, yeah, the yeah, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. kicks. It wasn't like straight up kickboxing with the straight kicks. And sure. It was just a little bit different. Did you like it right away? yeah with when you're so small it's just for the fun for fun right but my dad really put the stamp on it that i had to train like two to three times a week oh wow so um of course when you're young you have the interest in different sports sure i wanted to do some soccer right and wanted to do some basketball so i was allowed to do that but everything on the side next to kickboxing okay so i had to train like mondays wednesdays and fridays wow because i feel like you'd be good at basketball because of your height yeah, but it was no, no, wasn't yeah, your thing. No, it wasn't really my thing. And was your mom okay with this? Was she around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was they, okay with you. Yeah, they were. They were apart from since uh, they separated when I, when I was a baby. So okay, but she was okay with her son training so much and yeah, 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 combat yeah. sports. When did you kind of have the idea that you can actually make a living doing this? Like, when do you go from just having fun to saying, "Oh, I could do this for my career"? Well, when I was around the age of nine, uh, yeah, I believe I saw Peter Arts uh, become champion for the second time, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was that was crazy. Just the the view on that on the on the television, you know, people going crazy and yeah, getting that big belt, that big check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was that was that was like the moment when my dream, yeah, rose. You know, it just came up and was just like this is what i want man this this is this looks crazy and when you're nine yeah when i was around nine yeah okay so i was already doing some matches then but it was 
really difficult for me because we had to drive like crazy long distances before I could uh, to get a fight because I was for example when I did my first demonstration fight I was seven and I was fighting somebody who was 10 because of my height and weight wow so ever since I was around seven eight nine to uh, 16 was so difficult so when I was around 13 14 my dad said well we're stopping this because it's it's crazy we had to dr drive like for three four hours to to get for one fight and then all the way all back, the way back. So it yeah doesn't make no sense it says wait till you're 16 you come into heavyweight division adults and then you're fighting <laughs> up yeah you're fighting adults at 16 yeah so my first i was um 16 for two weeks and i was fighting somebody who was 28 what and i knocked him out in the second round really <laughs> yes sir Th that's your pro fight that's a pro fight right uh no yeah it wasn't a, yeah Bro, it was an amateur fight, but right, just when no protection, everything. So that was, yeah, that was that was serious. Because when you're 16, you're just a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 28. You, Were you, know, you freaking out? out? Yeah. Were you freaking out? Yeah, because I was in the ring. You're not even 28 now. No, you're 27, right? <laughs> yeah. That's insane. So what I remember is, like two weeks or three weeks before the fight, the guy was 23. The one week before the fight, the guy was 25. Jeez. And I was in the ring, <laughs> and and in the blue corner, he's twenty eight. So I look at my dad like this oh guy's twenty. Ah, no worries, it's all good. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's do it. Oh my gosh! So uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. There was uh, because this this man could have children in the in the yeah, yeah of course in the audience. So that, that's yeah, that was really strange. But I knocked him out in the in the second round and i was 16 years 100 kilos and yeah that was that was crazy so that that went through the kickboxing community in holland like that was a big deal yeah how much did you get paid for that nothing 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 there was not a cent nothing when did you start getting paid so we started um uh, and yeah like amateur class then you go to uh, c class b class and when you b class you get a little bit Okay. Like, like 100 bucks 150 and then you get to a class and that's when the moment when you get like really professional and get paid the big bucks what no well you something. start around a thousand <laughs> sort of big bucks <laughs> how old are you when you get to the a class how long does it take mm, i was around so i started around when i was 16 that's so i started from scratch again and i think i was around 18 okay 18, 19 so not that because, because in the heavyweight division it's still difficult to to get opponents. Sure. So when I had learned ten to fifteen fights, I started to go to A class. Now, what are your friends doing when you're sixteen, seventeen? You're fighting these, you know, twenty eight year olds. Yeah. You're 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 competing in there, and I'm I'm assuming you have friends who are just like normal kids, right? Like they're not yeah. doing this sort of thing. Are you like are you in contact with them? Do they think that you're a weird guy that you're doing? Like, what what are they saying about your your career choice? Well, the thing was that I was, like like I said, the the, the dream started when I was around nine. So what I did, I took it really serious. So uh, between the the age of thirteen to sixteen, it was I was really having difficulties focusing on kickboxing because. I was training because my father was pushing me to train, but I had no fights. Mm. So, like, for two, th three years, I had no fights. Just training. constant training. And, like, in summertime, all my friends would go to the to the pool, and the pool was across the gym my father was running. Oh, no. And the, uh, the, the, the pool closed around 
eight and uh, <clears throat> the training stopped around 8 30 so they all came in oh. to watch the training all with the white the hair you know <laughs> from swimming yeah and i was like oh, damn i missed out again yeah so that was the time it was difficult but when i was yeah almost turning 16 that was when i get the focus okay and even when i was in high school just bringing the special food to school and stuff like that focus on training and and people are like, this guy's crazy. What is he bringing boiled eggs for? To yeah, yeah. <laughs> and special yogurt and stuff like that. And I was, the, the teachers were going, was going totally crazy because I was constantly eating. Oh, really? Even in class. Yeah. Rico, stop eating. So they even sent me to the... Really? Yeah, they sent me out. Because you felt like you always had to eat, you know, every yeah, couple hours. Many, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I took it really serious, and especially back then. You know, the older guys I was training with said, hey, Rico, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, yeah, I want to be a champion. And, and you know how it goes. Sure, sure, sure kid. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you come back in a few years. Right. Uh, what, what, yeah, what did you become? Yeah, an accountant or whatever. Sure, you know? of course. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what happened. And now those same people... Oh, remember when you were 60? Yeah, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. you did it. You're amazing. <laughs> that was crazy. So, yeah, I definitely had that focus from very young. And I, yeah, put a lot of things to the side. Wow. And so, like, going out, drinking, sure, and sure. partying, and stuff like that. And, yeah, I definitely, throughout the years, I probably lost and hurt a lot of people. But, yeah, that was the sacrifice I had to make. That's for, tough for, for a young kid because especially when you're not fighting, there's no payoff to all this training and the time that you're, you're taking, the sacrifices, right? Yeah. So that has to be tough on you. Yeah, but then the sacrifice was like half, but the sacrifice came when I was around 18 to okay. now. When you the, know, there was the serious sacrifice. When sure. The serious fights were coming up. Yeah. And I just had a dream and mm. I knew I had to follow my heart and, you know, it's you just have to focus on what needs to be done and if you want something that's just my vision if you want something in life you gotta you gotta work hard sure so on whatever level you are like i never get comfortable never so even now i'm champion i'm already champion for about three years and i'm still not comfortable mm. i just do you think you'll ever get comfortable no no I now just, what does that mean not comfortable like you don't rest on oh i'm the champ i'm not going to train you like yeah. is, that, is that what you mean yeah yeah so I always want to push to that next level. And yeah, like my trainer says, you know, what Rico is performing now is around 60 to 70% in wow. the ring. Do you believe that? Yeah. Wow. Because I feel what I do in training even goes easier than it is when I'm fighting a real, a real fight. Right. So every time I fight, it gets better. It gets easier. And the things that are working during training are working in the ring and in the fight as well mm. so i just keep evolving and keep getting better do you still keep in contact with your dad yes sir, definitely so does he go to your fights not always okay not always will he be he at this one no, no will he no. be at the Badahari fight yeah 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 why won't he be at uh the fight on friday in trenton uh well want to go to trenton no no, <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh it's not really sensitive but yeah he, uh, yeah he's sick so oh, i'm uh, sorry no problem um yeah he, he got uh what's it called in english um uh dimension yeah dementia yeah oh wow so from uh, from getting punched no okay no no, no just 
Just overall yeah. health. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How is he so, doing? Yeah, he's doing. He, I think he's pretty hanging up pretty well. Okay. You know, because the doctors say you can. So, some people come in and a year later they don't yeah. know anything anymore. They're just you know all out. And he's now has been having it for like forty four four to five years. Wow. So. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, all the best to him. Yeah. Does he talk to you about your fights beforehand? Oh, I think he, like does he, is he yeah. involved like that? Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah, always. So uh, he always, you gotta try this. Right, right, right. Maybe, maybe you should try. Maybe you should try a spinning kick. Or, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he always wanted to do. Let me do the karate stuff. You know. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Do you, Do you still live where you grew up? Yeah. Wow. So do you feel like like all eyes are on you? Like you, you can tell now that you're a bigger star, right? Yeah, definitely. Do you get more attention, like more press, more media now as your as your career continues to grow and progress, and you keep winning? Do you feel like you're be, like, will this fight be covered in the newspaper on the news there? Yeah. Or you're not yeah, quite. Definitely. It will. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, it's definitely a big deal. So uh, let me see. Last year in December, mm-hmm. I came back to Holland um, for the first time for for a fight. And in five years. Wow. Yes, so, I remember that. Yeah. So I came back as champion and I won in the first round by KO. Yeah. So that just... That must have been amazing. Yeah. That was what a crazy. feeling. Yeah. That was crazy. So everybody, from that from, from that moment on, it was back. We were back on track in Holland as well. Okay. So like for the for those five years just nothing no kickboxing at all and that this was the first big show and we had like the the minister of sports was there the the mayor of amsterdam was there and they just went crazy they were like oh this is amazing and you're real athletes and you you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing and this is this is amazing we're going to support this so yeah, with them uh, saying stuff like that and, yeah, being in the media, television, television shows, uh, but all different different stuff as well. So, just funny uh, television shows. Mm-hmm. So, they don't, all, they don't just see the fighting because mm-hmm. for normal people that, that see fighting, they're like, these guys are crazy, you know, right. what, what are these guys doing in the ring? And then they only see, like, the fighting machine. They only see the monster. And when they see me in a television show, uh, yeah, we got, like for example, we have this uh, Dutch television show, Boys versus Girls. And then we do like funny stuff, and then people see the other side behind the monster, behind the fighter, mm-hmm. and that just works. That's important. And, yeah. Then they they feel like they can approach you again, right? Because when they just see the fighter, because that that's what bothered it. He made the the monster out inside inside the ring as well as the monster outside the ring. He wasn't approachable because the people were like, "Oh shit!" When we approach this guy, he's gonna right. knock your head off. Right, right. Um, I think that's what I did. I I made kickboxers approachable approachable again. Ah, and was that a conscious decision on your part? Like, yeah, you, definitely. Okay, but not just not because of him, but just for kickboxing in total. Right, I just right. wanna elevated to the next level and i think that's what i did you know i'm working with crazy sponsors and who are some of your sponsors uh for, for example i'm working with uh, tagoyer uh, land rover so wow i saw you got a new jaguar yeah yeah so yeah, yeah just mixing it up with that. life is good life has been treating me very well did you ever think that you'd be able to get this kind of success this kind of you know these kinds of riches as a kickboxer or have you surpassed what you dreamed of no definitely not you know i um i had that dream and one way or the other 
that dream was going to come true. Mm. So either it's going to be left, right, up, down, I don't care. I just try everything. And yeah, I'm busy with some some big stuff as well. What do you, you got? Know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess don't hold it. back. <laughs> Sponsors? Movies? Uh, no, yeah. Modeling? Yeah. I, I feel like you could do some modeling. Have you done modeling? It's small things, small things. You want to yeah. do more? Yeah. We have Fashion Week coming up in New York yeah. next week. You know that? It's a big deal. Uh, yeah. Who Luke knows? Rockhold's <laughs> here doing some modeling. He yeah. was on my show, Tom Ford. Yeah, but you you look at his body and look at my body. You know, yeah. They have to no, no jeans for me. <laughs> oh, okay. I understand. I don't have the, the model body, but who knows? Yeah, it's all so, good. You know, I've been just doing a lot of things next to kickboxing as well. Okay. You know, just uh, expanding the business and doing things that fighters, kickboxers haven't done yet. Mm. So uh, I have to keep it, keep it on the low. But you know, in a, in a few months, it's gonna come out, and you go, oh, that was that was yeah, yeah, yeah. before about. the Batahari fight. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So um, so yeah, it's it's been going very well. So and but now, like I said, you know, focusing on the on the Anderson Braddock uh, Braddock fight. And preparation's been going well. Been feeling really, been feeling really good, and just yeah, keep getting better. And this fight is going to air here in the United States on ESPN two. Yes, sir. I don't know if you know that. It's a big deal. Yeah. Live, yeah, first yeah. time. First now, time, yeah. Yeah, well, as far as live is concerned, okay. Um, and the undercard is on UFC Fight Pass, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. In in the Netherlands. Does it air live as well? No, because we have yeah the time difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like sucky. Yeah, two, so two what, viewers. <laughs> yeah, so when when does it air? Uh, the next day. It does. Okay. Yeah, the next day on uh, on Spike TV Holland. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so um, it's going to be air around around 10 p.m. in the evening. Okay. So uh, so that's good. You know, they right away uh, broadcast it the next day. So because we have a like now, like I said, you know, so many people follow the follow the fighting game. And it's just it's just growing, and the television is seeing that it's growing. Just like big uh, televisions, uh, <coughs> broadcasters want want them. Like for example, the Batahari fight, and yeah. that just shows that we're we're growing, we're going up. Is he going to go to the fight on on Friday, Batahari? No, no, I, I don't think he uh, he can come. No, no, <laughs> he can't come in the country. <laughs> wow, what a guy this Batahari. <laughs> What a character. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, are you friends with The Rock? <laughs> You're a fan of his. Yeah, I'm a fan. I see you tweeting him back yeah. and forth, we're, Kevin we're, Hart. Yeah, we're Twitter, Twitter, Twitter friends. <laughs> Twitter friends, But you've yeah. never actually met. No, not yet. You're a big fan of his, though. Definitely. You know, it's like... Um, yeah, like I said, like I said multiple times on, on Twitter and on social media, you know, it's uh, The Rock and Kevin Hart are like my two favorite person, uh, wow. Hollywood personalities. Because... Um, they do the same thing as I do. We, they don't get comfortable. So they're on the, the highest level of success that's possible. And they work their asses off. Mm. And that's what I do the same in, in my game. So, And that just shows it doesn't matter how successful you are. You got to be keep working your ass off. Mm. And that's what they do. So that's why I follow them. Yeah, you love those guys. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's such an inspiration, such a motivation to keep working hard, and it just shows. Yeah, it doesn't matter how successful you are, just keep doing what you do. The Rock at the gym is just. I mean, it it almost makes me feel bad as a human being <laughs> looking at him on Instagram and stuff. It's like four a.m. and he's talking about working out. And he's all yeah. sweat. I mean, come on, who can do that? Yeah, that's work. That is work. That's work. You know, it's. Um, you do that too. You wake up that early? Uh, not that early, but. Yeah. Like for example, we arrived. I was here in Trenton around 
10 p.m. in the evening, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., we just jumped out the car, got out, got in the gym, just started working out. Crazy. But that's what, you need that's that what, motivation. Yeah, that's what needs to be done. You know, it's um, like I said. You know, I never, I'm never comfortable, so I need to, and that's why sometimes for, in our sport, my trainer needs to pull me back uh, because go sometimes too hard. I, yeah, I go too hard. I just what happened here? Yeah, training. The nose. Yeah. When training. did that happen? Uh, last Tuesday. Tuesday. Is that a problem? No. It won't reopen. No, definitely no. not. It's no stitches, right? No. No. Okay. Really small scratch. But yeah, it happens. Yeah. So um, because the closer we get to the fight, the harder the sparring uh, yeah, go, yeah. goes. You know, it's like it's almost like a fight with protection. How many rounds do you spar? Full on sparring before your fight? Uh, around 10, 12. 10, 12. Okay. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez. You know Eddie Alvarez? Yeah. He's the UFC lightweight champion. He said that he sparred 150 rounds before his title fight. Do you believe that? That's possible if you add uh, like a, a 12, uh, 12, 12, 12 week, week camp. Uh, camp. But you said, you said you sparred 12 rounds. Yeah. That's a Twice. big discrepancy. When did you find out about the Anderson fight? Not that long ago, right? No. I think about four to six weeks. Yeah. Why was it so short? I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, it was short announced, but I was already training. You were already of training. Yeah. I'm, I'm always training. Yeah. So even though... If I, if I don't have a fight, it doesn't matter for me. I'm always training, always working out, always keeping fit, keep keep my body fit, keep my mind on the on a good path. What is your are you still in contact with your mother? Yeah. What does she say about your career? Yeah, she likes it. Is she a yeah. fan? Does she watch? Yeah. Does she go to the fights? No, mo- no. most of the time not, but she's stressed out, but she, she <laughs> <laughs> And you have two girls. Yeah, two little beautiful girls. girls. Yes, sir. What are their ages? Uh, she, the oldest one is five and the smallest one is one and a half amazing yeah so they do they understand they don't really understand what you're doing right now right no the oldest one understands a little bit yeah yeah so uh, do you let her watch yeah, if if I know the the, the end result the result okay yeah. not live no 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 no, no. so um, yeah she knows oh daddy's daddy's gotta go daddy's daddy's world champion he's yeah. gotta go he likes <laughs> go it fight. yeah the belts like, yeah, she loves the belts and a school. She said, "My daddy is the strongest daddy of the world." Oh wow! <laughs> Stuff like that. What is it like when you go to her school? You yeah, see all the parents. Yeah, people know me, so they just leave me be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a little intimidated. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> and and what about you? And you're married, right? Or no, you're not married? No, no, no. Okay, not yet. So, actually, what I'm waiting for is the girls to get a little bit bigger and. Oh, you yeah. want them to understand? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, How come? Yeah, you know, it's just the the fam. My family is the, the my motivation to to work hard and to provide for them. And yeah, I just so if something special like this, you want them to be a happen, part of it. Yeah, they oh, that's definitely need to be a part of it. So I think that's important. And so yeah, my girl just has to wait. Okay, <laughs> right she more. wants to do it sooner. Yeah, she just. Yeah, she is. Am I opening up a can of worms here? You know that term in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. a big... <laughs> You're like Ariel. Can you shut the yeah, hell up? Stop, please. Yeah, yeah okay. she's watching. Yeah. <laughs> this, this she probably thinks. Oh, keep asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep more. So why don't you ask in the ring after the fight on Friday in front of the world? Nah, man, no, no, that's, that's, that's too private. Yeah, but it's also a thing that's done already. Too oh, fair many enough. Times is she so, coming to the fight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she comes in uh, Thursday. Okay. Because yeah, we have a uh, we opened up the uh, uh, our own gym. Oh, in 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 Holland. Yeah. Oh wow. So um, like 
like two minutes from the house. So, okay. So it's it's really close. And yeah, she teaches. She does everything. So my name is on the on the outside, and that's that's it. So she just uh, so she, she actually te- teaches kickboxing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Has she ever fought? Yeah. Professionally. So, uh, yeah. Wow. So um, she uh, she also came from karate. Okay. Uh, like the same karate my father Kyukushin karate uh, yeah she's like Dutch national champion Belgium champion she she went to the world championship so she can fight so when we got together she started doing some kickboxing and she did a few fights uh, yeah beat up everybody and then yeah then we got kids and she just now does she tell you like oh you should have done this or that in your fight and does that get annoying yeah, yeah. no definitely no? not because okay. she, she understands she the understands okay yeah, she really sometimes you know when you date a girl and you're a fighter <laughs> she's just there to watch and that's it yeah. she's not giving you pointers yeah. so I don't know if you if you would have liked that sort of thing you like that she gives you pointers yeah, okay. yeah because the crazy thing is 9 out of 10 times she tells me stuff to do and I don't do it and maybe a few days later or a week later my trainer Dennis tells wow. me to do it and then she said, oh, now you're doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tells yeah, you, you do it. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. tell you that. <laughs> so that should listen to her. Yeah, yeah, I should. Has she ever but cornered you? No. No. No, no, no. That that she doesn't do, but from the side. It doesn't matter how many people there are, how many people scream. I always hear her. You can hear her. Wow. Yeah. That's She's amazing. Like, oh, look, keep your hands <laughs> up. You know? But she, so when we, for example, uh, look at a fight or a fighter, I say, I think maybe we should do this, or maybe we should, you should do that, or hey, this wasn't good in that fight. And then you know, I talk with Dennis, and he says the same thing. That's 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 crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what if your daughter says to you, "I want to be a fighter"? My mom was a fighter. My dad was a fighter. How would you feel about that? It probably hurts. Yeah. <laughs> but if she, I will never stop her. You know, she just has to do what what she loves to do, and have fun. I think that's that's most important thing. You gotta. You got to teach your kids in life, you know, they got to have fun. Like the first, uh, like I said, in, when I was growing up, uh, there was a point I was not having fun with mm. kickboxing mm. because my dad was pushing me so much. And now I think that push gave me the right mindset for what I'm doing now. So keep working hard, never get comfortable. But it, it wasn't fun back then. So... The thing I'm trying to teach my daughters is, even though they're young, like do what you love to do. But when you do it, do it, yeah, one hundred percent. Right, go, go all in and don't do it like ten ten percent this, twenty yeah, yeah. percent that. You know, you can't do everything. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Do you kind of wish that you that 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 Japanese combat sports was bigger? Like you can have one of those big New Year's shows in the stadiums, fifty thousand, yeah, like, like it was don't. like ten, fifteen years ago. Do you, do you miss? Do you, like do you, do you feel like man? I wish I was fighting in that era. Yeah, definitely. definitely. What a bummer. That, yeah, that was that was crazy. There was everything. They were like like small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Action figures, everything. It's incredible how big it was. Yeah, it was it was huge. Do you think it'll ever get back to that? Yeah, I think so, but not in my era. Not in your era? No. Does that bum you out? Does that depress you? No, because I feel like I'm the one bringing that era back. Okay. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to bring kickboxing to to a whole new level. And maybe it's, you know, we're getting even to a bigger level than it wow. than, it's, than it, has, it, it, it has ever been before. It's amazing. What What a weekend for Dutch combat sports. By the end of this weekend, you... 
can be the reigning defending glory heavyweight champion yeah. and Alistair Overeem the UFC heavyweight champion so the two baddest men in the world both from the same country yeah that's crazy yeah that's crazy that's- and then you fight to find out who's the baddest man let's do it <laughs> <laughs> but in what in kickboxing or yeah, in MMA or both or both yeah that's you do like a series one kickboxing one MMA yeah or maybe if it's we can, one one let's let's maybe do something special you know one round kickboxing second round MMA wow like this like holy like crap the, like the pride days you just blew my mind let's do it <laughs> is there any chance of this probably not no probably no, not no probably not maybe we should start an organization yeah <laughs> could you imagine one round kickboxing one round MMA and the third round maybe boxing or is that yeah. too boring yeah maybe have you dabbled in boxing yeah yeah Yeah, maybe we should start with boxing then. So, and then keep going up. Yeah, so boxing, kickboxing, MMA. And then MMA. That's wow. crazy. Let's do Holy let's moly, do it. That, is a, that is a great idea. <laughs> hey, but in the Pride days in Japan, they did it. They they started off with, for example, yeah, kickboxing yeah, yeah. and then second round MMA. So Crazy. That's, yeah. And then chess. Have you seen the chess boxing? That's the fourth round. How's <laughs> <Yeah>. your chess? <laughs> How about chess? Pretty good. It's pretty good? Yeah. Alistair probably sucks at chess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to beat him in that wow I, I don't know why but I have this fascination with watching you versus Alistair I want to see that yeah, let's let's see you, uh, know. you remember when he won the K1 yeah. Grand Prix yeah were you impressed not really why see this is what I'm talking about there's something there no it's just he's not a real kickboxer he's not so how do you win yeah like semi shit wasn't in there so that was a good thing for him and Yeah, how did he win? You know, it's, it's yeah. I don't have to say luck because, but in a tournament, you just gotta. Yeah. Th- sometimes you just run through smooth. Sure. And that that's what he did. But he, he performed well. But like, for example, in the second round, Peter Ars got semi shield, and it was one hell of a fight. So, and Elvis just ran through Saki. Yeah. He kicked his arms twice. <laughs> Saki was out, and then he was in the final. And then yeah, Peter Ars was already finished. So. It's Would you like to see Glory do some, you know, like a Grand Prix type of thing every year like that, a tournament? Do you want to see that sort of thing or do you think it's not necessary? Well, I think what they're doing now is... I know you won the one-night tournament like a, a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time. Outside of Chicago, yeah. 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 Um, I think that was the Spike TV debut, if I recall correctly. That's possible, yeah. But would you like to see like a Grand Prix type of thing? You know? Yeah, it's possible, but I like the thing that they're doing now, so... They're having a tournament, for example, number two, three, four, yeah, uh, and five. Having one tournament yeah. to fight the champion. The champion. So right. that's and I think that's a, that's a good system that they're using. There's right a featherweight now. tournament this Friday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Simon Marcus, who's Canadian like me, yeah, also fighting. Uh, so you're already picking a favorite. Well, this is my, you know this is my country. You yeah. Know, you're, so you, you know, gotta support <laughs> Simon Marcus, my guy. I was sad that uh, Bazooka Joe had to retire. Yeah, that's too bad. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't. A good fighter. He had a, he had the right looks, so he was definitely uh, one of the guys that could put Canada, Canada on the on map. Guto Inocencio yeah. on the card. It's a yeah. very good card. Definitely, definitely, and, and, and that everything in Trenton, man. Come on, everything's in Trenton. <laughs> you know, you know what Trenton's um, uh, slogan is? Have you seen it? No. It said it's 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 Trenton makes the world takes. You'll right. see that on the on the bridge. Okay. Trenton makes the world takes. So that means that everything starts in Trenton. Yeah. And then the world just takes and takes and takes. This this is gonna be huge. Yes. America, this is gonna be huge. <laughs> Trent gonna, Trenton is gonna put kickboxing on the on the map. map. It's gonna explode. <laughs> I know Lou Lou Neglia is involved, and he's a very well known uh, you know MMA and kickboxing promoter. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be in Cleveland for UFC 203, but I will watch okay, on yeah. Friday. 
I'm yeah. sorry. I can't. If, if if it wasn't a UFC event, I would have gone. I went when uh, they were here in New York at Madison Square Garden, the yeah. theater. They had a tournament, um, and I loved it. It was fantastic. It's amazing. It's just a totally different vibe. It's different than MMA. Yeah, totally. So uh, and, and and if I'm being honest, it's a better live event experience because of the ring. Yeah, you can see better. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, it's a better view. I actually think MMA isn't a good live event experience. Like one time, it's fun, the atmosphere, but then you're watching the screen the whole time. Yeah, that's when they true. go on the ground. Yeah, that's true. In kickboxing, you can see everything. Yeah, because you're looking through the fence, and then sometimes when they're can't see you know, in the corner, is the cameraman standing there yeah. in every corner? It's a yeah, mess. So, yeah, it's difficult. But on television, you know, MMA looks great as well, mm. and kickboxing, yeah. It's just a thing. You just, you just have to feel the atmosphere of being there. Right. It just, it's just amazing. But that's the same with MMA. But with kickboxing, like you said, you can have a good view from wherever you're sitting. Well, I wish you the best, my man. Thanks, man. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks what a for pleasure. Me. There he is, the glory heavyweight champion Rico Verhoeven. He returns to action this Friday on ESPN Two. How about that? Yes, sir. Live and free from Trenton, New Jersey. He fights. <laughs> Anderson Braddock Silva, and then December 10th in Oberhausen, Germany, he meets Badrahari in what some people are calling the most anticipated, biggest kickboxing fight that can be made right now and maybe of all time. Definitely. It's going to be a legendary fight. Glory Collision, it's called. Yes, sir. Collision. Collision. How about that? I'm a little disappointed it's not a five-round fight, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me too. Blame it on Badr. Yeah, blame it on Badr. But you're going to be there, right? Gonna come um, to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's a UFC in Toronto that night. Why do they keep going ahead? There's just too many UFCs. That's yeah. the problem. Every week is a UFC event. Yeah, so. That is true. Uh, but I do wish you the best. Thank you Thank again you for coming on. And uh, we will be watching Friday. Uh, there he is, Rico Verhoeven, stopping by, defending his title. Do check it out this Friday on ESPN2. Okay, we are going to say goodbye. We'll reconfigure the studio. Then we'll take your questions and comments as we get set finally for UFC 203. While we do that, Here's my May 2010 interview with Fabricio Verdum prior to his fight against Fyodor Emelianenko. So you'll get to see his mindset as he was approaching the biggest fight of his career. Of course, he's in action this Saturday as well. Watch that, and then we'll be back right here on the MMA Hour. Ariel Hawani in St. Louis, Missouri with Fabricio Verdum, who faces Fyodor Emelianenko on June 26th. And uh, Fabricio, thank you very much for taking the time. Bro, this man. is a huge fight for you. Are you ready for it? I mean, where are you? Because this fight is uh, this fight my my life fight is a, a very good opportunity. I'm training every day. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe seven six months because my last fight is uh, in November. You remember the Pezon fight? I won, but um, I want I went I want I want this uh, feather fight because it's uh, it's the best in the world. I uh, a lot of respect for Fedor. He's a tough guy. He's good. He's, he's very good in respect. But um, I know it's my my opportunity. It's my turn now. Is uh, I I won. I won or I win. I won. You want? I want Fedor. Yep. Yeah. Was there ever a point that you thought the fight wouldn't happen because there were a lot of problems between M1 and Strike Force and we were waiting a long time for this fight? Yes, I, I wait a long time because it's, it's a big problem. I, I don't know, the Strike Force, M1, I don't know. This is uh, the problem, but I wait, I, but I know stop the training because they changed the, change, the, the date maybe three times. The first time in April, after May, in the last time is in June 26th. This is, I'm happy now because this is confirmation the fight. 
I, my, my red coat is uh, Rafael Cordeiro, talking with, because I, I train every day in Affliction Gym. Uh, Babalu helped me, uh, Vanderlei helped me, Vladimir Matschenko helped me, King Mo, everybody helped me, uh, Marco Munoz. This is uh, Ryan's the red uh, coach, the King Mo Ryan's, is helping me so much the wrestling. I train in, uh, in the uh, boxing, I train in Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, my, my coach Otávio de Souza is my, the nickname Ratinhos, helped me so much. Everybody helped me for this fight is very important for him. Yeah. I remember seeing you after King Mo won the title in Nashville and you said, I'm next. I'm the one who's going to win next. Yeah. Why do you think you're going to win? Because, yeah, because I, I, I wait a um, long time in this fight. I, I remember, I have the little story, uh, history. Yeah. Before and in, I fight in Pride, I see yeah, my brother, Felipe Verdun is my brother. Uh, um, every time I, I see the Federer Minotauro fighting in Pride. Uh, my brother look at the, the fight, Fabricio, this is, um, you, won, you won a Fedor one, one day. Yeah, believe me, my, my, bro, my brother didn't talk to me, for, me, for me. He, I don't believe it before because this is not the same time today. I mean, today I, mean, I changed my game. Muay Thai is very good Muay Thai, good boxing. But the boxing, you know, the adjusting, the adjusting in Hollywood, having the academy, helping so much. I'm happy. I'm only wait now. I wait the fight. I'm ex excited. Excited for fights. This is um, uh, I s every fights. I'm a little ne nervous. Nervous. Yeah. I'm a little nervous every time. But this fight, I mean, it's very good. No, no nervous. Nothing. Nothing. It's very good because I see the, the feather. I'm, I, I respect the feather a lot. I respect the feather. But. Uh, Feder is a very good guy. See, I see every time he's not, not cocky. Yeah. Cocky? No cocky. Uh, this Feder is very good. Uh, you respect for everybody. I like Feder. I like Feder. He only has one official loss on his record, but that was due to a cut that he suffered many years ago. How do you prepare for someone who has never lost before? Is there something that you see in his game that you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to look at and try to exploit this when you fight him? Because no one has ever beaten him, so it's not like you can watch a tape and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to recreate when I fight him. Because uh, the, the feather, everybody try the, um, the change the, the boxing, but nothing. The feather is very, very good punching, the strong punch, the right punch, the, the cross. Yeah, everybody the same game, every time the same game, Krokopi, Arlovski, I mean, everybody they try the same, same thing. I'm trying the different technique this time. I try the, I have the good uh, surprise. You're one of the best uh, jujitsu practitioners. All right, back on the MMA hour. So that was the interview before his June fight against, so it was around a month and a half before the uh, June 2009 fight against Fedor Emelianenko. And as you know by now, for doing beat, Emelianenko, which sort of reignited his career. Then he went to the UFC a couple fights later, went undefeated until this past May when he lost to Stipe Miocic, knocked out by Stipe Miocic. And it's always very interesting to see how a fighter responds to not only losing his belt, but also getting knocked out in a fashion like that in his home country. That's big. And so it was supposed to be Ben Rothwell against Verdum. Now it's Brown versus Verdum, which presents its own storyline. They they fought once, UFC on Fox 11 in 2014, and Verdum beat him. Um, Brown coming back very quickly after the 
lost to Cain Velasquez. He has a lot to prove. I feel like Brown has lost so much momentum. If you think back to that fight in Orlando, there was so much momentum then. He was so close to a title fight. And now for various reasons, things in the cage, out of the cage. I mean, he's just a totally different, the way people perceive him, completely different. And uh, he's he's got a tough one on his hands. So that's one of the interesting fights this weekend. Uh, UFC 203. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I am here. Are you excited for UFC? How would you describe your level of excitement enthusiasm four days before UFC 203? I'm moderately excited. Moderately excited. I'm not, you know, going crazy if... if uh, you know, if I were to let's say let's say unforeseen circumstances occurred and I missed the event, would I be on the verge of tears? No. That said, I will make an effort to see this. I will go out of my way to see this. I am interested. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this is my favorite on paper. Of course, we don't know how it's going to turn out. My yep. favorite main card of the year. There is something mm. for everyone on this main card. We haven't even talked about the fact Uriah Faber is fighting this weekend. Right, Uriah freaking Faber. Two months after he loses to Dominic Cruz, excuse me, three months after he loses to Dominic Cruz, is fighting this weekend in a very tough fight against Jimmy Rivera, by the way. Like a super tough fight. That's getting no attention whatsoever. How about Joanne Calderwood fighting on the main card? Like that, like I had to remind people of that last week, had no idea. I feel like there's, and of course the punk thing, the heavyweight title fight, I just feel like there's something, it's just a fun main card. It it is a good card, Uh, a a fun card. I don't know, you know, it's not like the highest ranked card we're going to get. It's not one versus two, three versus five, but it's, there's something for everybody. I agree with you on that. So that's why I would go out of my way to see this, um, but it's not, uh, it's not an event like a 200 or a 196 where I'm saying, if I miss this, I will be beside myself, but but it's, it's close for me. It's up there to where I want to see this pretty badly. Um, how would you describe your interest in the punk fight? Very interested. I just, I, I, I'm, you know, we've been on this ride for so long. I just want to see where it ends up. I want to mm. see what's at the end of it. And um, don't particularly, you know, have a rooting interest one way or the other. I'm not really, um, I don't have a, a it would be hard for me to say I'm leaning one way or the other as well. I don't know where CM Punk is at. I don't know where Mickey Gall is at. Um, it's really one of those fights where I'm going in, almost like clean canvas, blank slate, and Which we're going to see fun, where it right? ends up. That's, that's what's fun about it. That's what's fun about that fight. I, I still, again, I'll go back to what I said. Like, no one back in December of 2014 was earmarked for the third fight on the pay-per-view for UFC 203, right? So this idea that Punk is taking someone's spot, <sighs> this idea that he doesn't deserve to be there, I mean, we just need to come to terms with it. I think it's a throwback. Um, there's there's a lot to be said about the fact that he's still here. You know what I mean? Because I bet you most people thought after the shoulder injury, after the back surgery, that he could have easily walked away and said, you know what, I'm just, ugh, my body's broken. This is not working out. I don't want to keep going to Milwaukee. Like there, there were ample opportunities for him to walk away. And I really think that no one would have batted an eye. No one would have, yeah, some people would have talked smack on Twitter. Yeah, some people would have held it against him. But it wouldn't have defined his career. And the fact that he's still here and we're four days away and he's in Cleveland, look, I, I hate to put it in these terms, but that is a small victory in its own right. And I do, do you, do you understand when I say that he has the least amount of pressure? Maybe not in history because someone fighting in his debut or whatever uh, lower on the card. But the, the expectations, the bar has been set so low for him that mm. even if he gets by three, four, five minutes, I feel like that's another victory. 
Yeah. I know he's not trying to say. I know he's not striving for that. Right. I'm not, but that's just like, who's picking him to win? Who's N- Not a soul. Right. Not a soul. Outside of his team. I mean, even they, I'm, I'm sure in the back of their minds are like, we don't know. Um, they don't know. You know. It's one of those fights where I, I get, I get your point that um, that the bar is so low. But I think that the spotlight and the attention is so bright that no matter that bar is, is it, it doesn't matter where it is. It, it doesn't matter what happens if if Punk doesn't come in here, and even if he, I I, I would be shocked. Even if you eked out a decision, I think people would say. Mickey Gall was no good. I guarantee that there would be a, a subset of people that that's what they would say. And there would there's there's just this group of people that don't want to give him credit for anything. Um, and then there's a group of people who want to give him credit for, you know, even just getting in the cage. And there, there's there's not a middle ground with him. He's very polarizing. And I don't know if anything he does is going to be enough. Unless he comes out there and knocks out Mickey Gall in 20 seconds, right. I don't think anything's going to be enough to satisfy the people that already are against him um when they a a big group when they announced that he had signed did you think he would fight someone who fights who looks like mickey gall from training from the very limited footage or did you think that they would book him against a 36 37 year old part-time firefighter type of guy that's what i thought me too like like is it fair to say that mickey gall is a tougher first opponent than you expected 100 percent. i mean i with the I don't know enough about Mickey Gall. Uh, from what I have seen, um, you know, the fight against uh, Mike Jackson wasn't like indicative no. of anything. It didn't really tell me much of anything. Um, but based on you know what I have seen, he is a tougher opponent visually. Like you know, the eye test way tougher than I thought CM Punk was going to get. And let's not forget, not that long ago, Tough Ten. Let's take Tough Ten, yep. the highest rated season in the Ultimate Fighter history. There's a guy named Matt Mitrione who came on that show that was O and O. That had nothing as far as pro fights are concerned. Yeah. And he fought in a couple fights and didn't make it to the finale and then fought in the UFC. I mean, the fact that here we are with a guy who's 2-0 against a guy who's 0-0 isn't the craziest thing in the world. Let's stop the- Let's stop pretending that this stuff that hasn't happened in the in the in the in the rich and storied history of the UFC. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the people who do have an objection, it's the nonsense about he took somebody's spot. Well, every time there's a pay-per-view card. Somebody on that card is taking somebody else's spot. That's just the reality of this. There's only uh, 10 spots on a card. He has one of them. Too bad. But also, Too bad. do you think less of Alistair Overeem, Stipe Miocic, Fabrizio Verdum, uh, Travis Brown, Joanne Calderwood, your IFA, do you think less of them because they are sharing a card with CM Punk? Does he devalue them as fighters? Does he, he devalue the UFC? You know what I mean? Like It, it doesn't affect we, anyone. If there was a precedent where... The UFC only put on the absolute best fights. Every matchup was done by ranking number and only that. And there was no uh, consideration of pay-per-view and there was no consideration. Chael Sonnen fought John Jones after losing. I mean, from that point forward, we should have realized somewhere along the line that this is a sport um, that doesn't isn't based strictly on rankings isn't strictly uh based on accomplishments and credits um there's something to somebody being a showman and selling a pay-per-view and cm punk whether people like it or not is somebody that people want to tune in to see okay well now we're just agreeing too much yeah it's kind of it's weird, we, it's, weird. It feel, it's been a while it feels so weird. you're all in and and there's nothing else you could say other than 
yeah, like good for CM Punk. I mean, the people who were actively rooting for his failure, it just feels so evil. It's so evil. Why? Yeah. What? What is the point? The what? reaction if he wins some way, somehow... Ugh will be very funny. I'm, there will be, believe me, there will be excuses made if he wins. Yeah. There will be excuses made. I'm just so fascinated to see what the buy rate is. I'm so fascinated to see. We're about to find out just how good of promoters the UFC is. Can they get the wrestling community hooked? Can they even inform them that this is happening? Because I'm certain that well, a lot of them don't know. They don't what, have the benefit of the WWE. That's what I was going to say. Do you feel like they've properly tapped that WWE audience? Well, they did this whole show, which was a fairly well-produced show on, they aired it on a Monday on FS1, which was nonsensical. First of all, it shouldn't have aired on FS1. It should have aired on an FX or a Big Fox because, as I said to Meltzer, the FS1 audience already knows about CM Punk. They've heard about him. That's the hardcore fan base. They're buying whatever the UFC is selling. You, You book a CM Punk and you tell the story the way they told this story in order to capture the imagination of the non-MMA fan. And then you do it on a Monday night at the same time as Raw to ensure that none of the wrestling fans see this? I mean, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. I think, obviously, the people who are familiar enough kind of with the relationship between UFC and, and WWE with, you know, people who have, uh, for, from the wrestling side, have covered Brock Lesnar's transition, and those type of people will be aware. But I'm sure there's a, a, a set of fans that are, you know, strictly wrestling fans that don't really even know CM Punk uh, yeah. is, is And that's fighting. unfortunate because you, you would think that, A, they would be interested, and B, when they signed him. And remember, you have to recall the state of the UFC right, yeah. when they signed CM Punk. They were coming off, they were about to approach the end of one of their worst years financially. Tons of injuries, Mm -hmm. tons of canceled fights. This was 2014. Now, 2015, fast forward a year later, they're coming off their best year. Do they sign CM Punk? Do they sign CM Punk when they know that, you know, Scott Coker would have easily signed him? And, 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 And do we also remind people that the UFC was the one who approached him? There's so much to this. Thankfully, we could stop talking about it come Saturday. And we're finally going to talk about, you know, him actually going in there and whether or not he won or lost look good. I'm happy that that 18-month, 19-month journey is finally coming to an end. And that's what I was talking about when I was saying how excited I am for this event. Because I'm, uh, we've been on this for so long. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. like forever. And now, no matter what, we will have a verdict on CM Punk and Mickey Gall, to be honest, sure. at the end of this fight. It's just, and, to and me, there, commendable that he's actually doing it. And then there's a heavyweight title fight. Heavyweight title fight. Faber, how does he look against Rivera? Typically, he does very well in uh, non-title fights. I know Frank Yeager was different, but, you know, and, and Calderwood looked good in her last fight against Letourneau. So, there's a lot to like there. Unfortunately, I will not be wearing a Cavs jersey while doing our preview uh, video because you crapped the bed on that one, my man. Uh, Any Cavs players you think show up? Yeah, I have to imagine. I know JR, as you see, I know JR was in New York at the... Kanye uh, West oh. show yesterday, but so maybe he'll brother. make it back out to uh And the great Do- Dave Noseworthy was there too. There you go. Um, Do I think there will be Cavs? I think there'll be a lot of sports people from Cleveland. Scale I mean, of one to 10, yeah. how interested in, um, excuse me, how impressed, mm-hmm. I should say, were you by Alexander Gustafson's performance on Saturday? Was that the performance that he needed to get back in there or did he just need a win? to get back it's, on track. It's a tougher question to answer because there's a, there's so much nuance and context to it because he's been on such a losing skid. The performance, if I'm looking at it just objectively, like I, I only saw this fight, it wasn't, you know, it didn't 
blow me away that he didn't blow the doors off. Um, but because of where he was at and how long it's taken him to finally get back on the winning track, I'm going to say relatively impressed. Um, he's never been a guy who, who's gone out there and absolutely murdered people. Um, he's always kind of been somebody who puts together a really, you know, solid performance. And then the John Jones, uh, fight took that to a different level that took him to, to a level where he hadn't been before. Um, so I'm going to say solid impressed. Um, glad to have him back on track. So, uh, solid seven, eight. Yeah. All right. Because of the context, right. You know, the performance itself, if I'm just looking at it as a fight, it wasn't, it wasn't anything, you know, dominant it wasn't it wasn't that special um i think alex has more in him but i think that this was something he needed to get past that and now the next performance and the next performance after that he will continue to to improve yeah so ryan bader with a big win huge crazy knockout knee to the face and uh a fun fight between barnett and arlovsky barnett wins that one curious to see what they do with him next and uh what do you think msg eddie alvarez connor Oof. Did we get Eddie? Did we book that fight for Eddie with the walk and talk? Did we seal the deal? Uh, you're booking all kinds of fights. Let me right tell you now. something about Kensington. That yeah. place is uh, that's a different kind of place. It it looked like a different kind of place. I don't know. I don't. It, I, I, did it come across that way? It did, but also the the way you guys did it, it was very. It was focused on you guys. Um, so you're not seeing like, you know, people the, are the, looking at you. Yeah. Everybody who's probably on the street staring right, at you right, and that right, type right. of thing. You see the TVs, you get the hints. Sure. Uh, but what I think is because I'm from New York and yeah. because I've li- lived in the tri-state area my entire life, I've been to cities like this. I've seen that kind of, um, atmosphere. I've seen these things. People may not be picking up on just what they were like seeing in the background. You know what I mean? Like ga- the gated um, houses, the the TVs just sitting on the on the stoop, the abandoned com- completely uh, properties, vacant houses. Um, you know, the guys just hustling on the street, selling the t-shirts, that type of thing. Um, I'm used to it. So I was like identifying with it, but there may be people who that, that was a new experience for. Did you, after watching it, do you now have a greater appreciation for Eddie? I always knew Eddie was one of those types that was tough as nails fighter from Philly. Like he has that, he, he's had that persona, but the, the things that he talked about, there were cer- certain things that he was mentioning that were super like revealing and, and really um, interesting about his character, about the things about the letters, about his own oh, yeah. self doubts um, and, and writing these letters to, to both his, his then girlfriend, now wife and himself, all kinds of interesting looks into kind of the mentality of a guy um, that you might not get. And, and, you know, from the exterior and where he's growing up, you wouldn't think that Eddie Alvarez is going to sit down and write a letter to himself um, or, or to his wife about, you know, this is, this is where I'm at in my, in my career. This is what I'm fearful of. Um, it's a really kind of enlightened thing. And, um, I just I appreciate him so much more as as a overall package, a, a human outside of yeah. just being that like kind of tough fighter. Because he's always been a tough fighter, but he's a tough person. He's a he he's persevered so through so much in his life. It was it was a really uh, powerful. That's what that's the one word I would use mm. to describe it. It was very powerful. Well, I'm glad we finally got it done, proving once again that <laughs> I am a man of my word. That is for Alistair Overeem, who continues to spew this propaganda that I've. Uh, <laughs> promised him an ipad although i did say that we'll discuss if and when he becomes heavyweight champion so it is the day of reckoning on saturday it is coming but uh maybe we'll go back into the archives and prove once and for all that we never actually promised him this but anyway uh (laughs) i I do appreciate everyone watching so do we have uh 
So yeah, let's let's, let's just, run through a couple quick let's ones do here. Them generally, so we touched on Gustafson, Barnett. Um, where does he go now? I mean, he's got to be back in in you know the upper echelons of the heavyweight division. Where does this place him? A lot of people misunderstood when I said on Saturday it's a shame Brock Lesnar isn't available because I would love to see Brock Lesnar versus Barnett next. I'm not saying it's a shame like oh I'm just you know sweeping his alleged PD use under the rug. I'm just saying, look, it's a shame he's not available. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm not condoning it at all. I I didn't understand how people didn't understand that tweet. But anyway, that would have been a very fun fight. Uh, I mean, just looking at at who's out there in the rankings, JDS versus Barnett would make a lot of sense. Who's calling us now? Uh Uh-oh. Should we take a phone call? Let's 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 listen in. Hold on. All right. Uh, JDS versus Barnett, I think, is a lot of fun. Um... There's not a ton of options. I mean, we'll see what happens here. Maybe it's Verdum against Barnett. How much fun would that be? Wouldn't that be great? Verdum versus Barnett, given their background? So I think there are enough options, but I think we need to wait and see how things play out on Saturday. You are not going to believe this. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know how much money we could be saving on our energy bill right now? Oh, it was one of those calls? Yeah, it was one of those calls. Damn. What a bummer. That's the first to the studio. That's a first. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I talked, I said, you know, for, for you that missed it, everyone else heard <laughs> it, but, uh, basically let's wait and see what happens. Maybe, uh, Verdum, if he wins, you yeah. know, th- there are some options over him. I mean, it, if he loses, the heavyweight just, division, loses. it just feels like one win gets you right back where you need yeah. to be every time. And that was an incredible fight. Especially really, when really you have fun. a name like Barnett. Um, Joe Silva. Let's let's talk about oh, yes. what would you say about Joe Silva, his history, his legacy with the sport? How would you encapsulate um, Joe wow. Silva? Well, certainly um, a giant, um, a legend. Uh, who knows how this sport would turn up, how it would end up, how it would be if we'd be where we are without him. I mean, again, I would highly recommend reading that story that Dave Meltzer wrote. Here's a guy who saw the the phone number for the UFC in Black Belt Magazine. They were running some kind of super fan promotion. He calls the number. Campbell McLaren, who's running the show back then, who's been on this show, picks up the phone and he just starts spewing off some ideas about the UFC. And if you know Joe Silva at all, fortunately, he doesn't do interviews. Maybe that will change once he retires. Um, but I, I doubt it, at least at the beginning. Anyway, if you know him, it's, it's 100% Joe Silva. He's very opinionated. He's very intimidating. Uh, you know, I mentioned on the MMA beat, he's not a very tall guy, but when he walked into a room, you know, when, when he was dealing with fighters and managers, I mean, he, he, he swung the biggest stick. I mean, he, he, was, he was a guy that a lot of people, including Dana White, never wanted to get in an argument with because he can never beat Joe Silva in an argument. Just a super intimidating, aggressive guy, but a very talented guy, a very, um, you know, as far as like, booking fights and building contenders. He told me a long time ago, his job is not to, you know, book title fights, make champions. It's to make contenders, to have a queue of contenders so that after one guy defends the belt, there's a next guy and a next guy and a next guy. And that kind of changed the way I viewed matchmaking. And I saw a lot of people say when the news came out, oh, what an easy job. I'd love to do this job. This would be the best job. You don't want Joe Silva's job. It is a nightmare. It really is. There are so many shows pretty much every week. Tons of people get fired. Excuse me. Tons of people get injured. You have to fire people. You have to release people. Um, You have to break people's dreams. And you have a vision for cards. You have a vision for UFC 200, how you're going to make it the biggest, baddest card of all time. And more often than not, the vision doesn't come to fruition. 
More often than not, you have to change things at the last minute. You have to put together fights you don't want to make. You have to rush guys into fights that they're not ready for. That is frustrating. Now, of course, you know, it's a job and jobs are tough and you got to deal with it. But, you know, the, the, the task of signing fighters, keeping things fresh, finding new talent, building new contenders, it's a very tough job. Uh, both he and Sean Shelby are the greatest to ever do it. Obviously, they've been doing it for so long and the UFC will miss him. If I'm WME, A, I'm, I'm kicking myself that I didn't try to keep him around earlier before this, you know, all came to fruition. And uh, B, I'm, I'm sort of dreading the day that he walks away because Sean Shelby is very, very talented. You can make the case that Sean Shelby is even better at his job, in my opinion, than Joe Silva, but he's just one man. And you can also make the case that those two guys are doing the job of five or six, if not more. And I think they're going to miss his, his presence greatly. I mean, they really, really respected Joe Silva. Joe Silva was so respected that he was the only full-time Zufa employee to not live in Las Vegas. He lives in Virginia, but he's just so damn good at his job that they let him live where he wants to live, which is with his family back in, in Virginia. He is just a huge part. He precedes Dana, Lorenzo, Frank. He's like 94, 95 Zufa. It's not even called Zufa back then. It was called SEG. So yeah, this is a uh, this is the dawn of a new era, and in my opinion, one of many changes to come to the UFC. GSP, he mentioned uh, oh God. a potential trilogy fight with BJ Penn, dismissing no, no. it, nothing to gain. Any thoughts on that? No, no, that's not happening. Silliness. We don't like the uh, Ricardo Lamas fight. We certainly don't like this fight. <laughs> I mean, he's fighting at 145 now, right? George said he could, you know, get down to, no, to no, lightweight. No. Okay. Just please don't get me started on the whole Dana White GSP thing. I mean, this to me is, is it's like, it's like someone taking a sledgehammer <laughs> to my skull. The greatest, arguably the greatest fighter of all time, arguably. Number two, if you disagree, number three at the most or at the least is, is telling you, I want to come back. Let's figure it out. Is saying, I'm going to get drug tested. Is saying, I did a training camp. I am ready to come back. And you know, it would be great to fight in Toronto on December 10th. And the president of the company keeps telling people, no, he doesn't want to come back. No, 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 no. He doesn't want to come back. He's not really serious. He just wants to do it for sponsors. He wants to do it. I don't understand where things went wrong between these two. But the back and forth, like the GSP almost trying to convince us in public that he is actually serious about coming back. And then Dana trying to refute this is the most frustrating storyline in MMA right now. Yes, they're apart. Yes, this is a negotiation. But why can't we just say, look, we're going to figure it out. We're going to sit down. If the dollars make sense, we're going to make it happen. But why are you continuing to tell people that he is not serious about coming back when he is clearly serious about coming back? It makes no sense. And he deserves more respect than that, in my opinion. It's, arm, it's an arms race, though. I feel like both sides are kind of... It's a negotiation. I'm, I'm, um, but can't the negotiation just be, look, we're in negotiations? That, that would be nice. Right. You I know, think, like, well, why, why are we trying to call the guy a liar? Yeah, I think, I think we're past that, though. I don't, I don't think he can come back. Uh, Tough 24, did you watch it? No. Did you? I did not. <laughs> Will mean, you watch it, it? No. There's nothing that's going to get me to watch it. It doesn't matter how many champions from there's other too organizations. Much. It doesn't matter. I like how we're calling them world champions from other organizations. World champions from other organizations. There's 16 world but champions. Now, do you think this, though? Will it have an impact on the flyweight division? Regional do you champions. think that'll give a, no. a little more? No. Nothing. I want to see, see Demetrius Johnson versus Luis Smolka next. I want to no, no, see no. Demetrius Johnson versus Wilson Hayes. Not, if, not just the... Uh... No. Okay. 
I mean, look at the ratings for the first episode and typically that one does the best. The show has run its course. It's the same show. It was a mistake to put two coaches on this particular season. It should have been every man for himself. It should have been 16 guys in a bracket fighting each other and basically we're throwing you in a house and fighter x tim elliott you have to go up to the other guy who you may fight down the line but currently you're not scheduled to fight and be like look man do you want to go you know train together do you want to spar and that might lead to a, a a weird situation and when guys start to lose they might have to pick sides but it just has to be every man for himself for for the opportunity to fight the king this idea that we're picking teams and it's Benavides and Cejudo, it's like, what are we doing? These guys lost to DJ already not that long ago and they're going to teach other guys how to beat them? Come on, guys. Open your head a little bit. Open your mind. Think. Try to, try, to, try to evolve a little bit. It's the same show 24 seasons in, not to mention the international ones. The same show in the same training facility, essentially the same house, wearing the same jerseys. How is that interesting? And the Ultimate Fighter back in the day was interesting when there was one UFC every two, three, five months, right? Now there's UFC every week. I don't need that extra hour. I just don't. Now, if they had done that that bracket and that setup that you had set, a little more, would you even still watch? I don't oh, think I would still. Maybe even. not, but a little more. It's just frustrating to see I, a lack of imagination sure. and creativity the, and thought. The, the, we've lost faith in the brand for sure. Uh, the brand of the Ultimate Fighter. Yes, the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, brand. because it's the same thing after yeah. ten years. Misha Tate, um, do you think this will impact her marketability, this, this uh, story about her, her taking the little girl down the mountain? Um, I mean, Misha Tate is a great person, and she's very, very popular. If you just go by social media, she's, she's kind of done this sort of thing before. She, she yeah. helped uh, Brian Caraway's mom. I mean, I, it, it will be a nice story, but at the end of the day, you know, her fighting and her wins and losses will determine what no kind of... No net impact. I mean, it gets her in the news and it's beautiful and I commend her. I don't want to, you know, downplay it or belittle it, but I don't think she's going to, you know. I, th- I think things like this are always part, a good part of the story. The Remember package, when John sure. Jones was the, the choir boy and he stopped the mugger? That part of the story just grew the legend, um, but it's not going to do anything on its own, in my, in my opinion. It needs, it needs you know, uh, the, the timing needs to be right for a push. Uh, this person is picking CM Punk to upset the world to shock the world hey now i'm asking you are you picking cm punk to shock the world you're asking me personally i'm asking I don't you pick. i told you why, why you keep asking me predictions i don't pick you had no problem picking when it came to not wearing that Cavs jersey you picked oh well, i had to do that hard I, out. I, I was fighting for my life <laughs> and by the way people mention the astute ones noticed that when i did the ufc 202 thing with the fans you know the irish fans i said Here's my pick, and still champion Conor McGregor, but he was going to be champion whether or not he won or lost. Right. They realized that you didn't actually make a pick. <laughs> you stupid people. I see. <laughs> um, I do. I, I personally What's do not. Pick? I don't think CM Punk's going to win, but I, I don't know enough. I mean, we'll see. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, though. But I think. Why aren't you going to Cleveland? Didn't you say you were going to go? Glory's on Friday. Uh, so you can go Saturday. How see, far is it? On. It's only a one hour flight. No, no, no. Can't do this. All right. What are, what are the odds? Do you know what the odds are? I know what they are. Yeah, CM Punk is uh is like a three to one dog, something like yeah, that, right? Plus three sixty three, and Gall is uh, minus three fifty five. That's actually feel? higher than it used to be. I think it was uh, Mickey Gall was was less of a favorite before, and and I think you know it again. 
that number could be anything and I wouldn't have the slightest read. I'm not, I don't like betting or, or wagering on debuting fighters, any debuting fighters, even if they're from another organization and they just came to the UFC, any de- debuting fighters, let alone somebody who's coming uh, in with no previous pro fight experience. I, I wouldn't even touch this one uh, from a betting perspective. Are you surprised that Uriah Faber is a slight underdog? I'm not. I mean, I think we've reached that point in in his career wow. um, where the fights are going to be closer. He's not going to be you, the guy who take a flyer who steamrolls. Uh, would I take a flyer on Faber? I don't know. Um, probably not. I'd probably pass in this case because I want to see one fight. I want to see you know how he reacts. Um, pro- I probably wouldn't touch it. Um, but I think he's. I, I don't think he's by any means not uh, in this fight. I, th- I think he's clearly in this fight. Are you surprised that Calderwood is a slight underdog? That may be more, um, but still not. No. All right. Um, does Punk here, here? You can answer this now. Are does, you surprised? No. Oh, okay, go ahead. Hit it. me. Hit me. Overeem, slight underdog. No. Very close. Plus 124, minus that, That's about where I would think it would be just because, um, I mean, we, clearly Overeem is dangerous, but clearly Overeem has the flaws that he's always... like. Overeem, you know what you're getting with Alistair Overeem. Sure. He, is, he is going to be a very dynamic striker. He's going to probably hurt Stipe at some point in this fight. Um, but at the same time, he has a, a deficiency in, in taking punishment. If, if Stipe can catch him a few clean times, he has a, a very good path to victory. Um, I, I don't know which way I would lean. I'm probably... You know what? I, I think I probably lean over him in this fight, um, but I could see Stipe earning a really um, workmanlike decision as well. I could see him just, you know, racking up the the, the strike count and, and putting it on him. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, Verdum isn't a bigger favorite. He's minus 200 Browns plus 191. Are you surprised that close? I am because of how one-sided that first fight was. Yeah. Uh, Verdum kind of kicked him around the ring. I mean... Even up until the finish, he was he was just beating him up. Um, so yeah, I'm a little surprised, but I think people recognize that Travis Brown has that kind of one hitter quitter uh, ability. He, he can turn a fight around very quickly. He's very dynamic, very powerful. Um, but yeah, I would think Verdum would be a bigger favorite there. All right. Does CM Punk use cult of personality? The question wow. we all want to know. What a great question. Uh, I think it would be a mistake not to use it. That place will go nuts it is unfortunate could you imagine what the the scene would be like if this debut fight was happening at the united center in chicago they would have lost or the all-state you know center whatever in um rosemount horizon i think Uh, like he has he is associated with that song that is his song now i do think it was a mistake if i'm being honest um did you watch the evolution of punk i did yeah all four episodes the ending montage was just a little too like 1984 rocky if I'm being honest. I feel like you got to do some of that. With the music, eh, it, it felt a little derivative. But he needs to come out to that song. Yeah, I mean, the place... Do you, now, just, do you think there's any possibility that he wants to disassociate himself with that because it's so tied to his uh, wrestling career? Uh, look, he's coming out of CM Punk. That's his wrestling name. Sure. That's who he is. Sure. I, I think it's a mistake to completely shed yourself of that persona that image he's done enough of that Uh, a lot of people when they 
first heard that he was going to sign there, like like Meltzer said, they thought he was going to be cutting these great promos. That's not what he's done. And I don't begrudge him for that. He has to feel comfortable with this. He said it time and again, and people haven't liked that. It's about the the journey, not the end result and the destination. He's just He's just not comfortable with coming out and saying, I'm the best in the world and I'm going to kick your ass when he's the new kid. And I know that there's an irony there when he used to complain about other people getting shots, you know, over him. There, there is an irony and, he, and we've addressed that in our interviews. Um, so I think there's certain things he feels comfortable with calling himself CM Punk. And I feel like he's going to come out to the sun. I feel, but I also wouldn't be surprised. I have no knowledge. I don't know if he's going to come out, but if you're asking me, should he, I would suggest it's a good idea. For Doom Brown, do you feel like the winner of that is next in line? No, Kane. Fair enough. It's got to be Kane. Yep. Uh, UFC 205. What's the deal here? What's the deal? Uh, you know, look, if, if, if it's me and I'm talking about what I'm emotionally invested in, it's Alvarez McGregor. I, after, after experiencing that whole day with Eddie Alvarez, that's the fight I want to see. And I think that the first show at MSG needs to feel special. Champion versus champion. McGregor with the opportunity to become the only man in UFC history to, to hold two titles at the same time. It feels big. Eddie Alvarez with his crew from Philly. Connor with his Irish crew coming from Dublin from, with, with the Irish people here in New York will feel like a massive deal. Not having Ron on the card, that's done. It's not happening. And the one concern is, will Connor feel healthy enough? I think they have to book it sooner rather than later. I think, I think it has to be this week, right? I mean, we're approaching almost two months away and there's nothing. Other fights. Yeah, what else? Cerrone Lawler, definitely the one being discussed. Uh, Edgar Stevens being discussed. These aren't done, so don't go writing articles and saying that I'm saying it's done, but these are the ones being discussed. Uh, like I said last week, Jacare Rockhold was discussed, but you know there appears to be some issues there. So potentially Romero Weidman, which to me, Romero Weidman is the fight to make. There is no doubt about that. That is like... That is like the second coming of Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik, circa 1984. Mr. All-American, Chris Weidman, going in there against the heel, Yoel Romero, who doesn't really quite understand why he's the heel, who's sort of oblivious to it as he's talking about religion and all this stuff with his accent and his promos, Cuban defector. I mean, if, if Weidman wins that fight, he becomes a megastar at MSG, USA, USA. You got to build on that. And then if you can do... Jacare Rockhold, that's the fight to make. Wait, did I say Jacare Rockhold? The original plan was Rockhold Romero and now Romero Weidman. But Jacare Rockhold too is the fight. Like oh, yeah. I understand why they're thinking Romero against Rockhold because Romero beat Jacare and Rockhold beat Weidman. So I guess that makes sense. But Jacare and Rockhold have the history. And then the way I just laid it out with 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 the Weidman and Romero, that's the fight to make. I Quinta against Alves. I suspect Sterling will be on the card. Um, I might be missing potentially Joanna, potentially. So th- I mean, there, there's there's things there. Is that is that up to the caliber of what we were Hell expecting yeah. going in? Yeah. Um, also, I completely I could not agree with you more on that middleweight uh, breakdown. That's got to be it. You have to do those fights. Of course. Uh, Cyborg and Ronda. Yes. Uh, Cyborg is on record now saying that she still wants this fight. That's the fight that has to happen. Do we ever get that? I'm not very confident. Because you think Ronda wouldn't come up to meet Chris? What what would stop this from happening? It uh, is the bi- clear do, do we agree that this is the biggest female fight that could happen? Absolutely. I mean, nothing's changed even though Ronda has lost. 
I still maintain that Ronda shouldn't fight for the belt upon returning. I still maintain that they should have her fight Holly Holm. So, um, do you, you know, think it would be that they're she- looking at December thirtieth? But that's not you know they were hoping for uh, uh, MSG. That's not happening. December thirtieth would be the next big one in in America. December tenth is in Toronto. Um, I don't think there's any history. I mean, Ronda going for the belt is probably what's going to happen and I get it. She deserves it. It makes sense. She made that division. She's the queen. I, I totally get it, but I still think you can get away with like Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena and, and, and Ronda versus Holly Holm. Now Holly Holm has an injured thumb, so maybe she's not ready, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't think Ronda necessarily has to fight for the belt and I think you can get two for the price of one. But what about Cyborg? Uh, I mean, Cyborg's fighting into September, so we'll see what happens there. I think they need to get... I mean, I, I would prefer if they stop booking Cyborg at 140. Just make her the 145-pound champion mm-hmm. and build the division around her. She's a big enough star. She deserves it. You can find enough people to fight her twice, three times a year. Um, in the same way, there, was, there wasn't that many options at 135 not that long ago. And now look at the options. We can, we can get there. Um, but after seeing what we've seen out of Cyborg, I, I don't like the idea of her fighting at 140. I think it makes no sense. I've said this. She has, she has, you know, she is the queen of 145. She's the very best at 145. And she's killing herself to get to 140. Um, and that division doesn't exist. Like, what are we trying to prove? She can't make 135. So what are we trying to prove by having her come in the middle and only hurting herself in the process? Like, what's the end goal here? What, 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 are, we, what are we trying to say? I don't get it. What's the message? Because we can? It doesn't make sense. Sure. Uh, Cormier versus Jones too. Is that the matchup to make? No. You want Jones and Rumble? I want Jones. No, that's a, that's the the worst. Jones and Gustafson. Jones and Gustafson. But Cormier of course, and Rumble. It feels weird to talk about Jones because he still has to face the Nevada Athletic Commission. Like like to to to, to talk about him even being back is silly. It's putting the cart before the horse. But let's just say he's back next week. Jones, Gustafson, Rumble DC. It has to be Rumble DC next. There has to be repercussions. And I think that booking Gustafson versus Jones next, if you can, will elicit memories of that great fight at 165. Will allow if you book Jones versus Rumble, it elicit memory it elicits memories of the hit and run, because that's when they were supposed to fight. So that's like the bad John Jones era. Cormier, you can't go back to that well because we've been burned too many times. People are exhausted. That fight will bomb on pay-per-view. Take my word for it. Really? But if you go back to the Gustafson fight, that elicits memories of arguably the greatest fight in UFC history. That elicits memories of Jones fighting above himself, digging down deep, heart of a champion. That's what you need to remind people of. That John Jones the lead-up was horrendous. He didn't take him seriously. But in that fight, he, tr- he showed who he truly is. That's what you need to try to reignite. Now, I like the idea of Gustafson fighting a couple more times as well to rebuild his confidence because I don't think one decision win over Jan Blachowicz gets you there. But in a perfect world, if his confidence is back and he's right and all that, I think that's the best fight for John Jones. You don't think that the... Roller coaster of John Jones versus Cormier. Hell no. Would turn into anything. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's been too long. Already it was sort of sputtering, getting to 200. It was was pulled. The rug was pulled underneath everyone. It would be a huge mistake, in my opinion, to book that fight right away. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We got one more, two more. What do we got? We got no more. That was the last one. Wow. How about that? So heavyweight champion this time next week is? I'm leaning Alistair over him. And Verdum you're picking? Verdum, I'm picking. Yeah. And you're picking Gall? Yes. And you're picking Rivera? 
That one I'm not as I wouldn't say I have much of a lean either way. Okay. Um, we're kind of getting to the point in Uriah Faber's career where I'm not sure. Like, you, you know, a year, two years ago, it was oh non-title fight Uriah Faber wins. Obviously, sure. Um, now we're at the point where I don't know. We have to kind of see. Um, there, there is a point where he's going to slow down. I, we haven't really seen it yet. Um, he's been pretty. He's been in incredible conditioning. Um, he, he's he's always kind of stayed at that level, like a Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping hasn't suffered much of a drop off, but there will come a time where they will, and you never know when that's going to hit. It's, it typically happens one fight, and then uh, after that, it it, it uh, continues. Um, could be any any day now for Faber. Could be years down the line, but I'm not sure, and that's why I would stay away. All right. Uh, other fights, by the way, of note on Saturday, Betch Cohea against Cleveland's own Jessica I. Oh, yeah. FS1 prelims. Uh, Ian McCall returning. Remember, he was supposed to fight a 2-1 against Ray Borg. CB Dalloway on the card. Yancey Medeiros. Prelims a little thinner than the main card I spoke so highly of, but... Eh, some names. I'm into it. Some names, yeah. Going to Cleveland. First time. Can't wait. Going to be great. It's, it's going to be nice to be in a city that wins NBA championships, yeah. right? Uh, the wine and gold. We're all in. Yeah. <laughs> City of champions. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Glory this weekend as well. So it's a very busy weekend in combat sports. Trenton. Can't Friday, wait. 11 Glory PM. 33. Well, not really 11 PM. It's on fight pass too. Don't forget about fight pass. Yeah. 830 fight pass. Yeah. Also Simon Marcus headlining that one. Should be good. Okay. Canada's own. All right. That does it for us. You can hit my music. So here we are, my friends, four days away. What a long and winding road it has been for CM Punk. Nay, Phil Brooks. But Saturday night, we presume he makes that walk. A walk that a lot of people thought he would not make. A lot of people thought after the shoulder injury, he would bounce. A lot of people thought after the back surgery in February, he would bounce. And I did not cause it, by the way, just for the record. Did a pretty damn good job of blocking out all the critics, all the haters, and now here he is about to make his MMA debut. Does he deserve it? Did the UFC make a mistake? It all doesn't really matter at this point. Barring any unforeseen obstacles, it is going down in the same arena, get this, that he walked out on the U- on the WWE, I should say, back in 2014. His last day on the job, he tells Vince McMahon, at the queue in Cleveland. Peace, I'm out of here. Now here he is in that same arena about to make his MMA debut. Crazy. You couldn't script it any better. Amazing. Oh yeah, the heavyweight title also on the line Saturday night as well. We shall be there. Stay tuned for our coverage again. Thank you so much for watching the Edgar Henry video and as, as well the Eddie Alvarez video. Walk and talks, nothing like them. Love doing them. I want to thank everyone who stopped by. Thank you very much to Dave Meltzer. Thank you very much to Anthony Pettis. Thank you very much to Duke Rufus, Junior Dos Santos, Cain Velasquez, Ben Rothwell, Rico Verhoeven, and you back next Monday, same time and place. Don't forget it. Till they say peace. Somebody out.